the blast from our past network. Hey there, I'm Catherine Mary Stewart, and you are listening to Podcasting After Dark with Zach and Corey. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, The Wraith, starring Charlie Sheen, Sherilyn Fenn, Nick Cassavetes, and Matthew Berry. Welcome to a very special episode of Podcasting After Dark, uh, one that has been two years in the making. <laughs> I'm, I'm dare I say, dare, dare, I do dare. Uh, it's me, it's Tiny T, the sweet, sexy Z, Zach, joined <laughs> as always with my bodaciously beautiful co-host, Corey Stevenson. What's up, dude? Hey, hey, hey what's up, buddy? <laughs> Um, I wanted to get you until and then and then do a proper introduction to my third wife, <laughs> my uh, broham from another moham, the other half of two dollar late fee, the other podcast that I that I'm a part of, um, and introduce my illustrious co-host from two dollar late fee, Dustin Rubin. Dustin, thanks for joining us on Podcasting After Dark for our crossover episode. Zach and Corey, thank you guys both for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about The Wraith. I'm excited to talk about uh, the music of The Wraith, if, we, if, if we're going to do that, and, um, and all the things that we love, and maybe some of the things that we also uh, don't love upon our most recent viewings. But <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all really love. It's all, it all comes back. It's a foundation of love. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for having me. That's that's really what I wanted to say. It's love. It, it, it's like a complex marriage. There's ups, there's downs, there's ins and there's outs and all, all that good stuff. Yeah. I I think um I, I think I said it on the two dollar late fee episode. It's not a perfect movie, but it's perfectly fun. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Yes. Um for those that don't know, faithful podcasting after dark listeners, Dustin and I had Corey on $2 late fee where we talked about in a very free form discussion about the Wraith, the soundtrack, the year it came out. If you haven't checked that out, uh, we highly encourage you to hop on over to $2 late fee and check out that episode. Cause it's a lot of fun, but there's a little history behind why we're doing this. Um, when I started doing both podcasts, podcasting after dark and $2 late fee, I wanted in some way, to find a movie that connected the two podcasts. And Corey and I had talked offline saying, we really want to do this. And, and Dustin's like, yeah, let's do this. And, and, and it was really The Wraith. The Wraith was the one, the movie, that kind of brought it all together. That's the movie that, spar- that's the movie that sparked Dustin and my relationship. And it's a movie that Corey hasn't seen up until about two weeks ago, <laughs> ever. And, uh, I mean, this movie really quickly... It, it, it holds a very special place in my heart. Uh, I saw it when it came out in 86. Uh, I've seen it countless times since then. I probably watch it at least once a year, at least once a year. Um, in the past two weeks, I've probably watched it three or four times. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so I, for me, it's, it holds a special place. But Dustin, what's your history with The Wraith? 
well, I originally saw the Wraith uh, on HBO. It was a it was a a day. You know, it was a normal day. You know, it was a very normal day, and I was uh, just kind of flipping through the channels as I as I was wont to do uh, during those days. And uh, yeah, fortunately, we had HBO, and I uh, I saw some lightning bolts coming out of a coming out of a car, and I was like, what in the <laughs> <laughs> Hi, holy hell is this? Um, watched it that day. Watched it anytime it was on, pretty much. Um, and uh, have watched it. Yeah, it's just one of those movies that it's 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 very rewatchable. And it wasn't until maybe like thirty five years later, when you and I, Zach, were having a a breakfast, and you just casually drop the wraith into conversation and i did a As one does what the what i did like a like a triple take i had to confirm that that's exactly what you referenced i i had to, I had to be like did you just reference the wraith and you were like yeah of course of course i referenced the wraith and i was like my god no one knows that movie um <laughs> no one that i know knows that movie um and thus launched our torrid love affair <laughs> sure did <laughs> and Corey, uh what's your very brief history. <laughs> very brief history with the Wraith. Yeah, I, I I never watched it before, uh, and I I knew it was PG thirteen, and I I talked about on the two dollar late fee about you know I remember the cover and everything and always seeing it, but I never picked it up. Boy, oh boy, do I regret that decision uh, now looking back <laughs> because I do think I would have had a lot of fun with this movie as a kid. But yeah, before we recorded the Tudor Lafey episode a couple weeks ago, I watched it two times in a 12-hour span, and I've, I watched it again just today to take my notes, had a blast with it then. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on it, you know, uh, good and bad, but again, my takeaway, like my overall takeaway is, this movie's just fun. It's so much fun, yeah. and yep. I think the soundtrack is unbelievably good. It might be one of the best, like, 80 soundtracks out there. I don't know. It could be top five or something, but it's high. Oh, yeah. It's damn good. Um, it's just, yeah, it's a fun movie from start to finish, and that's from someone who has no nostalgic uh, value uh, for this film whatsoever. That is, I was 43 years old when I saw it for the first time, and I loved every minute of it, good and bad. Yeah, I will say I bought the soundtrack at Rainbow Records in Cupertino, California. Great record store that place was. Oh, my God. Uh, I bought it on cassette. I've had it ever since. Uh, since then, I've got it on vinyl. Vinyl as well. <laughs> and, uh, it's on and, vinyl. <laughs> and vinyl. Um, and, I, yeah, I just love it. You know, Dustin's right. We, we bonded over the movie. We bonded over the soundtrack. The soundtrack specifically is so unique and special and has so many great songs on it um songs that that you can't find anywhere else outside of youtube i guess uh would be the only place it's not on spotify it's not on itunes so forget about getting a digital version of it proper outside of ripping it from youtube allegedly if you're into that sort of thing um but yeah this movie holds a very special place and i think you're because you're so proficient with world building yeah uh, i think you would have had a field day and having this movie in your back catalog yeah um this movie was unavailable for for decades uh it was on a shitty dvd you know like good times video put out or something like that 
uh, Avid Entertainment, I think, was the was the person that the the company. And then about a month or so ago, uh, it came out on Vestron Blu-ray in oh. July. Of oh, and a beautiful, this, a beautiful transfer, beautiful. absolutely amazing. With a shit ton of extras, a, a, a beautiful transfer. Um, it really does it justice. Yeah. So you know, we don't obviously uh, we don't work for Vestron or anything like that, but you know it. We highly recommend you go out and get it if you're a fan of this movie because it's worth it. It's like 14 bucks. It's super cheap. Yeah. No, it's 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 fantastic, and it does have so many extras on it, and the picture quality is great. The The cover's awesome. It's it's a quality, quality Blu-ray. And I just want to throw out there real quick, uh, I do hope that everyone does listen to the $2 late fee uh, discussion as well. Uh, you'll also get my more uh, closer to my first viewing thoughts and everything like that, and it's a, it's a lot of fun. And by the time you all hear this, we will release it as a, as a bonus-free episode uh, – the la- you're listening to it. If you're listening to it right now, it came out the last Friday right behind you. So you should have it in your queue. And I highly recommend listening to that one first and then this one because that is the way we recorded it. And there are a lot of thoughts in that episode. <laughs> and I just wanted to say, too, guys, coincidentally, I did get a job at Vestron uh, today. <laughs> today. Um, <laughs> uh, awesome. Totally unrelated to this to this movie. but um, And not a sponsorship to $2 late fee or anything like that? Yeah, no, no, we money. don't do that. Uh, we have very, uh, you know, I, I say we because I am part of the, the company now. So, um, as an official representative, yes, part we have very, train. very distinct, <laughs> distinct, very, uh, very. We don't we don't mess around when it comes to sponsorships. We only um, sponsor uh, uh, Kurt Russell podcasts. So, um, sorry, guys. <laughs> And, and one specific, <laughs> and one specific uh, Patrick Swayze Steel Dawn ah, podcast right, right. movie right. podcast, just about Steel Dawn. Right. That's right. It's, it's a, minute, a Steel Dawn minute by minute podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Each episode is sixty minutes long, and it's one minute at a time. Yeah, I mean, since we're here, we should also talk about maybe Young Blood and Patrick Swayze. You know, wanting to put his music on that soundtrack, but they they weren't down with it, so they put it in Dirty Dancing. You know. Um, oh really? I didn't know that. She's like the wind was going to be in young blood. Oh wow! Think about that. It wouldn't have fit, listeners. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have fit at all. It wouldn't have made any sense. Wow, that mind blown. I have a feeling uh, Dustin's going to be mind blowing us throughout this episode. <laughs> he was made Dustin Careful, spit out his beer. I'm drinking. <laughs> Don't, don't ever say that I'm going to be mind blowing you while I'm drinking. Well, I, I you was almost gonna, did I was... A, a Monster Squad Rudy spit take. I, yep. Are you a virgin? <laughs> or what? Or a Bodhi spit take where you spit directly in my face and then apologize afterwards. <laughs> it's always better to ask hmm. for an apology than, than permission. <laughs> That's right. Say more about that. Why does he do that? Oh, uh, well, we were we were getting ready for bed and he was brushing his teeth and uh, we were doing it in the shower and was getting ready. You, know, you were doing it in the shower? Whatever. This is really, yeah, we, come on. Oh, you're, you're brushing your teeth in the shower? Yes. Brushing his teeth in the shower. Got it? Got it. Yeah. And, and, and brush his teeth, and then he, he always spits out to the side, you know. And then he looks directly at me and goes, and I'm like, oh, oh dude. He's like, oh, sorry. I'm like, it's okay. Just don't ever do that again. Uh, sometimes you got to spit toothpaste on your dad see what happens. <laughs> so back to the Wraith. Uh, all three of us, obviously, have only seen this in a particular format uh cory's seen the best version of this format <laughs> dustin and i yeah i watched it on cable too 
but neither of us saw it in the theater. And Dustin, offline, you were saying that the original theatrical cut had some audio issues, right? This is really astonishing. So Mike Marvin, the director, um, he's he's not. It's not a secret that he did not get along well with his main producer and they had tons and tons of problems um jiving together uh on this film whether it was like um mike marvin wanted gutter boy and skank to have a certain disgusting quality to them as they are kind of disgusting you know they're very dirty and so like he would um add like flies buzzing around in the in the adr and in post in the audio you know just like in there they're in the car you hear flies the producer would come in and remove those when he wasn't around he'd be like what are you doing man um what so it's not like it's vocal pops or something yeah no no it's 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 really uh (laughs) that's a really significant thing to just kind of you know uh go ahead and and do and not consult with the actual director of the movie so um so this producer, um, whose whose name is is escaping me at the moment, but he got a deal on the processing for the movie in uh, in Canada. Was it John Kameni, by the way? It or, sounds or right. I mean, whoever the main producer is, the the one main guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. He got a deal on this processing. Went to Canada, and when the processing, you know, he he just got like a mass produced deal, and the film came back, and like audiences couldn't even hear most of the characters. It was so, the, the dialogue was, it was mixed so low. It was like they were mumbling. And um, and by the time, you know, everybody was like, what the fuck is wrong with this cut? They didn't like, you know, they, they didn't recall the cut. They just oh. kind of went forward with it. And it wasn't until later when it was remastered on a distribution sense for HBO and video that they that they did it right um wow and somebody else came in and, and did it right but just the the laziest you know the guy just wanted a buck um they you know the the, the shoot days were drastically cut down um he was forced to shoot all the night shots in under a week i mean it's just crazy stuff so 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 essentially the thea- the first run theatrical cut was trash and was I mean, trash. you always talk here about like oh man this movie was great when i saw it in the theater but now we technically have the best version of the film and we all have freaking giant ass tvs so it's kind of nice that we can just sit there and and watch this that wow that's crazy to think that that the theatrical run was just bad like that yeah yeah it's really insane and um you know of course it didn't open well and that could certainly have something to do with it yeah, and bad word of mouth after that, I'm sure, didn't help it. Everyone's like, "Well, don't go see that movie." Sounds you know? apparently, wow. Apparently, it uh, it made it made. You know, the budget was 2.7 million, and worldwide, it made 1.4 opening weekend. Um, hmm. But still, you know, even by 80s standards, I don't think that's probably very good. No. And then famously, uh, um, I, I guess Charlie Sheen says that he made this movie sort of on as a pit stop on the way to filming Platoon. And then after uh, this movie came out, I guess, before Platoon, Oliver Stone saw it 
and thought that like this would have a, a negative effect on on the platoon's opening uh, with Charlie Sheen and everything, and kind of like I think he like sort of laid into Charlie Sheen about it. But honestly, Charlie Sheen's the best part of the, like one of the best parts of the movie. I mean, he's it's the movie's great, but he's one of the best parts of the movie, and I don't think he takes anything away from it. I don't even think he gets hurt by this film because he's pretty yeah. awesome in it, you know? And he's in six scenes. He's in six scenes yeah. pretty much. So <laughs> yeah. he really, his screen time is very, very minimal. Yeah. Uh, and you only interact with like two people through the whole movie. So yeah, you, <laughs> you almost what he it. must, they must've filmed his stuff like in a week or something. And then boom, he was gone. And he's like, guys, I'm going to Saigon. Yep, <laughs> yeah. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well let's let's get into the cast by the way and yeah and sh- thank you for sharing that story dustin because uh i think the, the reality is it's like there's sometimes that movies actually are, 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 are you don't want to see the theatrical version you want to see the, you know, totally yeah straight to video version or whatever totally. um but yeah you had mentioned the producer i just i just i i'm pretty sure it's john kameni because he's the only producer listed there's two okay. other executive producers um, I just want to point out the fact that in his IMDb bio, he's passed in 2012. Uh, he did produce The Gate, which will c- quite possibly come up on pad uh, <clears throat> soon-ish. Yeah, um, I've, I've been, just like The Wraith, I've been waiting with uh, bated breath to watch The Gate. Because uh, Zach's been talking about that one since, since pretty much day one of podcasting after dark. Well, everyone who knows podcasting after dark knows that I go with a theme. And I'm not going with a the theme i'm not going <laughs> of the trilogy um on his uh, on his bio i just want to point out he's a producer and editor known for the best damn fiddler from calabogie to caladar <clears throat> okay a 50 minute short film with margot kidder oh i like margot kidder 1969 hmm. so anyways uh r.i.p john kameni and thank you for almost totally ruining this movie and <laughs> <laughs> how dare you um yeah dustin mentioned the director is mike marvin mike marvin um he worked on uh, better off dead by the way fun fact i did i i did not know that that is totally news yeah. to me he, he produced the skiing sequences oh that makes sense that does make sense yeah because i tracks. will say in, in this movie dude the guys the 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 race scenes are fantastic in this For film sure. like we're talking Mad Max level of of good, you know, and and I absolutely love them. Well, he he wrote this. He also wrote this film too, and um, you know, not you you still write action sequences. I know that, but you yeah. Know, the, so the dialogue is his too, which makes it even more kind of uh, <laughs> special. Quote unquote dialogue. There's uh, quote unquote there's dialogue. <laughs> oh, and there's some great dialogue. There Quiff, is. Quiff there's City. a lot of words that are words, but you know, put together in a sentence, don't quite make sense as to what they are. But I and, guess they and, count as dialogue. And there's some words that uh, I can't wait to say. So, because um, <laughs> I quoted them. Uh, but really quick, we'll run down the cast. The Charlie Sheen, obviously, you know who he is. Nick Cassavetes plays Packard Walsh. Uh, whether you like it or not, he plays the villain in the movie. Okay, I personally you like, like it. <laughs> this is where I, I so I, I had to jump in on the two dollar leafy episode, but I'm gonna say it here. So the entire movie. So all right, roll back. So I've been hearing about Nick Cassavetes from Zach as long as I've been hearing about the Gate and uh, the Wraith, and so I was like, oh man, like he's Zach's always talking about how cool Nick Cassavetes is and everything. And you guys know that when cool. I watch these movies, if I've never seen them before, like by the time I make it to this point, I'm not going to do any research, because why? I'd rather just go in fresh, right? Why? So, the first time I watched the entire movie, I truly, in my heart of hearts, 
thought that Nick Cassavetes was the, the flashback Jamie because there was no way in the world that that seven-foot-tall dork that is Packard <laughs> was Nick Cassavetes. Like my brain couldn't even put that together because of how much you were talking about how much you love Nick Cassavetes. So like when I, I watched it for the second time, I literally had to sit down. Like my legs almost gave out under me because I was like, that's Nick Cassavetes this entire time? No. That's your ayahuasca you were high on. <laughs> that's the DMT I did the other night. Got the vapors. <laughs> it gave me the vapors, but uh, boy, oh boy, yeah, Nick Cassavetes, guys, I could do a three-hour podcast on that dork, but we're doing the wraith, and uh, <laughs> and you know what? He's fun. I'm not gonna. I, this is gonna be my hardest. I'm coming at this movie. This is gonna be the hardest. After this, it's gonna be nothing but love. I promise. But I will point out. I have three. Notable dork moments throughout the entire movie that Packer does, and it'll back up my my feelings. So that's it. The, moving forward, nothing but love, guys. Will you just shout out the moment? Will you just be like dork moment as we oh, get yeah. there? Okay. Oh yeah, they're in my they're in my notes. I got them. <laughs> I I I personally love him. So uh, you know, I will and I will and I will totally. I get that. I get those dork moments, and I can't wait to talk about him as well. Um, especially at one moment, his, his belly just kind of hangs out of his shirt and like, yo, guys, that's a, that's a whole other thing. He did not suck his gut in on that one. His belly in this movie. He's just, he's so, he's so soft. He's so soft. But I, I I love Nick. I think, I think he's such a ham in this, in in a good way. But anyways, he plays Packer Walsh. Uh, Sherilyn Fenn. I mean, up until this point in 86, Sherilyn Fenn had done, uh, the wildlife, small role in that, just one of the guys and thrashing. I mean, right there is a party, those three movies. And I rightfully, I, I think I'm justified in saying I didn't recognize her. Uh, I thought she was like totally different, just style, everything. She's and so as tan. a kid, she's so tan in this movie. So tan. And and I think it really took me off by surprise. I was like, wait, that's the same Sherilyn Fenn from uh, Just One of the Guys and Thrashing and, so, and Wildlife. But uh, it surprised me. But a beautiful steals the show in her own way. I I was I've always been a fan of Sherilyn Finn, but she's kind of like fallen off my radar. Uh, you know, as I've gotten older, this movie had me re-fall in love with her. She is amazing in this film, absolutely drop dead stunning. Yeah, <laughs> Dustin's given the nod of reason. Like, what am I? I thought you were still that? gonna. You just abruptly stopped. I, 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 was like, oh. I started. I started thinking about her. I'm just like. Ah. <laughs> There's a moment. There's a moment where she, like, you know, Jamie splits, or Jake gets on his motorcycle and takes off, and she's just standing there for a moment. And you're just like, oh yeah, nice I, to look at. I I remember that moment very vividly, and I actually noted I love white uh, cowboy boots with uh, booty shorts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, top billing, top billing is uh, Randy Quaid playing Sheriff Loomis. And he chews up scenery like nobody's business in this. I think he's doing like a ham-fisted John Wayne meets um, Humphrey Bogart kind of character. And uh, we'll obviously get to it in the towards the end of the movie. But I would think he's diabetic after the amount of sugar he pours in his coffee. <laughs> Just um, going to say. I, I don't have any information about this fact. And maybe you guys do. It's very random. But... Um, it, it occurred to me that Randy Quaid's character in Quick Change is also named Loomis. Oh, oh, okay. And 
I don't know what's going on there. If uh, on the other side of the law, I thought this was a reference to Halloween. Um, that's oh. what I was assuming. Um, I don't know, but I will say Randy Quaid is a tour de force in this movie. He delivers some of the craziest fucking lines I've ever heard, like with a straight face, doesn't yep. blink, and just stares right at the other actor. He is a goddamn professional. He sure is. He sure is. He's uh, he used to be. He's yeah. He is. Yes. <laughs> Man, it, well, it, it, it makes you kind of shed a tear. Well, and also an, an alum of the wildlife as well. So him and Sherilyn Fenn were both in the wildlife. Fun fact that we covered on two dollar late fee, <clears throat> by the way. Um, but uh, check it out. Check it out. But yeah, he he. Uh, this was the time when he was on fire as an actor in a good way and not on fire mentally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good one, buddy. Good thanks. One. <laughs> Matthew Barry. Matthew Berry, who uh, Dustin and I had the privilege of actually interviewing for an upcoming interview of $2 Lay Fee. So the week after this episode airs on Podcasting After Dark, flip on over to $2 Lay Fee and hear the interview that Dustin and I did with Matthew Berry, who plays Billy Hankins. And dare I say, dare, dare, best part of the movie. Best oh, part yeah. of the movie, Billy oh, Hankins, d- Matthew Berry. Yeah, easily. I, I think uh, right the moment that he comes on screen... <laughs> I'll rephrase that. The moment he walks on screen, I was in love with him in this movie. And I was like, he's awesome. He is the heart and soul of this film. And I can't wait to hear that $2 Lafey interview. Certainly the most friendly character. Yeah. You know, sure. to, yes. to, to Jake, to Charlie Sheen, to who is the new kid in town. Like, I can't remember being that friendly to any new kids. Um, no myself but i also i can't really remember any new, maybe one new kid never mind i at least one but yeah but he's just like hey bro what's up i'm billy hey what here's all the facts i'm gonna tell you who's who's dating who and that guy's <laughs> I'm crazy low down <laughs> don't get murdered by that guy and yeah really, my brother he's dead yeah. <laughs> yeah my brother's dead i work at this burger place i'm i'm friends with that hot chick down there but don't look at her don't it's all look good at her. man life's pretty good up here yeah, he uh, Matthew Berry d- did not have a really big uh, on on screen career, uh, mostly off screen. Now casting director for, in fact, a lot of Nick Cassavetti stuff, uh, including The Notebook. Nick Nick Cassavetti transitioned to do to directing, um, like his father John Cassavetti's, and uh, directed The Notebook among other things. Yeah, um, that's that's pretty fucking huge, by the way. I mean, to uh, to our boy Terry Terry Chapman, it's one of his all time favorite movies. Really, it's one of my all time least favorite films. Terry, come at me, bro. <laughs> I mean, I've never seen it, so I ne- I've never seen it either. Got nothing. And uh, I mean, Terry Terry will quote this movie, The Wraith, over and over again incessantly. He loves this movie so much, and then he's like, "Oh, but dude, The Notebook's great." I'm like, "Really? Oh." What do you guys think about uh, Alpha Dog? Ah, uh, you know what? Alpha I, li- Dog, yeah. I like that movie. Yep, I'm into it too. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll share a story about that offline. And he <clears> and, <throat> and we bring it up because Nick Cassavetes also directed that. Yes, yes, yes. There's and Matthew Barry casted directed that. Yeah, right? that's cool. I, I I mean I like that kind of stuff because clearly they met here and they clearly they must have had a good time together and they kept in touch. Or, I don't know, but I can't wait to hear. I hope I assume he talks about it in the interview, but um. Yeah, it's, I like that kind of stuff. Hear, like hearing that they people stay friends, you know, a, a, after the movie and everything. It's really nice. And in fact, the guy that plays Gutter Boy, Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, Jamie. No, Bozian? not Jamie. Yeah, Bozian. Yep. yep, Jamie, Jamie Bozian. Bozian. Yeah, he yep. he went on to become a playwright 
which and Nick Cassavetes directed some of his plays. That's cool. It's That's, nice. Yeah, and 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 Friends. obviously, like as much as I'm shitting on like like Packard, you know, I, this is the only You're Nick Cassavetes role I know. Yeah. And maybe it's just not the right one for, for Nick Cassavetes. He's trying to act like a tough guy. Maybe he's just a nice guy and can't act like a tough guy, and I'm just picking up on that vibe, you know? But I got no beef with, with Nick Cassavetes the man. It's Packard Walsh that I think is a bit of a goob. Well, you, and you said uh, you brought up Gutter Boy, Dustin, uh, played by Jamie and Boz- Jamie Bozian. And, and yes, a, a lot of playwright stuff, but he was also had a small role in Con Air, and so did Matthew Barry. Matthew Barry had an uncredited role in Con Air. So that's kind of cool. That's so we won't there. know what it was? Uh, well, he is listed in the credits. Uh, well, in IMD, IMDb, he's uncredited, but it, he, he was known as Chambers in that. Um, mm. Maybe he helped cast that film. Who knows? I, we'll have to have I, him back on the show and ask. I, I haven't seen Con Air in forever. I mean, it's great for a GIF or GIF. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> David Sherrill plays Skank. So, so Gutterboy and Skank are two. They're fantastic, in I, my opinion. Yeah, I I, I love both. Uh, David Sherrill plays plays Skank. Sorry, uh, and he's been in a handful of movies as well in the in the nineties. Yeah, Skank is hands down my favorite like villain character in this movie to watch. Not only like I love the fact that his makeup changes throughout the course of the film, but just what what you know what David Sherrill Sh- uh, is doing with the character is just so much fun. There is never I think there's never a scene that I don't enjoy like watching him just talk and everything. You know? Yeah, so good, so good. Chris Nash plays Minty. Chris Nash, I just want to point out the fact that he's in Mischief, uh, which is a great, not a great, it's a fun 80s teen sex comedy with um, Kelly Preston and um, Catherine Mary Stewart, who we interviewed, by the way, on Podcasting After Dark. So check out that exclusively to Patreon. Does she talk about that movie? We didn't bring up Mischief. Mm. We ta- we've talked about The Apple. We did. We yeah, talked about... The, uh, you know, a couple, uh, obviously, The Last Starfighter, Night of the Comet. Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, nice. yeah. yeah. And a film that um, that I actually really enjoy, um, Scenes from the Gold Mind, which mm. is actually kind of a fun, one of my personal favorites uh, with Cameron Dye. And, and Dustin knows my, my love affair for Cameron Dye. <laughs> I'm like Fred obsessed with and Valley Girl. Reason. Yep. And uh, we talked about World Gone Wild. Which is a very, very underrated sci-fi action movie, cult movie, uh, that hopefully we'll bring to the pad table one of these days because it's, it's worth noting. Um, Griffin O'Neill plays Augie. Griffin O'Neill was in April Fool's Day. Movie I love. Son of Ryan O'Neill. Um, now, you know. so we talked about it really extensively, so I don't want to retread it because uh, we talked about it on $2 late fee, but the cover for this film, how weird it is and how like it has uh, Nick has a Packard and then Augie and like and then Jake and uh, Carrie on the cover, like as if they're all friends. But like Augie, Griffin O'Neill, like his character of the gang is like one of the first ones to die. Like, why is he, he is. He's so built so highly in everything in this film, you know? Well, I think at the time, 86, he was kind of a big deal. Was he? Uh, okay. Because his dad obviously was was a big deal. His, his dad and mom. I don't know if his mom is Farrah Fawcett, but they were married at the time. Oh, um, okay. Okay. And so I, I know Griffin O'Neill has, you know, he's had some issues uh, personally. And so at one point I was like, didn't he pass away? But 
but no, I was wrong about that. He he very much alive, fam, family man. Looks like he's doing well. And you found out in real time in our interview with Matthew Barry. I don't know if you're going to play it that way, but it's really nope. amazing. Nope, that could be on an outtake. <laughs> when, <laughs> when Zach says R.I.P. and Matthew Barry's like, uh, I spoke to him this morning. <laughs> and you're like, oh, what? well, he like seems like he'd be dead. I think that's what you said. <laughs> no, I, I said, well, I know he had it, some issues and, and, and Matthew's like, yeah, he did, but you know, things things have. No, he seriously did. Like he killed some kid accidentally. Like he was, yeah. It, it, oh, by shit. by all yeah. accounts, it's not a. I mean, it's a faux pas, but it's not a. An, uh, you know, it's not a crazy one. To yeah. make. No, it's it's more just like, oh no, he he did this other thing. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I think guys that, that Griffin O'Neill was the most prominent name in this movie, honestly, because this was like Charlie Sheen's like first feature or first starring yeah. role for sure. Um, yeah, like was nobody this... had done much. Wow, that's a, this I mean, was yeah, uh, this it's, was it's weird. This it's was, interesting to like look at it from you know now versus then. Yeah, you're right because I look at it now. I'm like, oh, Charlie Sheen, he's he's clearly the the big hit. But yeah, I, yeah, okay. No. I, and I didn't even know Griffin O'Neill had a had a you know famous parents and whatnot. Ryan. Yeah, that's right. Be- Go ahead. I'm just saying Ryan in a weird voice. Ryan well, O'Neill. Yeah, and yeah, Charlie Sheen had not uh, he. I think the only movie he did where he had like a leading role was the boys next door which is a movie i would love to bring to the table very dark you talk you've talked about that one before never heard of it and now i see it all the time like people posting it like on feeds and stuff and i'm like that's, i always think that's the movie zach keeps talking about will i just like nick cassavetes will i be let down or will i not be let down <laughs> Um, uh, you're not giving me a letdown by that one. That and, one's good. And that if you good. and you guys and gals, you've listened to podcasts after dark this long, you know that I'm rarely ever let down. I'm always uh, enjoying every movie that comes to the table here. I think even when I let Corey down by the end of it, he's like, "No, no, I'm not let down. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm good. Never let down. Never let um, down." <laughs> the last cast member I just want to point out before we jump into this mother is is, is uh, Brooke Burke. <laughs> Brooke Burke cameo. <laughs> yes, it's a, it, it, guys and gals, real quick. Uh, it's her first uh, on-screen role. She's uncredited, but she works at the uh, Burger Shack. And uh, yeah, you can you can see her. I, like first time I watched it, I was like, "Is that Brooke Burke?" And then yeah, I looked. Uh, I just looked. Uh, checked her IMDb, and yeah, her like very first role, uncredited, is the Wraith. I was like, "Wow, I got good Brooke Brooke Burke guys." So awesome. Good Brooke Burke eyes. There we go. <laughs> well, no no offense to Brooke Burke, but I would lump her in the same category as Carmen Electra. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, Jenny sure. McCarthy, uh, Kari Wurr, before Kari Wurr actually became a res- semi-respected actor uh, when she was doing remote control. Yeah. And, uh, like, all those kind of, like, pin-up, you know, look at me. Personalities or whatever. Yeah, personalities. Maxim. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maxim girls. Maxim yeah. girls, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Uh, last but not least, besides Brooke Burke, uh, playing Rughead is one of the other fairly well-known... <laughs> As Corey's making like rat faces right now, yes. uh, Clint Howard, Clint Howard's uh, brother of Ron, brother of Ron, Ron, Ron Clint Howard, Howard, brother of Ron, <laughs> aka the man with the, the weirdest mouth noises or mouth motion, mouth shapes I've ever seen in my life. You lose the race, you lose your car, and he's just mouths going open. I'm just like, but I love it. He's he's again. It's there's so many actors and characters in this movie. There there's so much fun to just watch talk. It's wild. He sells it. He does. He sells it. Weird mouth, weird hair. 
and his hair is apparently a reference or homage to uh, David Lynch's eraser head because the director loved David Lynch. So it's it's an homage to that. Uh, mm. And and I think the the name of the car, the Interceptor, is an homage to Mad Max too. Wow. I mean, the, if you're gonna if you're gonna pull from stuff, and then you've got High Plains Drifter references, you know, throughout, uh, with the, which this movie obviously was influenced by. Mike Marvin's uh, racking up some cool nerd points with, uh, you know, film film nerds like, oh, this is good stuff. Yeah, yeah, we we discussed the the references uh, extensively on the two dollar late fee episode. Yeah, the the testosterone's rolling high with uh, with the with the with the good references on this one for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, but why don't we get to it with this out of this world adventure called the Wraith? An evil force took his life. An unearthly power has brought him back. He is a phantom, a wraith, a cosmic spirit given another chance. Uh, are you new in town? Yeah. Who's the kid? I turned my back, and the next second he was there, like magic almost. You ever seen one of those before? Nah, let's just add it to our collection. kid out there using his car to kill people not that it's such a big deal since it seems to be your gang he's got it in for So, fun fact, obviously we we the three all three of us watched the Vestron Blu-ray, but uh the original VHS that I had was a Lightning Video. So, the Lightning Video logo used to come on before the movie came on, you know, the I love great 80s uh straight to video opening things like New World and yeah. and and Lightning and Wizard and the original Vestron and um, it just uh, all the nostalgic feel. So yeah. for me, I see this and I think of the lightning video with the connection with lightning in the movie. So there you go. And and I love the title card for this. I just, I love the way it looks. The the way it's designed. Uh, it's kind of got that metal sort of look. It's got it's got some vibes of Mad Max too. You know, it looks like a metal like logo or something. But it's it's really well done. It doesn't like fade on the screen. It doesn't like do anything jazzy. But it's a good looking title card. It's good looking title card, but. I still like now, 25, 30 years later watching it, I see Wraith the because the Wraith the is at the bottom. <laughs> so now I go Wraith the Wraith the. I, I didn't notice it, but now I probably can't unsee it. 
it's hard to unsee now. I'm like, wait, shouldn't the be at the top? It is I'm, weird. Look, it's a little, but then again, it's a weird movie. Um, yeah, so the title guard flashes on the screen, the Wraith, and there's these lights that shoot out. Um, there's this, the skylight of, the, uh, of, of Arizona at night. You see a shooting star crashing into a cactus. Uh, you see lights racing along the highway. Four lights specifically. And to be honest with you, I didn't realize up until the second or third viewing of this past week that those four lights are the four revenge moments he has to have throughout this thing. Yeah, right? and, and it's also the four uh, like pieces of his, of his suit that have to like disappear. Mm. So he's got like yeah. two arm braces and two leg braces. And every single time he kills somebody uh, the, one of the braces will kind of disappear. And uh, yeah, so it, it all coincides with that, which I think is really cool. And this opening is baller. Awesome. Just so much fun and so cool. And so clearly day for night, but that's okay. It looks great. And uh, it's just, it's awesome scene with, with the, the car coming together and everything. It's really fucking cool. It's really badass. It, it just like destroying a street, uh, just destroying a highway sign, um, plowing through Sheriff Loomis's uh, billboard. Yeah. And, and, and then obviously the four balls of light come together, culminating in the forming of the Wraith with his rad car. And it totally looked like a car commercial to me, by the way. I just wanted to hear Dustin's voice going, the new Dodge Interceptor. The new Dodge Interceptor. <laughs> and his... <laughs> And but his I, costume is cool as hell, too. Sorry, Dustin. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I, I think that, that that lightning thing was then used in, like, every car commercial from that point on. Like, I, I feel like that may have been the kind of catalyst for a lot of that car, lightning cars. Yeah. Lightning yeah. Effects on cars. Yeah, it's so cool, like, having the lightning go around. And by the way, you know what I love? I love 80s hand-drawn lightning. I miss it oh, yeah. so much. I think it's so much fun. Agreed. Second. Third. <laughs> so from there, you cue what is, in my opinion, one of the one of the most memorable openings to an 80s movie, personally. You, you cue the song Where's the Fire by Tim Fian. It's the opening track. It's the song that we focused on on $2 Late Fee. It is such a pulse-pounding, badass song to open up a movie. And... You're, you know, there's a shot of this dude in his Dodge Daytona with his girl and she's hugging him and she's all cute on him. And it's like her boyfriend or whatever. Oh my God, I love you. And they're just driving down the road. And it, it, it's such a good feeling of like, oh my God, as a kid, I watched this. I'm like, I want to do that someday. I want to be in a Dodge Daytona going down a highway <laughs> with a girl hugging my arm and give me googly eyes while we're playing Where's the Fire by Tim Fian. That Tim song Fian, is yeah. so good. It's oh, so, so good. fucking good. What a great way to set the stage for this movie. Obviously, it doesn't get all cutesy more than that because right after that happens, they get surrounded by Packard and his gang. Uh, they roll up on him. And I, by the way, real quick, the guy in the car is uh, played by Stephen Eckholt. Um, and I always know him as Mark from Friends. He's kind of the guy that broke up Ross and Rachel in like season two or whatever the hell it is. Oh, weird. Um, but every time I see him, I'm like, oh, it's that guy. And then I'm watching when I was watching the movie, I was like, why does this asshole look familiar? You know, and then I'm like, oh, it's him. But the first time I watched the movie, I was like, I thought that this whole scene was like, I thought this was Jamie and everything, you know, at first. But, Me too. Yeah, sure. Me too. Same. Yeah. 
it, it actually took me a couple of viewings throughout the years to figure out. Oh wait, wait, wait that's not Jamie. And- it's almost like it's it's a even though the opening bef- there's like an opening before it. This is almost feels like a cold open right here. Yeah, yeah, totally. And um, and you find out that the guy's name is George because the girl's like, my God, George, who are those guys? Oh God! And <laughs> Packard and everybody rolls up, uh, basically forces George to slow down and stop his car. And they come. Packard approaches the car and the kid's like, you know, why'd you stop me? And uh, Packard gets up in his face and he's like, well, let's just say it's pink. And the girl goes, oh, God. I mean, and and Skank's grabbing her breast and everything, man. On the other side, yeah. Did we mention this is a PG-13 movie? Because it sure as hell doesn't feel like it. Oh, yeah. By the way, this is like people back in the day were like, oh, my God, I can't believe Temple of Doom was PG-13. I can't believe Goonies is PG-13. You're like. No, but the Wraith is. Yeah. Oh my God, I can't believe this is PG thirteen. <laughs> this is up there with like uh, Doc Hollywood as far as like how far you can sort of push PG thirteen. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're right. Gutter Boy and Skank are messing with the girl, totally accosting her, and Packard's like, you know, I'm a nice guy, but they think the title to your car might be worth something. Next thing you know, they're racing for pink slips. Did you say Wraithing? Wraithing? <laughs> they're they're racing. You're racing. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> They're racing. Um, Skank is drinking antifreeze. Yeah. And, and he looks over at uh, Gutterboy and he's like, I'm tweaking, dude. <laughs> just the beginning of the end with this character because you're just like, oh, my God, this guy's such a burnout. I mean, if he's not uh, going to die, he's going to make his brain melt out of his ears, of course. Right. They pull the, gar- the, the girls out of the car. Packard's like, you know, take, take her off. And Augie and Minty grab george's girl and take off with her and packard's like all right guy guy <laughs> so you lose this race and decide to keep going well uh then we finish what we started with her and you're not gonna you're not gonna want her back again and it's just so like you know that they're gonna gross do something nasty to her from there uh they, they get the race set up and Rughead is in between the two cars, and he's screaming at both of them. First one to Dragon Fire Crossing wins. You lose the race. You lose your car. <laughs> Ready, set, go. And then cue Ozzy Osbourne's Secret Loser. Yeah, and cue a, a, a great race. Every single race is fantastic in this film. It is beautiful. That song kicks ass, by the way. Uh, I've said this before. I said it. Uh, I didn't say it on the $2 episode, but I'll say it now. 80s Ozzy is amazing. Tony Iommi uh, on guitar, Bark at the Moon, uh, Crazy Train, uh, Secret Loser, just all these great killer songs. And it was at a time when Ozzy was kind of like clean for a little bit, you know? And uh, I don't know. His best work was from the 80s. Hmm. Yeah. So Packard and George are having a race. George is winning at yeah. this point. And Packard's driving a Corvette. He's he's driving this awesome like Stingray Corvette or something with like it's like silver with like this awesome like 70s sunset fade on the bottom trim. I freaking love that Corvette. Seriously. Actually, I love I love all of their cars. Uh they're all really good. I'll talk about each one. Um but this one this one's solid car. Solid and not only that, like I was big into Dodge Daytonas for some reason. Because of this movie, I was, was like, going to say. I think we know the reason. It's called yeah, the Wraith, right? And <laughs> and I don't know something about it. It's really badass. And Packard, I also realized 
he's not fast in that Corvette at all. Like, you know, he only has two races in this car, if you think about it. Yeah. And uh, one and, ends and, with him exploding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so he, he shoves George off the road and wins the race, signals to George to turn around and go back to their stopping point. They get back to where George's girl is. And he gets out of the car all happy. He's like, she's all ours, nice and legal. And George is like, you know, the girl, he goes to his girl to comfort her. And he's like, I would have won if you, you hadn't cheated to beat me. You know, you forced me off the road. It's not racing. It's trying to murder someone. <laughs> Packard, once again, you lost, guy. What guy. can I say? <laughs> and then that's when George says, you're nothing but road pirates. You got to cheat to win. And then you hear the click. Several times throughout, this guy with his, like, threatening switchblade would have been really funny if it was a comb and he was just, like, fucking with people. That would have been really funny. <laughs> or a toothbrush. Uh, but, or a t- <laughs> don't, don't give that away. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he opens up a switchblade and, and his girl's like, let's just go, George. And Packer goes, yeah, listen to your girl, guy. And uh, Augie's like, skate, pal. Why you, why you still got your lips attached to your face? And then you hear off camera, you hear like, I'm assuming it's gutter ball, gutter, gutter boy and skank going, yeah, George, bye, George, kingy, bye, George, goo. <laughs> Meanwhile, they got to hoof it back to wherever the hell they came from. And they're in the fucking desert because this is like Arizona. And yep. uh, I like the fact that it actually takes place where they film it, unlike, you know, a lot of other movies. Uh, I just watched The Explorers. I'm sorry. I just watched Explorers uh, for the first time last night in a long Good time like, Good since save. I was a kid. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I never realized as a kid uh, that that movie takes place in Maryland. And you know it because you see on uh, uh, River Phoenix's tag when, when Dick Miller goes to kind of find him and f- finds his jacket, it says on there, Newport, Maryland. And I was like, like, oh, well, this isn't Maryland at all. This is clearly like Simi Valley and stuff. This is not Maryland. But okay, at least the Wraith, though, it, it's supposed to take place in Arizona, and clearly they filmed it in Arizona. I love that shit. I think that for me, that's what adds to the authenticity yeah. of this film. And it made me want to go to Arizona. I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> it did for me. It did. It made me want to go to a, a certain river. Uh, they, uh, I do like this river. <laughs> you know, they, they this is supposed to be, uh, this film takes place in the summer, but they actually shot everything in the winter. So it is very interesting to watch knowing that. And you see, you know, everyone's breath. You see, uh, you know, it's raining a lot in certain scenes, which we, we can certainly talk about as we get there. But yeah, and you pointed out that you pointing that out reminded me of a couple times when uh, Jake, Charlie Sheen's character, Jake says, a little chilly for my talking about the water. He's like, it's a little chilly for my, my whatever, you know, for me. And you're like, Oh, is that because it's probably the middle of winter right now? And the funny thing is like, I suspected it was because you guys live in LA uh, now. I lived there for about 15 years and I moved away, but because of it, I can always tell those clouds when it's wintertime in the desert. And it's like one of the chase scenes at the end. And I could see those storm clouds. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you okay? You guys filmed this in the winter, and then I thought back. I was like, "Oh, I feel bad for all those girls in the uh, in the half shirts." But if you've ever lived in L.A. or or even Vegas or any desert areas, it's very distinctly you know what it looks like in the winter time because it's the only time that there's ever like clouds and rain. Did you really feel bad for those girls in the tank tops? <laughs> no, I was Did very happy really? actually. The, the the perv inside of me was very happy. Yes, <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, so they hook up the Daytona and they split. That's right. C- cut 
to the next scene, which cues the next killer song, Stan Bush's Heart Versus Head. I love this which, song, too. It's fantastic. And now in my 45th year of life, realizing Heart Versus Head, so you're... <laughs> Which head are you talking about? <laughs> where's your heart? Is your heart in your crotch? Because the song is, a, there's a line in the song where Stan Bush with his, you know, signature, come on in there, like that, that high pitch that he does, you know, you got the touch right there. He's like, she's here with him. He's here with her. <laughs> it's like <laughs> these two star-crossed lovers who see somebody they want to be with, but they're already with somebody else. It's a really fucked up song yeah. with a great saxophone. Just want to point that out. And my note here is, besides how awesome the song is, my note is, ah, the 80s, before there was helmet laws for motorcycles. Well, Arizona does, still doesn't have a helmet law. Jesus. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Okay. Well, Up until, good, I mean, Godspeed. last time I was there. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Fucking Diaz, brah. Um, yeah, so cut to a, some Jake, a.k.a. Charlie Sheen, on his motorbike rolling down these rolling hills of, of, of Arizona Highway. Cuts to a sign of Brooks, Arizona, and then Big K's Burgers in full effect. Uh, sorry, no, no. And then cutting to Carrie, uh, God, walking out of God her you, house. Thank God you fixed that, because I was <laughs> about to be like, I'm so confused. <laughs> what you're talking about right now that's not true okay. we didn't see that first okay thank no. you thank you for that correction cutting to carrie walking out of her home getting approached by jake on his motorbike so i i didn't say this on the two dollar lay but when i was watching for the first i knew sherilyn finn was in it like you guys have both said you do, it's hard to recognize her but when i watched it like that the scene for the first, very first time i was like wow who is that Ravagey. I was like, oh my gosh, Sherilyn Finn. But like immediately I was like, oh my gosh, she's amazing looking. I just, I swooned when I saw her. Yeah. I mean, like talk about this. This was at a time when if I saw somebody from another movie, uh, like when I saw Matt Adler in North Shore and I'm like, oh, he's so cool. as Rick Kane. And then I see him in Whitewater Summer and he's kind of a dick, right? In Whitewater Summer. And I'm like, no, 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 no. He's the good guy in that. And I couldn't put two and two together. So as a kid watching this, I'm like, I don't know who she is. She's she. Uh, no, nah, that's not Sherilyn Fenn because Sherilyn Fenn and just one of the guys is pale as a ghost, and this one's tan. You can't do that. I didn't know what acting was. <laughs> just the, that's the way my mind was back when I was like ten years old. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyways, she's coming out of her home, and uh, Jake rolls by on his bike, stops on his bike. He's like, "Hey, is this the way to Crawford Dam?" She's like, "Yeah, you take the Willow River cut off and." He's like, oh, thanks. And he gets ready to split. And she goes, hey, are you new in town? And he's like, yeah, yeah, Jake, Jake Kesey. Kesey. And uh, she's like, hi, I'm Carrie Johnson. And she's like, I can show you the way. And he goes, well, get on my bike. <laughs> like fucking random, right? Just like you're, you pick up some chick and she's going to hop on your motorcycle and ride away. Oh, he's he's still a better because he's a better choice than Nick Cassavetti. So, you know. Understandably so, right? Um, and so... As soon as she's about to get on, uh, Packard rolls up and he's like, is this your boyfriend? She goes, no way. And then he just like doesn't say a thing to her. He just rolls off, just takes off. And she gets in the car with Packard. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking funny. It's very interesting that he has to like, you know, he so it's so Jake is Jamie reincarnated or whatever. Come back from the dead. And he clearly has all of his 
memories, knows who all yes. the key players are, knows who he has to kill. But it's interesting that he's like, you're like, what's his what's his play here? Like he's just pretending to like yeah. not really know her. Um, it's kind of skillful, you know. A few a few times she's like, pick me up at work, and he's like, where's work? Like he's you know, he's just playing it really, really smooth. But you're kind of like, what's the point? I guess he doesn't want to scare her and just be like, hey, I'm your dead boyfriend. Yeah, I mean, how traumatic would that? He's gotta, be? He's got to work I, his I, way up to it. Yeah, um, does he is he trying to make her like re-fall in love with him? Like is that a necessary aspect of it? Um or could he have come out and just said it, you know what I mean? But then I think you're right. She would have been like, "Well, you're crazy." You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you guys ever have, and I'm all serious in all seriousness, have you guys ever stalked somebody that you were really into? Yes. <laughs> no. I haven't. I don't think so. Zach's eyes got so weird when he asked that question. I already know that you have because you revealed to me that you've stalked several women um, in a polite way. But um, yeah, I did. But I, I uh, no, I have not. I have not. Really? You never like you never had a girl that you crushed on and you hung outside her house like waiting for her to come out. I certainly did not do that. I oh. I might have. Did I do it like in maybe in front of like a school or something? Never oh. the house, though. Never the house. OK. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Wait, I, so, but I remember uh, Zach because you said something like you there was like a girl, and, but you were kind of dating her or something, and you were stalking yeah, her. I, I, I was dating her at that point, and and I I remember uh, you stalked the ones you're with. Is that is that? But I was hanging out at I was like at her, hanging out at her house waiting for her to come home from work. Well, right, and you, were, you like brought you flowers for her mom or something. Yeah, yeah, because she lived with her mom, and she thought that was weird, right? Yeah, she's like, you're waiting at my house, hanging out with my mom? Like, yeah, I mean, your mom and my stepdad are, like, good friends, and what's the problem? Like, That one didn't work out, did it? Well, clearly not. (laughs) (laughs) But then she came back to me later on. Ah, See, there there you go. (laughs) And and then I got to reject her, so there you go. Yeah, (laughs) she was hanging out with your mom, and you were like... What are you doing? Yeah. O'Doyle rules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, cut, cut to the creek. And, you know, there's everyone's spread out, sun tanning, hanging out in this lazy river. And uh, Carrie's sitting on a beach towel, laying out and in her red bikini it's it's uh, a fantastic collection of 80s bathing suits uh it really here. is and, and but you know knowing knowing that that they filmed this during the winter time it makes sense that they don't look cold but everybody looks pale you're like because no one's out at this point even though they're freezing. supposed to be like summer yeah they're freezing everyone's pale in 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 this movie it's everything you would love from the 80s dudes and chicks in the best 80s bathing suits and span, uh, style you can think of kids drinking kids laying out kids in the lazy river. I love it. And, uh, Packard and Carrie roll up. Carrie's like, you know, you think you own me like I'm your property. And Packard's like, you are, nobody loves you as much as I do. She's like, it's because everyone's scared of you. He's like, you're not going to, you're not going to be mine. You're not going to be anybody's. And then she just walks off. Again, the fir- the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, "What the fuck? Tell this asshole to go away!" Like, why? I mean, quintessential like 
what is wrong with the situation? She should not be with a dude like this. And how does he have a handle on her? And just so one dimensional too. You know, yeah. there's just nothing yeah. likable about him ever at any point at in all. the movie. No. Ever. No, ever. It, it, now down to his... So everybody... I just want to paint the picture. Everybody's in their, their bathing suits and their 80s gear. And he's wearing his leather vest with his puka shell necklace and white jeans and cowboy boots. And 40-year-old face. Yes. He's supposed to be 19, by the way. Soft body. His doughy doughy exterior. Yeah. He's not. Old man face. uh, So the whole time I'm trying to, like, you know, because he's tall, right? So the first person, like, as a villain from what we've been watching, first person I think of is the villain from from Streets of, uh, I want to say Streets of Rage. It's not Streets of Rage. Streets of. Fire? Uh, Savage Streets, sorry, Jesus, Savage, Lord, Savage <laughs> yeah. Streets. Uh, that guy, now that villain was a menacing villain, you know. Yes. In that movie, and yeah, Packard Bell. I'm just, I'm just trying to like. I mean, he's not a good guy. He's not a good character. And I'm, but I'm trying to like him as a villain. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm trying to get into him as the villain. But just all these like red flags are showing up. Like, yeah, he's his, his gut sticking out. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, well, I'm just like, come I, on, dude. Like, come on. I have an interesting, I have an interesting um, thought about this because you guys are totally right, by the way. I'm not disagreeing with you. Um, but, but it's almost like a tonal thing because he is so unlikable and not necessarily menacing, just kind of like, ugh, get away from me kind of guy. I wonder if that was the intention of this of this movie on one hand to make it light enough because if he was much more brooding and, and evil um, and, and then, or like, you know, a sociopath where he would suddenly be super sweet to her and then menacing to everybody else, maybe the tone would be different, but because he's so one track, it just kind of keeps it on the surface and it never, I don't know. I'd like to pose a question if I may. Of course. Um, uh, curious your thoughts, guys. But how much time has passed in your mind between uh, J- uh, Jamie's murder and now? Ah, it's actually really good. Um, not knowing what it is canonically in the movie, in my head, I'm thinking like six months, maybe max, because I imagine Sherilyn Finn's character has to be looks like roughly the same age, so it's got to be like six months. But yeah. Uh, I don't know, though. You know what I mean? Uh, Dustin, what do, you, what do you think? What do you think it is? What do you personally think it well, is? Well, the only thing that makes me think about it is the fact that Carrie... It doesn't make sense for Carrie to be with Packard regardless, but it makes even less sense if she's with Packard after her boyfriend has just been murdered. Because that makes right. you question her. Like, what's going on there? agreed but if it is like really recently she's clearly like a hostage situation you know what i mean i don't so but yeah it's something just kind of just doesn't jive you know what i mean i think it's longer i think it's been longer than that but she's she looks the same in the flat but you know whatever uh you know but yeah what's but zach what do you think like in your gut what do you think it is i think it's been at least a year uh since he's died because she you know she's not she's she's gotten over it a little bit there's a little illusion as to to what happened to her like you're supposed to think she had no clue as to what happened and we'll get to the flashback sequence in just a moment yeah um i think it's been over a year i think that you know time has gone by and then packard's basically rolled into you know he he's 
took advantage of her vulnerable state. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think he was nice at first, and now he's a total dick to her. And correct me if I'm wrong, but he killed Jamie to get to her, right? Yeah, because he well, he hate well. According to Billy, he hates everyone. But he doesn't kill everybody. He actively <laughs> killed Jamie. So, and it was it was to get to her, I assume, yeah, because obsessed. she talk, he talks about how much he he loves her. Although clearly, he doesn't have any clue what the word love means. No, he prescribes to the girls and cars magazine. So he yeah. just likes girls and cars. Yeah. Pretty much yep. in white jeans in the summertime. Uh, he's probably actually, by the way, he's probably the warmest one there because it's like you said, it's the middle of winter and they're shooting this outdoor beach party scene, you know, in the cold. So <laughs> Nick Cassavetes is probably like, I'm leaving my pants on, guys. Yeah. I'm not taking my pants <laughs> off. <laughs> so so he, shrinkage. He rolls, by the way, great question, Dustin, because I, I kind of pondered the same thing. I'm like, how much time has passed? Right. Um, uh, great question, Dustin, because I did not ponder the same thing. <laughs> Not a lot of pondering on that. Pondering on other things. Oh, yeah. I pondered on um, a lot of other things. Don't you worry. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so she, Carrie goes down to the, the rocks to lay, lay out her towel and lay out, and Packard rolls up on Minty to hang out with him. Yeah, and by the way, Minty looks like he's got a hot little uh, girlfriend, too, although you never see her again. No. So after that, you cut to stretched out on a towel. Who is it? But it's Jake. And he is approached by Billy. Billy looking like Bob Denver, uh, <laughs> circa 19... I'm going to take the, the Dobie Gillis, post-Dobie Gillis Bob Denver, pre-Gillings Island, somewhere in the middle because he's young, but put him in the 80s. And that's what Bob Denver would look like, basically. Billy, with his bucket hat on. <laughs> you like my Dobie Gillis reference, by the way? At least fourteen uh, percent of your audience is probably cheering. Dobie Gillis was the shit back, back I, in the day. I, I wasn't even going to answer because I don't know who Dobie Gillis is. <laughs> oh, you should watch that show, Dobie Gillis. It was super cool, and Bob Denver was like a beatnik. Would, and, would you like some more Dobie Gillis with your Dobie Gillis? Go check out Dobie Gillis. You know, <laughs> is this Mister Dobie Gillis? Mr. Are we Bob talking Dobie to Gillis? Dobie Gillis right now? <laughs> I was. Mr. Bob I thought you Dobie meant Gillis. John Denver, and uh, I realized that's a weird reference. But then, of course, I realized quickly. John you're Denver and Bob Denver mixed together. Gilligan. Yeah. Oh, you're thought of, okay. <laughs> so, well, bro, listen, bro. Come on, uh, bro. Billy shows up. Come He's on, like, bro. hey, bro. Are you cool, bro? <laughs> like, Hot day, by the huh? way, Char- Charlie Sheen's got like a lot of sunscreen on or something because he is pale as can be in this movie. Yeah, and he was going to shoot Platoon after this. He could have had a suntan in Saigon. What's the big deal? Yeah. You know? Um, Everybody else did. So yeah, he rolls up on he rolls up on Jake and he's like, Hey bro, hot day, huh? Mind if I drop my towel here? I ain't welcome over there. And Jake's like, Why not? He's like, Well, I am welcome or, or no, and Billy goes, Why ain't I welcome or is it okay to lay here? <laughs> Jake said, Take your take your pick. See, I, but Billy's, I like that dialogue. I thought that I love dialogue the banter. was fun. Yeah, yeah that I was love, a fun I love banter. Billy. That's yeah. Billy though. That's all mm-hmm. Billy, man. Like he sells every scene in, in uh and he's just trying to be all jovial. And like you said earlier, Dustin, like, I would have killed to have a friend like this, a guy who was just totally, hey, man, you're new in town? Because he's like, hey, you're new in town or something? What's your name? And yeah. Right out of the gate, each other. like, first sighting, like, I loved Billy. I was like, okay, this Dude, guy's cool. I like him. Like, so nice. And he goes, hey, you know, I work at Big K's. If you want a burger in Brooks, you call me. What is burger Jake's in Brooks? And he's like, you want a burger, the best burger in Brooks. Brooks uh, is the oh, town. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha, oh. gotcha, okay. Yeah. 
Because I, because I watched it with subtitles and I was like, what is he referring to when he said that? You're right. That's it's the town. Ah, good, good call. Yeah. Cause they drive past, he drives past the sign. Yeah. Right. And so back from that, they, they go, cut back to Carrie lathering on. You asked about suntan lotion. Carrie's lathering on suntan lotion. Not sunscreen, but suntan lotion. <laughs> and Billy's like, man, she's beautiful, huh? Don't you think? And he's like, me, me and her are pretty good friends, and she used to be tight with my brother, but she's got big problems with that lunatic she's with there now. And Jake's like, like what? Oh, meanwhile, Billy looks at Jake, and Jake's got scars all over his back. And on his neck. Yeah. Just like cover like it's the night which is an interesting which is an interesting uh, choice, right? Dustin, don't you think? Because uh, you know, they're 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 setting up this whole thing like he's not Jamie, right? He he's undercover, so to speak. He's Django he unchained. Has... <laughs> yeah. yeah, he can't get rid of the wounds. What do you think about that? I, I think it's kind of odd, honestly. because um, it, it I mean it it just adds this kind of like to me, this kind of unthought out thing that's just kind of in there for no reason. Um, just kind of implying that, you know, he's been through some shit. Uh, maybe he was right, ripped apart and then um, put back together. And I mean, we know he was stabbed or those, but they look more like whip whips yeah, than they, like stab scars or anything well, like that. They like slashes back. Yeah. The, you then, do see boom. a shot of, of uh, Packard kind of doing that slash thing, but like yeah dustin i'm with you they don't like look like slash scars they do add, i mean they look like whip scars i know what they're trying to be um but but then you never see how he gets the one on the neck though right i guess like it's yeah and I don't then think so, yeah. you would think that there would be like, and then he gets stabbed in the back you would think that there would be like maybe like one that was like i don't know they would do something to to show you that one of them was like the kill move you know um yeah maybe he maybe he got it when the car exploded yeah, there's a lot of things in this movie that kind of leave it up in the air for we'll you to kind of figure out. Like, like why does the Wraith even, like, look like that? Like, why does he look like this leathered out, you know, dude? It's like this biomechanical ghost, which I think is really freaking cool. And yeah, I yeah, actually, yeah. I mean, I, and I don't really truly mind that they don't tell you because I, I like, like Zach said, filling in the blanks and kind of world building myself. But this movie kind of like throws some stuff at the wall and then it sees what sticks and then it, you know, doesn't feel like following through on some other things. And, but yeah, it's, and this is just kind of one of those where it's just this, this tapestry of this world that they're building and yeah, Jake's got slashes on his back and they look like whip marks, but they're supposed to be, you know, cut marks, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. He's he's got, he's got cut marks, (laughs) stab marks or whatever. Yeah. So, uh, so Jake is like, uh, you know, you know, Billy, Billy's like, well, she's got problems with that lunatic. And Jake goes like, what? And I love this. And Billy goes, well, Packard's a mistake of nature, genetic misfire. Yeah. Gets crazy jealous if anybody looks at Carrie cross-eyed. And, uh, and then Jake's like, that includes your brother, I assume. And Billy goes, my brother, Jamie? No, he's dead. And he's murdered up on the Willow River. No one knows who did it. And uh, and, that's, and I love this moment because Jake's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I had, I had no idea. And you're like, clearly you had no idea because you just met the guy for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't looking at somebody cross-eyed a bad thing, though? <laughs> How do you look at somebody cross-eyed, well, I think when you're like, oh. Is that what it is? <laughs> like, I, I don't really know the kind of origins of the phrase, but I didn't. Like, when you see a beautiful girl, you're looking at her cross-eyed? Correctly. I don't think it's used correctly. Well, also, Charlie Sheen's character's like, misfire. What? Like, like. 
how do you not know like what the term misfire like means? He's like miss what you know genetic misfire. <laughs> <laughs> From there, you, Jake's got these you know blue blocker sunglasses on and he's scoping Carrie. He's just like leering at Carrie and Packard is sitting. On, on they're out they're, they're across the river from each other packard's looking directly at jake and i'm sorry can i just interject for one second yeah okay so to look at someone cross-eyed means to a question threaten or mock someone oh so it doesn't make sense at all in this context no it no. doesn't fit no if someone even because it's not a jealous thing it's like no one's threatening i think you should have just said her. if anybody even looks at carrie and left it at that yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Let's rewrite right. that. That would have worked better. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Please continue. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's all good. Pa- Packard flashes back as as they're all looking at each other across the river. And by the way, on the Blu-ray, uh, this dude goes and does like a, a a location scout now where like the locations are. It's kind of entertaining in a way because at one point he's like whispering because he's he's filming someone's home and i'm like dude you shouldn't be filming their home if you don't have permission but no. and putting it on a dvd but whatever anyways uh packard's flashback to the night that jamie and carrie are making it right and they're in bed and dustin pointed out that that was a body double that was used for uh Sherilyn fenn which is which i i agree with in the in that first flashback but then later on i think it is her actually yeah i was gonna ask both of you guys like every time i watch the scene now it's been three times i can't tell like even in the face if that is cheryl and finn no it in, is it, it is it in is. this first flashback yes because even is. knowing that that character's supposed to be carrie like i still can't even see cheryl and finn it's so fast apparently it's apparently it's not because okay. in, oh, in really? the director's commentary okay mike oh. marvin talks about uh, the flashback wanting to find just two lookalikes, just people that looked both like Charlie wow. Sheen a little bit and like Sherilyn Finn. So that's not that guy looks nothing like Charlie Sheen, but I could I, I was like, oh, that's Sherilyn Finn right there. But but, but it's, it's no. Sherilyn Finn and later though, right? And in, in like, like it the is. next flashback, you know he he said it was not um, hmm. huh. okay. You know, it, but there's but there's a lot of that with this movie. There's a lot of like within a specific scene. It's like, oh, we're in Arizona and now we're in L.A. for a second. And they did do a shit ton of pickups. So there are moments where even later on, um, once Charlie was shooting Platoon, they had to go back and do some pickups for things. And they would just like throw in this random guy. So it does seem like oh. even even just like, you know, uh scene to scene and 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 as we get to him i can be like oh that was a you know random shot but there was a ton of that okay okay point those out because uh i i didn't listen to the commentary which i now want to wow. um it, so- it sounds it, like it's, it's a lot chock full of information but it does explain why i feel like some people's hairs uh kind of changed uh styles a bit and and you know Yep, Mike Packard. Yep, Packard's, yep. In the cemetery yep. scene. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, there was a lot yeah, of. So, yep, and 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 now we got to reshoot, and now we are in the summertime, and the sky is right. different, and the weather's different, and, <laughs> and and Packard's hair is like more humid, so it's kind of like yep. goofing out a little bit. <laughs> well, this this to me this to me was the first scene um, where I was where the the rating was brought more to my attention because this is a really brutal scene. Yeah, this flashback sequence it's 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 lit red. Um, uh, you know, Jamie and Carrie are making it, making out on a on a bed, 
in like a cabin or whatever. Packard and his gang show up and they grab uh, Jake, uh, uh, Jamie, and they start knife whipping him. Uh, they throw a blanket over Carrie's face and like hold the blanket down so she can't see what's going on. And uh, it's it's really really brutal. It's intense. It's the first brutal scene in this movie where you're like, oh, this isn't like kind of a John Hughes some kind of wonderful esque drama romance movie. This is like a little darker, a lot darker. From there, it cuts right back to back to the present where the the music that's playing. By the way, I didn't mention that. Um, I don't think that was Honeymoon Suite. Anyways, there's a pretty decent song at this moment, too. But who rolls up after that but Gutter Boy and Skank in their smoking cool Hemi-Cuda. Yeah, the, the uh, Cougar. Barracuda, sorry. That was a Barracuda, um, which is different from a Hemi-Cuda. The Hemi-Cuda was, is, a, is a specialized uh, Barracuda featured in Phantasm. This is a Barracuda. I, and and I got to say, the, the, their, car, their, car, their car is called the Cougar. And it's my favorite of the the gang cars, you know. Mm. I think it's fucking awesome. Oh, it's so so badass. It's like it it makes sense. Gutterboy and Skank work in an airplane graveyard, and so their car looks like those old fighter planes from the nineteen forties yeah. with the with the how many kills you've had on the side or whatever. And Death from above is is painted on the side, airborne yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Really yeah. cool. And yeah, they roll up listening to Smoking in the Boys Room yeah. by Motley Crue, so which I'm not a fan of that song. That's a cover, by the way, um, by I think Loggins and Messina did the original version of Smoking in the Boys Room. But um, anyways, it's just you're like, oh, shit, Motley Crue. That's legit. Uh, uh, guys and gals, real quick. Uh, Two dollar late fee. One of one of their. What they're known for is discussing music, something that I am not very good at because I don't have any musical talent, don't know much about music, but that podcast is very much uh, soundtrack-centric that you guys, Dustin and Zach, talk about. So it really, if you like hearing about like music in the films and stuff, definitely check out $2 Lafey because you guys both know your shit like right off the top of your head, and I'm usually just like, I, I have no clue. But it's awesome to hear, <laughs> and I love, love hearing about this shit. Oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Corey. It's um, yeah. it's just one of those things of like, uh, you know, as a kid watching certain scenes and like having a music cue just hit your memory. It just kind of implants at the right time. And then you associate a moment with that music cue. Um, yeah. And then it's and it sort of builds from there, I think. I, I well, definitely feel like I know more about music and movies from listening to Two Dollar Late Fee than I did before. So thank you guys both for that. Oh man, it's our man. pleasure. Uh, but I, I will say, I was reminded. Speaking of memories about bands or music, Vince Neil always kind of annoyed me in Motley Crue. Um, Tommy Lee is a sick drummer, right? So good. Uh, Mick Mars, an amazing guitar player Nikki six an amazing bass player the band's really talented the origin the the first two albums of motley crew are really really shadow the devil and too fast for love but then they like get like uh, girls 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 and dr feel good and theater of pain they're not bad but it's just like progressively vince neal's kind of grading that the kind of cheese ball singing he's a kind of a cheese ball singer if you think about it in my opinion he's not that great um right unlike you know, like people... um 
you know, Pat Monahan from Train. He's like, no, can't can't hit those high notes like Pat Monahan. Can't hold a candle. (laughs) I can't hold a candle to Pat Monahan. I gotta say, I'm very happy that I saw Motley Crue in concert in L.A. when I first moved out there. First moved out there, like within my first couple of years. This was probably about 15 plus years ago. But I saw Motley Crue the whole. You know, crew together, every, cool. even McMars, you know, the whole thing. And yeah. I, I was not going to lie, I was a big Mally Crew kid growing up. I kind of loved them. Um, so seeing them in LA all together was kind of a highlight moment of, of my tenureship there. Well, he's, he's, a, he's a perfect Vince, by the way. Per, Vince Neal is a perfect example of like classic front man when, yeah. f- when you know, um, in the way that Anthony Kiedis is not a good singer. Anthony Kiedis can't hit a note for shit live by the way just saying because i've seen them i've seen chili peppers three times live every single time i've seen them anthony kiedis vocally is not that great but they're great front men they're great at selling the music so Vince and, and Neil, then you have on the opposite of that side you have maynard from tool who sits in the back i've seen tool in concert mm-hmm. like three times maynard, you don't you maynard's don't even amazing. see maynard you just you just see his his silhouette in front of a screen and he's like behind the drummer he just doesn't yep. even care you know but every tool uh concert i've seen they are unbelievable mm. and then there's paul stanley who's got the best of both <laughs> there you go <laughs> Come on, people, sing with me, sing. <laughs> okay, so anyways, um, yeah, cut to Gutterboy and Skank, and Gutterboy is like, look at all the... So Gutterboy is a total tweaker redneck. Apparently he doesn't do drugs, though, because every time Skank is doing drugs, he's like, I don't like that. But Gutterboy is, look at all these girls laying around on the rocks. They hardly got any clothes on. <laughs> and then, meanwhile, Skank's getting high, and he's like, oh, this shit's got some kick. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what he's drinking antifreeze or something. Or, or um, hy- later on, it's hydraulic fuel. So or hy- yeah. hydraulic Hydro. fluid or hydro pump. Yeah. Like, yeah, he calls it hydro pump. Forty at one point or something. Yeah, when he's, he's snorting WD forty. Like, do people do that? It's insane. And then, uh, <laughs> and, and then Packard rolls up and gets in the car with them and uh, like, hey guys, what's up? And it's kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, Packard's here again. Another moment where you're like, this guy's a dork. <laughs> And um, Skank's, Skank goes, a lot of duck butter out on the lake today, huh, Pack? <laughs> and Gutter, Gutter Boy goes, Quiff City, here I come. Oh, my God. <laughs> Quiff City. Yeah, I love early. I think Fork Packer got in there. Skank was like, oh, there's a bunch of dorks around here, man. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, one just entered your car, too. <laughs> The biggest fucking dork around. So dork, the biggest dork around says, you see that guy over there, the one with Billy? And Skank's like, what about him? Looks like a dork to me. And Gutter Boy goes, a lot of dorks going around these days. Tom sees it with him, crawling out of the woodwork. (laughs) I love the way they both talk. But Skank, like, that was Gutter Boy you were kind of doing an impersonation of. But but Skank, he just does, like, these weird, like, facial things. Like, that's a bunch of dorks. You know, it's it's really funny. It's really, I mean, he's he's chewing up the scenery, uh, Skank is. I love it. I love that. And Packard's like, shut up. He drives that motorbike there. You see him? You see him or Billy around Carrie, and I want to know about it. And Skank's like, oh, shit, Pack. I'd rather work than work on cars than... And then uh, Packard, again, second switchblade moment, opens up his switch on Skank's earring, which I had one of those earrings. It's a dagger. The dagger earring, so yeah. The handle is. is one side. The, sh- uh, the blade is the other. And so it looks like it's going through your ear. And he's he's like puts the blade to to skank's ear and he's like we do things my way skanks skank it's a lot of fun 
and then you hear gutter boy whining the whole time he's like and and i love how skank's like yeah man packard it's all good man no worries and he kind of like smacks his forehead and he's like it's all programmed in man i was like well he says he says we'll remind the cog stacker what the fuck is a cog stacker (laughs) i don't know half the shit they say in this movie like as like insults i don't even know what that fucking means yeah yeah yeah, and then he's like, "Yeah, remember the kid on the motorbike?" He's like, "He got it, and it's all programmed in, right?" And uh, and then and then he's like, "It's skank. Get rid of that zombie piss bef- you're drinking before it turns your before it turns you into a mushroom." And then he gets out of the car and leaves, and Skank takes a big old swig off his zombie piss, and you just hear Gutter Boy go, "Mushroom." <laughs> so weird. <laughs> oh God, so good. Oh, it's terrible cut back to Carrie on a like everybody had the same raft too by the way did you notice this they all had the yes. same they they, they like, clearly went to the five and dime and bought like 30 of those same exact rafts but see where i went with this was this is a public watering hole mm. so they rented those out mm. that's ah. what i that's where my went my mind went with it. I, my mind immediately stopped caring about the raft and was noticing how Sherilyn Finn was like exploding out of the side of her uh, bikini <laughs> as she's laying on it. She's got a freaking woman's body. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for him. Just like, let him go. Three Just let him go. By. Let him talk himself into a grave. <laughs> You might have edited this by now, but three seconds went by, and I was like, I'm just going to let him go. Keep going, because not disagreeing. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal mm. is a joke. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. So anyway, she's uh, she's on her she's on her raft on a lazy river, and uh, Jake rolls up on her, and she's like, "Nice day." He's like, "What well, is a bit chilly for my taste? Good thing it's warm out." And by the way, I was kind of taking that as like, "I came from hell." Like that's how I took it the oh. the first time I watched oh. it. I I mean, it's not wrong. I, it's not right. I don't think that's right at all. But my very first time watching, I was like, "Oh shit!" Did he is he like coming up from hell or something to, to do this? Did he sell his soul to maybe I think I'm just was reading way too much into that piece of dialogue, but D- Dustin, any thoughts on that one, buddy? Uh, I did not think that, but, um, <laughs> you're like, you're, you're wrong. <laughs> no, I, it's certainly, it's certainly, uh, 
it certainly could track because a deal of this sort does seem to be in line with the deal you'd make with the devil for revenge. Um, you've got one mission, you're going to come back and do that mission and then you're, then you're out of there. But, uh, but that particular line just spoke more to the fact that it was winter to me. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, you know, just knowing that I, knowing that it was winter, that's how it's. Yeah, been. yeah, yeah. Knowing, knowing that now, I'm yep. like, oh, it's because it was freezing his balls off. But I like your theory too, Corey. They <laughs> both you. work. Yeah, they both track. Um, I love this because uh, th- this is when Packard rolls up, and I wrote it. I wrote this is Packard's deal quote deal with it moment because he walks up on the rocks, like looking at both Carrie and Jake, and just like, what's going on here? You know, gee. <laughs> Big and, hair. Uh, right. And and then he yells out, he's like, Hey Carrie And, <laughs> and he, he's like, he doesn't have any problem being a douchebag in front of other douche, people. No. Like like a lot of times douchebags would be like, Oh, I don't want to I'm not gonna they're not like they're nice to their girlfriends like yeah. in public. He doesn't give a flying fuck if everyone thinks mm-hmm. he's a piece of shit because he is. No, because apparently everybody fears him yeah. in town for whatever reason. Um and so she's like, I better go now. And he's like, well, don't go because of me. That's what Jake says. And she's like, what? Uh, no, not because of you. It's because of him. What? You don't know him. <laughs> he's like, but you know, if you want, you can come by some night. And he's like, yeah. Uh, she's like, yeah, after work. And he's like, where's work? And she's like, Big K's, Big K's Burgers. Yay. And they swim back. And as they're swimming back to the entrance to the Lazy River, you're just hearing the very subtle Hold on, blue eyes by Lamarca, just like the guitar part, which is so good. Oh, I I didn't notice that. Oh, and that's my second favorite uh, my job. S- song from from the movie because uh, I knew that going into Two Dollar Lefe we were going to discuss one of the songs. So I texted Zach. I was like, "Which song are we going to talk about?" You know, the other one. I was like, "Or, or Blue Eyes or Hold on, Blue Eyes," because I freaking love that one. But you were like, you know, we we went with the other one, but. This one's so good, but I, I didn't notice that. That's really cool. I'm actually going to, uh, when I do rewatch this film, because, I mean, it will be in my regular rotation at this point because it's so fucking bonkers. Uh, I'm going to listen for that again. I think there's probably a lot of things that I didn't pick up on the three times that I, I watched, you know? Yeah, if you go if you go and search um, the Wraith film score, there are some people that have actually pulled, because there is a synth track towards the end of the movie that is the the like the opening to that hold on blue eyes okay but it's a synth version Ooh. it's it's like maybe 15 seconds long but someone pulled that and pulled all the cues like that someone compiled all the synth tracks as well from this soundtrack online so nice. uh which again i think this song hold on blue eyes and where's the fire should be more well known than they are like they're that good in my opinion From there, we cut to Robert Palmer, Addicted to Love. <clears throat> Which is a fantastic song, too. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so perfect for the next scene because you're now at Big K's Burgers, right? And it's Big K's Burgers, is which is not there anymore. But, man, for those that don't know, for our, for our younger listeners to uh, Podcasting After Dark, there was a time when Sonic was not the only drive-in... Um, burger place and if you've never eaten at a drive-in burger place it's kind of weird because you're like sitting in your car eating your food with the tray on the window they put the tray on the window um but it's kind of a hangout thing back in the day in the 80s it was like and and, and earlier than that obviously was the place to be uh everyone would show up in their cars hanging out 
God, I miss drive-ins. Do you guys miss drive-ins? Like oh, uh, drive-in burger places. In license to drive, it was Archie's. Yeah, I was. Uh, I mean, I was young in the '80s. Obviously, I was, I was born in '78. But I watch stuff like this, and I'm always curious. Like, if my my sister's uh, six years older than me, so you know, she probably experienced more of like you know what it was like to go cruising and hanging out in the '80s and everything like that. Um, but it seems like such a fun time, man. Like you're just here at this big case. You're just hanging out at your car, and you kind of people know each other. And you're just talking to other people. It's like a full on party atmosphere, and I'm just like. I, I know places like this probably never existed anyways, you know what I mean? But, like, wow, like, what a restaurant this would be to, to work at. And just, I just, I, my first note is, like, like this is, like, what a great place to work. And I put in, in parentheses as a guy, you know, because it's just a <laughs> bunch of, like, girls. And, and, you know, I mean, just, like, Jesus, it's a it's awesome. And then this is where you see a, a young Brooke Burke in her first uh, in her first role. You you not only see her, you get like a close up shot of part of her, yeah, which is really so, weird, by the way. Yeah, so she she rolls towards the camera in her white like wife beater tank top cut off, and I think she's like seventeen at this time. And the camera doesn't cut as she comes as her chest comes right <laughs> into frame, and then they kind of transitions. But it's sleazy, even not. Kind of not yeah. in a good way. I was like, eh, it's a little sleazy right there. And that's coming from old sleazy C, you know what I mean? So <laughs> I was like, eh, well, you know. And I will I will say really quick that, that uh, I think in small towns, these places were definitely the place to be because that's the only place you could go. Right? Okay. Uh, in, in Gilroy, back before Gilroy was like everyone from Silicon Valley is living there because it's the, close, the <laughs> most affordable place to live next to San Jose. Um there was like an A&W root beer drive-in and that place was bumping in the eighties and nineties. I remember we'd roll on our way down to LA, Los Angeles. We would, we would stop there or Monterey. And, um, it was so cool because the energy was so upbeat and just happy. And like the people working there did see, and they were on roller skates and it did seem like a good vibe. Um, man, just like forget what's going on currently. Like we're never going to have that again. I don't think, but that's why this like slice of life slice of life moment for me in this movie i'm like oh man this is so cool it's such a good vibe everyone's happy um we could have it again i mean growing growing up in new jersey i had a uh, stewart's root beer it was the same kind of kind of thing but it but it was kind of like a a chain and i think that there are still some in existence uh, yeah, Sonic is like that, I guess. Sonic, there's still Sonic. I, and... I see all the commercials for Sonic. I have no idea where that one exists. The nearest one is Bakersfield. Okay, and you've been that to I it? I know of. I, I've never been to it, but I've driven past it. Okay, and they're on roller skates? Um, they're not on roller skates, I don't think. It's just like and a then, fast food place, though, right? It's uh, yeah, I stopped at a Sonic. I stopped at a Sonic in Gilroy, where the A&W used to be. It is now a Sonic, which is such a bummer, because I'm like, whatever. It's neither here nor there. Um, I did stop through there. And I, and I think at the time I was like, I just wanted to get in and get out. So I didn't feel the the nostalgic vibe. Um, but I think of movies like License to Drive and, you know, I think of Hollywood Nights, which is a really fun uh, early 80s movie, kind of like a, a dirtier version of um, um, American what's Graffiti? the Ron Howard movie? American Graffiti. American- American Graffiti, yeah. It's like a dirtier version of that. Uh, really funny with Tony Danza and Joyce Heiser, by the way, ah. and Robert Wool. Oh, um, worth checking out. And because they all kind of culminate at the drive in. But yeah, like I, I think, yeah, no, I think you're, I hear what you're saying, Dustin. Like it could make a comeback or they're still there. Um, I just, you know, 
but, but like culturally, like we have so many more distractions now. When you think like back when this was made, you know, kids didn't have uh, obviously the cell phones and everything, but you also like you also didn't have households with like a TV in every room. Like there's just yeah. it's everything culminated to this. And these kids would just hang out at these places because there was you know no other place to yeah. hang out. But this is this is where you'd be having fun. You meet your friends and stuff like that, you know, and it's also because, you know, you, you wouldn't have any way to tell anybody where you were. So you'd be like, I'm going to be over here and just come and meet me so yeah i yeah. think just maybe we case. can make a comeback to it but i don't know i feel like the vibe is just it's very unique to this time but that's half the fun for watching these movies even if, yes. if it's like me as as a first time you know viewer it's still like i love seeing this kind of stuff because i do remember that i mean i remember things being like that as a kid but i i wasn't that age so i didn't actually get to sort of experience things like that you know no totally Totally. Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head. The energy at Big K's is uh, great. Everyone's feeling great. Um, Carrie works there. She rolls up and she Billy's Billy's behind the grill making the burgers. And Billy's the only earlier, person that's working the grill this entire time. I mean, I hope he's making a lot of money. I guarantee he's making nothing. And he's no, just he's being, nice. Yeah, he's just being like slave labor, essentially. I, I really wish there had been a Big K. Oh, like the like like Porky's kind of thing. Yeah, just like, yeah, an actual person named Big K, like an old oh. fat lady or something. Just like a, a, K. a character for comedic relief. That, that would have been great. You know, it was like uh, that was one of those missed opportunities for me with this movie. <laughs> Even if she's sitting in a chair on the side, like, like I'm Big K. Yeah, <laughs> like Billy's always like right away K, and she's kind of a hard ass, but she's also very sweet. That's funny. Because ultimately, yeah, no, it's unrealistic that Billy is like managing that entire grill Always. all by himself. Just doing everything by himself. Like He's, fries, flipping burgers, everything. It's you the most into a, crowded place. It, yeah, it's insane. It, it's, yeah. He has no help. Not even on the fries, he has any help. Nope. No, and, and, and Carrie's like, I got a cowboy who wants two burgers rare, and I mean rare. And Billy goes, I'll have him so rare that a good vegetarian. <laughs> That a good veterinarian will have them back on their feet in 10 minutes. And he throws the burgers <laughs> in the air behind him when she says that to him. <laughs> it's just Morgan. fun. It's so much fun. Yeah, it's so silly. Um, so from there, you cut to, I'm assuming, Big K's is now closed. Uh, and, and Billy's leaving with Carrie. It's still like daylight out, but maybe it's daylight savings time. And uh, and she and, and she's like, come on, you goof. Let's go. And he's like, hey. Fumes off the grill, Carrie. Hurts my mind. And so he gets in his little MG Triumph car. The Packer calls it a Triumph. I called it an MG. I'm sure it's a Triumph. Anyways, he's trying to start the car. And she's like, hurry up. He's here. Oh, great. And Packard rolls up with his whole gang. And Billy can't start his car. He finally does start it. They start driving off. And Packard's whole gang of cars kind of surround Billy. And, uh, and Packard's like, looks like I got here just in time. And Billy's like, hey, Pack, I was just on my way out. And and then Packard goes, hold your horses, guy. guy. And Carrie's like, Packard, please. Guy number three. Uh, and Packard's like, hop in the car, Carrie. I want to speak to Billy alone for a minute. Like trying to act all sweet, I guess. And then he says to Billy, he's like, looks to me like you ran out of those all bead patties early tonight, huh? And Billy's like, well, don't worry, Pack. We still got plenty of dog food. And he's looking at Augie because Augie's like kind of wanting to jump billy and kick his ass and augie's like let's grind up some meat packard huh 
And Billy's like, hey, has he, he been wormed or is he just a naturally gifted child? And then that's when Augie like explodes and tries to go after Billy and basically beat the shit out of him. And like, like a fucking animal. My, maniac. My, my note like a here, drug-fueled maniac. My note here is Augie's a fucking animal. But I also love that Billy never once in this entire movie backs down from Packard. Uh, I mean, he's aware of what Packard can do to him, I think, and he's realistic about things, but when he gets in the situation with Packard, he doesn't back down, and I love that he fucking just, not even, like, insult to injury, not the, the fact that he doesn't back down, and then he fucking insults, like, his crew and everything. I mean, I'm like, Billy, what are you, first off, what are you doing? But at the same time, you fucking rock, bro. Yeah, he does. And uh, what what rocks also is the fact that Augie's wearing a do-rag on his head. And when Packer kind of grabs him before he lunges at Billy, his do-rag doesn't come off. So shout out to the do-rag. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then Augie says, I swear to God, I'll rip your head off and piss down your throat. And Packer's like, hold your water, Augie. This is business. Don't push things. And, and he's like, it's nothing personal, guy. guy. He's like, uh, hey, Billy, nice car you got here. Now, where were you going with my girl? And then that's when Billy goes, come on, Pac. I'm just starting to give her a ride home. Like, what's the big deal? Chill the fuck out, dude. And then Packard looks at uh, Rughead, and he's like, hey, Rughead, what's this triumph worth? And Billy goes, "You're you're not getting it, Packard. You're not taking my car. And Packard's like, who said anything about taking your car? I'm going to give you the same chance I get. And so now already you're setting up this idea of like, oh, great. Here we go. They're going to steal Billy's car. Poor Billy with a little triumph. He's not going to go anywhere. It's a cool, I mean, it's a cool car. I, I like it, but yeah, it ain't, it ain't beating Packard's fucking vet, man. But it's not going anywhere. And Billy utters my famous, my favorite line of the movie. He's like, look, Pack, you don't get my car. And if you're not nice, you don't get your burgers with the mayo in the Thousand Island the way you love them. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck off, dude. I make your food, man. I, I'm going to fucking take a giant dump right in your so fucking burger next why time. Why wouldn't you if you were Billy? Right? Every time. I mean, every, I hope pee he's right in his, his fucking burgers. like drink and everything. Fucker. Yeah, yep. please. Yeah. Like, you guys remember that Beavis and Butthead episode when Beavis and Butthead got a job at the fast food place? Of course. And Beavis is scratching his junk. And he's like, <laughs> of course. And like, you, you see the sprinkles going on the burger. <laughs> I mean, junk. you don't you don't fuck with anybody who makes your fucking food ever. We've seen Seinfeld. <laughs> we know <Exactly>. Seinfeld. <laughs> oh man! All I know is I pulled up into a McDonald's one time, and I was in the in the fast in the drive-through line, and I can see the guy with the fries scooping the fries, and he had sweat dripping from his brow into the fries, and I was like. Heart. But then I thought, well, but the oil probably killed everything. So, yeah, probably did. What are you going to do? Anyways, it did. Uh, yeah, so, okay. so, Packard's <laughs> like, like, this is like, spoiler alert. It didn't, but okay. It did. But I, I also <laughs> I survived. Have a, you know, I, I remember being at McDonald's and seeing the, the fattest, most disgusting employee come out of the stall after having just taken a fresh shit and walked right by the sink. <laughs> just like Poppy, man. Just, Just like, like Poppy. Poppy. It was exactly that, only before Poppy, that. Poppy. And I was like, no, I can't eat here ever again. Oh, no, nah, dude, I, I'm 100% with you on that one. So Packard, Packard's like, look, Billy, I thought you understood. This is not a negotiation. And suddenly, right before they get any more intense about taking Billy's car, who rolls up but the turbo, the turbo interceptor. Which which is, you know, once you know the relationship 
it makes yeah. sense that he rolls up right now when both, you know, uh, Carrie and his brother are getting, you know, harassed. So it's almost, it's it's perfect that now is the time that he rolls up. And man, that car is is pretty fucking awesome. And it's got, you know, this is in the the day and age when quiet cars didn't really exist. So it rolls up in, in that kind of hybrid sound where it's like, yeah. you know, really quiet and subtle. And you're just like, oh, it's so badass. And it's like, uh, it's got that trans, not translucent, but that kind of, um, you know, like the, it's multicolored in the sense, like purple, black. Mm. Oh, it's got that paint you know job that kind of changes colors depending on the way you look at it, sort of. Yeah. I think it's so. I think yeah. it's badass. I think it's still badass now. Um, but anyways, that's it. Yeah, Dustin's got it as his uh, like because we're all on you know Skype or Zoom or whatever, and Dustin's uh, his background is is the wraith. And and uh, Jay Leno, whether you like him or not, did a segment for a new show he's doing, car segment with Charlie Sheen. Dustin sent that to us. I mean, that's not for a new show he's doing. That's that's actually an old show. But Jay, Le- oh, Jay Leno's what? Garage used to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, Jay Leno's Garage. Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't, but it wasn't that long ago that he did that interview. No, right? no, I mean last within the last, uh, you know, five to ten years. Yeah, you can go on YouTube and check that out with with what the Interceptor looks like now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the car rolls up and then and then Packard's like, "Hey, Rughead, you 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 seen one of these before?" And the and Rughead's like, "Let's just fig, let's just add it to our collection first, and we'll figure out what it is second. And then Packard looks at Billy and he's like, "Billy, we'll discuss this later." And then they go to basically confront the car. And that's when Augie looks over at Billy and utters the line. And I'm going to edit myself because I'll see you later. You know what I'm saying? We've covered that's a lot the... of movies that, that throw that word around. And we, we kind of take our stance on, on Podcasting After Dark. We don't quote it. So we do, we do take our stance, but this is the first time it's used in a movie and it makes sense of like an asshole using that in mm-hmm. like a jerk way. Yeah. Like to me, that was the only time I've ever heard that word used in, in a derogatory way and been like, that guy's a dick. Augie's a dick. And in, in fact, the fact that he only is on screen for maybe 10 minutes of this movie, he he cements himself as being a total bully and you want to see him get his he, come up. I would almost say he's the biggest piece of shit in Packard's gang. Uh, you know, aside from Packard, he seems, Augie yes. seems like the most capable of the pieces of shit, you know? Yes. Like he's just full of rage where Skank and, and, you know, Gutter Boy are just tweakers and everything. Augie's just a fucking rage machine. He's an animal. He's a fucking animal. Yep. So, so Augie's like, hey, Packard, I think, uh, so the, so, the Wraith drives off, right? Basically gets their attention, gets them to drive away from Big K's. And Augie's like, hey, Pack, I think he's going to Sandy Bar. Let us let let me take him out this time. And Packard's like, it's your turn, dude. Let's do this. And they all split, and they all drive off. And Billy's still sitting in his little triumph, and he's, like, sulking. This <laughs> is live. He's, yeah, exactly. Um, and so they they get up to which I guess is supposed to be Sandy Bar, which they're talking about. And then suddenly that's when uh, Augie's like, I want to tear this guy a new asshole. And then Packard's like, yeah, do it to him, Augie style. Augie style. <laughs> and then that's when Augie uh, says, I'll burn this Iranian. What is? Did you catch that? No. He goes, I'll burn this Iranian. Really? That's what he says. Yep. Okay. And I'm like, oh, sh- what, what, what? The- where the hell does that come from? It, it's, it's in the uh, subtitles. It, is it, is it like a reference to his car? Like, what's, I, what's it a reference to? I guess. 
huh like that's racist huh. and makes this guy even more Confusing. loathable yeah um and, so, and yeah, augie's th- got the the he's got the what the daytona what is he what's his car is he's the, got a daytona yeah, he's got I the think. daytona um, yeah. and it's not it's not George's Daytona. No, no, because I think they were I think they were salvaging. Uh, we see it later. They're kind of just stripping the, the George's Daytona for for parts and whatnot. Um, I will say uh, I know you like the Daytona, but I will say Augie's car is probably my least favorite of the cars. And it's only because the other cars are so freaking crazy and awesome looking. I don't know why I like it. It doesn't make sense to me. I just like it. Again, this is when Rughead has yet again. He says this like three or four times in the movie. He's like first one to. Rattler's Crossing, everything is like Dragon Fire. Yeah, uh, Dragon's Crossing. This is Rattler's Crossing. First one to Rattler's Crossing wins. You lose the race. You lose your car. Agree? And and he looks at the Wraith (laughs) with those teeth. And Mm -hmm. uh, the Wraith just revs, revs the engine. And Packard's like, send him off, send him off. And, and, And then... Rughead's like, what? He's like, I said, send him off. We'll take the Willow, the Willow River cutoff. And uh, <laughs> I don't know for some reason why that line always stood out to me. And that's when he's like, you know, ready, set, go. And then the car race ensues with the pulse pounding synth track. Another fantastic car race. Fun fact, the synth wave artist behind this uh, killer score one of them is from Tangerine Dream. So there you go. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know we love our Tangerine Dream on Podcasting After Dark and $2 late fee. Hell yeah. Yep. $2 late fee for all your $2 goods. Um, so as they're driving. That, that is not this... our tagline, by the way. No, it's not. <laughs> I, don't... We, our tag, what, our I love how is... Dustin had to come out and say that. <laughs> Our tagline is, the good guys always win, even in the 80s. Um, Which and... we stole from Megaforce. Probably we totally did. <laughs> so as they're driving down the road, the, the they dro- they drive past cops. The cops spot them. Well, it's cool because they only see Augie. Yeah. They actually don't see the Wraith drive past because at this point when they drive past the cop cars, the Wraith pulls in front and then shoots past them, but they don't start going. Like It could be weird editing or something, but I took it as the the cops couldn't see the Wraith at that point, essentially. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so they're basically chasing one car speeding down a road. Yeah. But Augie's racing the Wraith, and the Wraith speeds up ahead, and then you know cuts cuts in front of him, so it causes Augie to crash off of the side of a cliff and explode in glorious fashion as he drives off the cliff. And it's awesome because when he goes through, Every car, it, it's it's weird because every race kind of ends the same. They're they're kind of neck and neck, and then the wraith just pulls out and is gone, right? And then he yeah. kind of takes the time to spin around and and block the road, and then finally whoever he's racing catches up to him. It, it's it's weird that it's the exact same thing almost every time, but it's never not awesome. Because when when the other car hits the Wraith, I love all the car crashes in this movie have so many pieces like shooting off like every car like disintegrates and it's really fucking cool looking. It's very visceral. It's it's very like just you just you feel the pain of it. It's really awesome. But uh, it's it's weird that every single one of them is, is sort of the same race. You know, it is based. They're all basically the same. Um, I think the the third time, second or third time I watched this this past few days, 
it didn't get repetitive to me, but I was like, yeah, it, it's essentially the same race every time. Yeah. Uh, but, but the music is great. You know, they never actually show the, the actor in the car, but they do like shots, close-up shots of their face. It feels good. Like it's yeah. shot really well. And the explosions are like balls out uh over the top so it makes which makes it for a great climax at the end of the race they shot this actually at 23 or 22 frames per second just to give it a little bit more of a sped up motion kind of a blur thing um which interesting which he did uh kind of kind of take from mad max um along with that that kind of jump cut style that you see all throughout this movie like prior to every explosion where it's like, you know, you go into the car and you go to close up a lot of times to the Wraith's face to the drivers fit close up all Mad Max derivative. Yeah. But, but it works. And, and you know, if you're, if you're going to, if you're going to steal, steal from the best. And, you know, Zach, as you said, it never, you know, they never felt like, like, you know, repetitive or anything because, they just shoot this so well. I think they mentioned like never once is the camera ever on the side of the road. It's either on the dash of the car or inside yeah. the car. You're always getting a sense of speed and the, the races in this, the the sense of speed that they're doing, especially when they're kind of going over the hills and stuff. It's good, man. This is what, this is what I think makes the movie really, or is the reason why it holds up really well? Because ultimately, no matter how much we goof on this film, when it comes to these scenes and, and the, the race scenes, I'm not taking notes. Like, I'm watching it, and every time I watch this movie, I am 100% into every single race that I'm watching. Yeah, I can hear the soundtrack in my head. That yeah. How many times have you guys both watched this movie in the past week? I watched it twice. I've watched it three times since, or like total since my, you know, ever, and it's been within so three times within two weeks essentially. Gotcha. Awesome. And it was but for for two dollar lefe, I watched it two times in twelve hours right before we recorded uh, uh, two dollar lefe, <laughs> and yeah. I still have four pages of notes here, so I can remember the movie <laughs> very well. But I had a, I have a, again, I have a lot to say about this film. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, the uh, yeah, the car explodes. Augie's dead. Uh, the cops who were chasing them call it in. Then Loomis shows up, Detective Loomis. Uh, he shows up to Packard and his gang. He says to Packard, he's like, I've been looking to catch you guys in the act. Been waiting and watching. It's like with this, yeah, see, this like 1920s talkie thing. And Packard's like, congratulations, you caught us talking. There's no law against that unless, of course, I have my wires crossed. And Loomis says, clam it, wise guy. There's a dead kid three miles up the highway. And then suddenly they all kind of look shocked. He goes, yeah, that's right. Run off the highway. Killed. (laughs) And then after that, you see they cut to um, a mountaintop, like kind of far away shot. And and the wraith is standing up on the mountaintop watching down at them. No one sees him. No one notices him. No one sees him. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to mention too. Like right, right after the cops call in the accident, you see the wraith car that had been that exploded earlier kind of reforms and drives off. Yeah, and then you when you see the wraith up on the mountaintop, you see on his body the, like this brace piece that's attached to his 
is his leg or his it's, arm? It's his. I only took note of it. It's his. It's his right arm, so it's screen left. And I only took note of it because in the next scene or close to when he attacks them in their in their uh, garage, he has that brace on. And I'm like, oh, oh you probably filmed oops. that scene, you know, for earlier on or something. Oops. But yeah, I know. I only noticed it because it's the same. It, it's so it's his right arm. Yeah. Yeah, but there, there's four in total. Yeah, um, and so that's the first one that vaporizes and fades away. And yeah. point of, uh, you had asked me to kind of interrupt. So, the insert shot of the wraith looking down, Lancaster, just outside of L.A. Okay, oh. the rest Arizona. Okay, okay. So they they film that separately as as an insert insert, as an insert shot. Yep. Then okay, interesting. Well, it cuts back to Loomis, and he walks up to Packard and his gang. And he says, okay, pal, time to drain the drug overdose sloshing above your eyebrows and tell me who the dude was driving that other car. Yeah, Packer that, goes, yeah, that's the dialogue that fucking Randy Quaid just delivers without blinking once and or without his eyes shifting. He doesn't break eye contact with fucking Cassavetes and just nails this ridiculous dialogue. And so the the dialogue is ridiculous, A. In a great way, and in, 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 in a fantastic in, way. In a great way. And now here's the flip side, B, <clears throat> that I've always had a problem with. Your dude, your dude, your homeboy in your gang just died, right? Well, he does say later, Augie's no big loss. No, but however, Carrie's beat up about it. Which know, I like, and, by the way. And, and I do so, like that. And, and I appreciate that, but uh, but Packard doesn't give a shit. He's just like, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna arrest us, I do believe we have right to counsel. And, and and Loomis is like, "What about you?" And he turns and looks at Minty. He's like, "What about you, maggot? Are your veins bloated from brain eradicator too?" I don't know why I went into like Dennis Miller thing. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> A cha cha cha. And so again, Augie just died, and he's like, "Oh." Yeah, and and Minty goes, he goes, "Yeah, uh, Augie Fisher. Yeah, well, he, he got killed." And then, and then that's when he's like, yeah, dead. And he goes, there isn't enough left of him, pal, to stick in a cigar box. <laughs> and then from there, Loomis gets called over to the meat wagon the, to pick up the body. And, and they're like, hey, Loomis, I think we ought to see this. He comes over. And, and, and I like how Loomis is like, what? I don't need to see this. Like, what do I need to see over here? You know, it, it's kind right. of actually a really realistic reaction on Loomis's part. And then when they show him the body, it's fully formed. Like, not even charred up. Yeah. But his eyes are missing. I, I was not expecting this, by the way, mm-hmm. at all. Like, this whole little thing about, and which I thought was really a cool concept, that the fact that, like, uh, you know, they are completely pristine, you know, except for their eyes being gone. And I think I read in, in like, uh, the directors had mentioned or something, like, how, like, people get hit by lightning. Or, or no, he was mentioning, like, spontaneous combustion and how, like, like a person can combust, but then for some reason their shoe will be, like, un hurt like it won't have any like 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 burn damage at all and he's like i want to do the reverse so everything around the body is burned and charred but the body is completely fine and i was like that's it's a really cool visual although here you see that augie actually has no eyes and it's really neat but nothing like later on with packard and stuff they don't do it again and i was like oh that's kind of inconsistent because augie's yeah. is the best because he's he's like pale it's like it's abnormally pale you know what i mean and then his eyes are like 
like gutted, like straight up. Like nowadays, it would just be CGI, and you know, but but it's like they're black as can be. Um, and it, yeah, I think this right here was such an interesting concept, and it's really cool. It's sadly, I feel like it. This is the best version. They don't really. They kind of fall on this forward. You know what I mean? They they do, and I feel like that's where the crow made up for it. Yes, where the crow made up for it with you know. Uh, making sure that the main guy got his comeuppance the best. Yeah. Right. Out of everybody. Yeah. Um, but Augie did get his comeuppance pretty well. It, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause the cop, the cop that, uh, that, that Loomis is talking to, he's like, the kid ought to, the kid ought to be dog meat, smashed down a cliff through fire, hot steel and busting glass, sent cats crawling up my spine when I seen him pull this corpse out, clean as if he was coming out of a hot tub. <laughs> And that's when Loomis is like, oh, God, that's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> so they load up Augie, and he and Loomis goes back to Packard's gang. He's like, you don't want to know what I saw, ass wipe. And uh, he's like, spill it. Who was driving the other car? And then that's when Carrie uh, speaks up, and she's like, nobody ever saw him before. He wasn't a local car. And that's when uh, Rughead's like, yeah, it was customized or something. And then Minty, who, again, I'm like, aren't you supposed to be friends with Augie? He's like... Well, yeah, it was like a V-dub conversion with bodacious bags and, and like a surf rack on top. Or, oh, it was awesome, man. And he does like that surfer talk thing that like. Yeah, I'm like, fuck just, you, dude. Your your friend just died. I, I mean, Allegedly. I think at this point, I don't think anyone gives a shit about Augie. I think Augie's, a, except for Carrie or Sherilyn Finn's right. character, you know. And we, we, I, I do like the fact that she's like upset by his death because she's not a sociopath. She's a fucking human being. And she's like. This guy that I grew up, you know, near is dead. Yeah, maybe he was a piece of shit, but he was still a human. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like... yeah, yeah. And 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 the Loomis is like, you know, deputy. The deputy's going to take your a, a list of names. So if you're thinking of taking any vacations in the next few days, forget it. I'll be visiting you again with warrants, Mister Attorney. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, that's when Packard hugs Gutter Boy. And Gutter Boy just goes, Augie Fisher. Well, I, I took it as like he kept Gutter Boy close to him the whole time because I think Gutter Boy's probably the the least trustworthy of, of, of saying something stupid because we do see him just always slip out information, you know? Yeah. So I took it as like he's he, – but I will say there's a shot where Gutter Boy's kind of like to Nick Cassavetti's right but the camera's on his left and, and he Nick is so tall and Gutter Boy's so short that it looks like Gutter Boy's head is literally coming out of Nick Cassavetti's chest. <laughs> Like Quato? Like a tour with like a chest pusher, but yes, Quato works yes. too. <laughs> and that's that's when the uh the, the brace on the Wraith fades away. Yeah. When when you see point. the 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 Lancaster Wraith. Yeah. <laughs> Lancaster Wraith. Uh <laughs> so from there, Packer walks up to Rughead and uh and he's like, you know, uh he goes, the kid at the Daytona, like, he doesn't even care about what just happened. He's like, the kid in the Daytona gave me a hell of a run last night. If I if I tried to kill him, he, if I hadn't tried to kill him, he might have beat me. And uh, and so Rughead's like, well, uh, you know, I can get you. All your stuff's going to be ready. Like, he's asking about all the new accessories he's going to get for his car. And he's like, oh, they'll be ready to, in a few days. And uh, and then they that's when Rughead walks off. Packer goes up to gets in his Corvette with Carrie and Carrie's crying. 
And she's he's like, well, what's the problem? <laughs> what's the Such dick. problem? She's like, I just can't believe that Augie's dead. I mean, he lived just down the street from me. And I'm like, you're you're beat up about this guy that you know just threatened to rip off Billy's head and piss down his throat. I, I'm going to push back and say that I think she grew up with Augie. I think she knows that Augie was once a good kid and maybe went astray or something. Mm-hmm. I think she, she had hope for Augie. But now it's over because Augie's dead. So, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I like this. I actually like her caring about Augie's death because none of us do. And I mean us, like the three of us, because I think we all agree he was a piece of shit. So it's kind of nice to actually see somebody care about him, you know? Well, there's four of us because because Packard even says Augie's no loss, believe me. <laughs> it's just really <laughs> fucked up. He's like, now tell me, though, what were you doing with Billy Hankins? He's like, I was tired. I wanted to go home. <laughs> He's like, don't lie to me, and pulls out the switchblade, number three. <laughs> She's like, I'm not lying, Packard. And he goes, you and I are like blood brothers. <laughs> we so, like this blood is his, lovers. His improv, <laughs> yep. That's improv takes, 101. <laughs> so he takes her hand, and then she try, and he like puts the blade on her hand, and he's like, perhaps you should call us blood lovers, because that's how much I love you. And she's like, Packard. She's, and, he, and that's when he squeezes the blade. And he's like, he's like, when you love somebody as much as I do, after a while, you feel nothing. And when you feel nothing, you can do anything. Yeah. And, and so he's squeezing the blade and blood is coming down. He's squeezing it on his hand, his own hand. And then yeah. blood's coming down. And then he kind of pulls it <laughs> downwards, right? But he yep. fucking flinches. So dork move number one. <laughs> because if you're a badass, you should be pulling it out you don't fucking flinch at all. But no, he flinches because he's a pretend badass. He's not actually a badass. And that's when she's like, I don't love you. I never made love to you. I never will. He goes, you will. <laughs> you will be. He's like Yoda when he's like, I'm not afraid. You will be. It's just so much work, you know? Like if you're Packard, like what? so much work. Like she doesn't At care. Point, so much blood loss over this. Like what person. are you doing, man? Like just, you know, she doesn't want to be with you, so like who cares? And you know yeah. there's probably some chick, you know, in town that probably does like Packard, we, you know? We do know this. Well, we do. We do know this. <laughs> we see it. Yeah, touche. Took a call <laughs> later on. Touche. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Um, by the way, you guys ever done Blood Brother with anybody? Cut your hand no. and like exchange blood. Um, no. The girl that I stalked. Oh, <laughs> no, I haven't done that or or the stalking. The girl with the uh, finger puppets, Dustin. The girl with the finger puppets. Uh, did not do that with. And if you don't know what we're referring to, check out our Patreon page at $2 late fee. <laughs> Patreon backslash $2 late fee for Tales from the Video Store. The $2 tier. Re- yes, it's a $2 tier. Only $2 a month, guys. It's totally worth it. I, I cannot, um, I, as someone who worked at a video store for 10 years, I cannot wait to be on that Patreon segment. <laughs> oh, dude, you're going to, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, so from there, we cut to Packard. I wrote like Packard's auto garage, his barn. It's a, it's a, is that a map? Is like that? That's a real place or was it a matte painting? No, no. I mean, it, bl- it blows up like a real place. Uh, I got to yeah. say, 
I'm I'm fascinated by this garage. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's amazing. But it's so very well like cleaned and kept together. I'm like, you know what? Packard, I, 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 you know, like, I feel like you see garages in movies and, like, they're they're trashy and all this and that. And I was like, no, Packard's got a little OCD about him, I think. And I'm like, that I can get on. Like, this is a garage that I could work at right here because I have a little bit of OCD myself. But it's really cool. This is a really, really cool set piece. It is cool. It is cool. And, and Packard, Packard's basically just like shooting the shit with, he goes to each guy, he goes to Rughead and then he's like going to, you know, Minty and, and, and talking parts with Minty. And, and Minty, in, <laughs> Dustin, what is Minty wearing in this scene? Really? Um, what is he wearing in the scene? I'm trying to remember. It, he, it's, it's like, it's like one of those old wearing the school, po- poker visor. Yeah. The, the green the poker, poker visor. visor. And then yes. he, but he's got like wall street, like wall street, uh, you know, newspapers. He's stuck like an accountant. It. Yeah. But it's like a, a stereotypical account. Like it's a costume. He's you like know? a poker room. Um, you know, I'm the yeah. guy that does the books in the underground. Yeah. poker room. Yeah. This makes no sense. Yeah, he's wearing like a 1950s garb. Like, he's all kind of 50s up. I feel like Minty's always in some kind of costume because he's got Letterman jackets later. You know, I couldn't get, like, a read on Minty, like, like what his background was. So I I sort of in my head started thinking, like, you know, maybe he's kind of theatric, you know? Like, he's kind of has a a theater background. Does he have one of those, like, old-timey calculators, too, or, like, an abacus? Or, like, he's just... Yeah, It's real weird. It is. It's a weird choice. it's it's like the he's got the full package. Like he didn't he didn't stop at all. It's the full look, you know. Yeah, I'm not I'm not vibing off his style. No, no, Minty. Although I fucking love his car, Minty's kind of my least favorite of the of the goons. I think mostly because we don't really know much about him, and we might not know much about Augie, but. Augie came right out of the gate, like so strong, you know, that it just, it was interesting to see. Minty's kind of like my, you don't really know much about him and I don't find him that interesting. I will True. say too, that not, not to like, to like a, a knock on the movie, the costume design kind of sucks overall, except for Carrie's outfits. <clears throat> um, Minty is so, definitely the, the least memorable Packard gang. Yeah. No, no doubt. Mm-hmm. No doubt. So yeah, as like, as, uh, Packard is like kind of going back and forth with all the different guys in the shop. You're cutting back to a POV shot of someone approaching Packard's barn. And it's cool because you get to, you actually see the, the Daytona that they're chopping up in, in here too. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice callback for sure. And, and as they do suddenly the doors open to the barn, uh, garage and it is the Wraith. And everybody's shocked. Doing a pose. Like, every time the Wraith pops up in that costume, he does a pose, you know? But that costume is so fucking baller, I don't care. I'm like, if I was in that thing, if I opened that door, that's exactly the pose I would make myself, you Mm -hmm. know? Look at me, guys. Look at (laughs) me. (laughs) Other than the helmet, it looks a little bit like what Jean-Claude Van Damme was wearing in the Predator outtakes. (laughs) (laughs) And fun fact number two, I had a micro machine, I think, that looked exactly like Augie's car ah, back okay. in the day. Okay. I love those things. Anyways, um, yeah, so so the, the the Wraith comes in, everyone's freaking out, and uh, and Packard's, like, trying to be cool with the guys. Like, I mean, Augie, hey, you know, he ain't a big loss, you know, but uh, he's that's a hell of a car you got out there, and you could join our gang now, and uh, now that we got this new vacancy and all, and, and then suddenly the 
the wraith pulls out this giant shotgun, yeah. beautiful looking shotgun. Custom. Uh, yeah, that thing Custom. is that thing's awesome with the the lights on the side. So on this the third viewing, the one for today when I was taking notes, does he have a shotgun because they used a shotgun to shoot the car oh, uh, that he died car. in? Um, yes, probably. You know what I mean? So that that was I was like, oh, is that why he has a shotgun? But it's it's a really really cool looking shotgun, and I love the way Gutter Boy. Like comes out under the car and he's like you know on that little roller thing and he kind of like fucking swims away from from the wraith. Yeah. So yeah, I'm getting there. So so <laughs> he he pulls out the shotgun and Packard's like, buddy, I put that kidney buster down if I were you. That before someone buster. gets hurt. Kidney buster. And he's like, this place is filled with ether and acetylene. Dig. And I'm like, wow, that's really intelligent. That he's like, look, this place is gonna blow up if you. <laughs> Don't don't be stupid. Yeah, and every, literally everybody shit in their pants. Uh, Rughead flashes back. This leads me to about something later on in the movie. Flat, Rughead flashes back to the gang putting Jamie's body in the car, in the trunk of a car, and pushing the car off the road and blowing it up. That's Rughead's flashback. Yeah, just note that. No, I think you're. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I know what I know what you're alluding to later, and and I, you're right. I didn't really kind of put that together, but yeah, they the the language of the film is Rughead sees him, and then the flashback happens. So the language of the film tells you that it's Rughead's flashback, which kind of doesn't jive with what he says later. Nope, it fucks with his alibi. So, yeah. um, and then Packard, <laughs> Packard goes, I don't know what your problem is, guy. Guy number four, I think, for this one. <laughs> but And then suddenly, right after that, blam, starts shooting everything. And that's when Gutter Boy, who's on his little uh, under-the-car roller, he, he rolls off, and he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> it's funny. It's cute. <laughs> it's hilarious. And everybody's freaking out. Everything is toast. Uh, the car is just getting – every car is getting destroyed. Everybody's freaking out except for Packard. Packard's just standing there with this smug look on his face, trying to act all tough. But then the then the Wraith is slowly walking towards him as he's blowing everything else up. Packard kind of flinches for a second. He's like mumbling under his breath, like, God damn, son of a bitch. Like, blah, 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 blah. And uh, he puts the gun right up to Packard. And, and then he and blows up the engine. By the way, Rack- Packard's like a foot taller than the Wraith. <laughs> yeah, the Wraith is tiny. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, oh, Rafe for Packard's like just a fucking, gi- gi- fucking giant, you know. I think it's both. And then I, hey, and I will say this: as much as I shit on Packard, I will say the coolest part was like when that sh- when when the Wraith puts a shotgun to him, he doesn't. At that point, he doesn't flinch. He doesn't nope. flinch at all. And I was like, that's cool. I fucking I dig that right there. Yeah, he flinched when he cut his hand, but he didn't flinch when a shotgun was in his face. God damn it! <laughs> he doesn't flinch when like. Giant rod is in his He face. has his flinch redemption. <laughs> flinch redemption. <laughs> flinch redemption. There you go. We got there. <laughs> so suddenly the wraith just vanishes, right? He's gone, right? And, and I like that you don't like, you know, they don't do an effect. He's just gone, and it's a, it's more of a, a cut, you know? I like yeah. that. I Honestly, I would I would like to see less, like, the car reforming and stuff and just do cuts and stuff, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. You know what I, I would have liked to have seen? Him just shoot them and end the movie. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> he had them all dead to rights right here. You yep. know what I mean? That would have been hilarious. <laughs> like, literally, yeah. that's the fucking 30 minutes into the film. It's out, guys, it's over. It's, and even, Done. like, the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, my God. The confrontation is, like, in the first 30 it's minutes of here. it. 
Jesus. Yeah, like you think about the moments that that lead up to this, it goes pretty quickly. Uh, this uh, is this a very fast-paced nice film, by the way. Yes. Um, so everything's toast, and Skank is like in the rafters uh, <laughs> of of the warehouse, and then can and I then say he, it? Can I say it? Yeah, go ahead. Fucking Packard says, "Skank, you pussy." <laughs> yeah, because Skank's like, "Where'd he go?" <laughs> and and that's when Gutter Boy comes out. And he's like, "Skank, who is that guy?" And Skanks and like what Skanks the voice of reason right. like why is he talking to Skanks? But, no, Skanks but, like, but I, I like the gutter boy. I like the gutter boy asks Skank because yeah, yeah, gutter boys. You know, it's Packard's gang, but gutter boy loves Skank. They're you the know same I mean? guy. Like, they both drive the same car. Or they're in the same car. Yeah, yeah. no, I get yeah. it. I get it. But I just love that like Skank is the voice of reason because Skank's like I don't know. He's weird, but he's weird yeah, and pissed, pissed off. off. Yeah, that's a great line by the way. He's weird and pissed off. <laughs> So from here, you cut to Loomis uh, rolling up on a airplane graveyard, and he approaches this guy named Red, and asks if uh, we're Gutter Boy and Skank are, and he's like, "Oh, my nephew and his pal Gutter Boy, my nephew Skank and his gutter, his pal Gutter Boy, they're <laughs> over there," and kind of sends him on his way. And gutter Boy uh, uh, is. Cut to Gutter Boy, like, stamping using a stamper on planes. And the stamp says, like, uh, okay to fly. Yeah. And he's like, clear for takeoff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is this? I I think I know what they're alluding to with the kind of way he acts. And, you know, in this, like, what's eating Gilbert Grape, um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio kind of thing, you know, where he's just like, he just plays that character, if you know what I'm saying. Um and he's very proud that he gets to stamp the stamper on all the planes, right? And as soon as he, and then Loomis shows up and he's like, "Yo!" And uh, Loomis is Loomis is like, "Nice place you got here." And then that's when Gutter Boy's like, "Skank, can you get a little help here?" And Skank's like, "Man, I smell a cop. You smell a cop." And I love how Gutter Boy says, "Oh, all I smell is French fries, but that's not right." And I was <laughs> yeah, like, he's like, "That that don't make sense. That don't make no sense at all." And I'm like. I think you're having a stroke, Gutter Boy. I think that's what's happening. What is it like? Is it the smell of uh, burning hair or something? Is when you're having a stroke? It's like I smell French fries. Oh, Gutter Boy! You oh, Gutter moron. Boy! You moron. And I love this. Skank's like, "Hey, Bud, you got a warrant?" He's like, "I don't need a warrant when I got this badge here." And then that's when Gutter Boy's like, "We know our constitutional rights." <laughs> <laughs> and so uh Loomis is questioning them, them again about, you know, who ran Augie Fisher off the road. And Gutter Boy's no, nobody ever seen that guy before. And uh and then Skank's like, Yeah, I can't remember. Can't remember dog squeeze when it comes to getting run off of roads. <laughs> and then that's when uh uh Loomis goes, Well, I can see why Skank. And he's like, I can see why they call you Skank. He goes, I can call you Skank, can I? And then Skank goes, unless you like the name Maurice better. <laughs> and, I, and I love how he laughs about it, but it's like, but but that's your name, though. But it is your name. It is his name, Maurice. Because even uh, the, Packard calls him that later. Right. And then, then Loomis utters the line, when you two crater heads are finished mining, uh, mining for nose gold, I suggest a visit to The Undertaker. Ask him to show you Augie Fisher's corpse. Yeah. You know, yeah, fellas. So, uh, anyways, he's like, if you remember, give me, give me a call. And that's when he walks off and Skank swigs some hydro, hydraulic, <laughs> hydraulic fuel. fuel, which he calls hydro pump. 
And then after Loomis says, if you remember something, give me a call. Gutter Boy goes, Skank, we ain't got no telephone. (laughs) (laughs) And my note here is Randy Quaid is a fucking gem in this movie. (laughs) A lot of what he does in this movie is just improvised. Is Uh, it really? uh, Like, I know we're not at that scene yet, but like when he makes the paper dolls. Yeah, yeah. um, When he, um, I mean, everything that he's doing. Uh, apparently Mike Marvin has said that it was a lot of um, not that the scene itself was improvised, but what he's actually doing a lot of the time is improvised. And the dolls were something when we get to it, it'll make sense, but it's just something that he did when he's nervous. Wow. It makes me wonder if he improvised the next scene at big K's because they cut, cut to big K's and Q honeymoon suite, by the way, great song called those were the days those were the days where i listen to that song i'm like yeah those were the days um honeymoon suite is a great canadian rock band by the way Mm. they they have another song called uh i feel it again you know that song dustin knows that song i feel it again i don't oh well you should anyways it's really good um and so Loomis is at the at Big K's getting his burger served on the little tray that goes on the window. And the waitress goes, no charge for the Sarge. And he goes, I'm a lieutenant, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And then anyways, he opens up the burger and he's like, he picks the he pulls the pickles off and he goes, I don't like pickles. And he throws the pickles (laughs) out the window. All the great litters. But I'm not going to lie. Every single time I watch this movie, I want to eat that hamburger so bad. It looks so good. But I would eat it with the pickles because... I like pickles. Yeah, me too. Dustin, what do you think of pickles? I like pickles. But also, I mean, I I feel like he doesn't throw them out of the window. I feel like he just throws them down on the floor of the car, right? No. He throws them out the window. He does? I feel like they don't... Yeah, because... (laughs) They 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 don't don't get get they go the same place where the tray goes later when he's like, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, he Fuck throws the tray out the window in, a, in just a moment. It's, it's it, apparently that's just like, you know, this really like cold old like movie food. So he's like kind of, he's almost always taking a bite of the burger, but he's, uh, oh, they just keep, you know, sense. they've been using it for, you know, however long they were shooting the same burger. Yeah. That's like in, uh, when, when you and I interviewed, um, Dustin, when you and I interviewed Andre Gower from the monster squad for $2 late fee, uh, a, a, a fan had asked about the burgers, about the fries in the scene yeah. in the monster squad where he's sitting on top of the house and, and, and how were the fries? And he goes, they were cold. <laughs> there you go. Um, so anyways, after he throws his pickles on the ground, who, sh- who rolls up, but Packard and his gang, and Packard's vet looks like shit. It's got duct tape over the holes where the yeah. <laughs> they got blown away. Every car looks like shit now. They look like they look like what a modern gang would look like in a small podunk town. Shitty cars, thinking they look cool, but they all look like crap, mm-hmm. basically. But 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 they are actually all cool cars. <laughs> Not gonna lie, right. <laughs> they, they are cool cars, even though they're beat to shit at this point. Um. Carrie's working at the at the at the grill, or and, she, at the, and she just blasts right by Packard and, and his gang too. Well, the, yeah, this is this is a weird moment. This is a weird scene because Billy's like, "I got an order up," you know, he gives his order out, 
and she Carrie takes the order and Packard's with his gang and he kind of tries to reach out for Carrie like he's a cool guy and she just kind of breezes right past him but he if you look at his face after she does that he's like trying to play it off like he's still cool yeah but he's really not <laughs> it's really kind of funny actually. I, I gotta say we've all of us have probably been in that position where we we thought we were cool did something and wasn't and they were like hey but you know he died he died inside a little bit right there Oh, I, I'm, I mean, I totally relate <laughs> to those awkward moments. Yeah, awkward course. is my life. <laughs> awkward is my life. <laughs> <laughs> so from there, um, uh, Packard's asking Skank and Gutterboy if they found anything. And uh, if they found, if he found the dude, right? The guy they're looking for. And Skank's like, dude, we couldn't find, couldn't find the slime. We couldn't find the slime ball. And Gutter Boy's like, yeah, we went across town, Crawford Gully. We stopped for a box of goobers. <laughs> goobers. That's when Packard's like, you guys are pissing me off. I want this F beep. Uh, and and he goes, this freaks into us for about 13,000 bucks. And uh, Gutter Boy's like, well, we spent all night banging on those two bodies. I got scabs on my knuckles. <laughs> and and it's cool here because you, it's, I like the fact that Skank's makeup changes all the time. He's got this like punk thing going on where his his hair's kind of spiked up and he's got like some some coloring on it, but he's got these like facial markings, facial yeah. not tattoos, but it, yeah, it's face paint, you know. But he's it's like a pro wrestler. Yeah, but it's it's cool because he's he's always doing something different with it. And I'm like, that's a cool little touch right there. That's really neat. It is cool. This banter is really funny because it it just like this felt improv to me because it get it just kept getting ratcheted up more and more. Because Packard, after he's like, I got scabbed on my knuckles. Packard's like, what we got here is an ass full of trouble. And then Skank goes, well, it's about time we got into somebody's ass, huh, guys? <laughs> and he does like, <laughs> like that type, that type of thing, you know? <laughs> like, wait, what the fuck? And then Gutterboy's like, yeah, we'll beat him like a red-headed stepchild. And then that's when Skank goes, I'm going to knock his ass lower than... No, I'm going to knock his ass lower than whale shit. <laughs> What the hell is that all about? Maybe whale's shit sinks to the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. I guess. Uh, Anyways, he, after that happens, then Packard says, sees Carrie. He's like, Carrie, he's like, I'll be, I'll pick you up tonight. So do yourself a favor and be here. Like, God, what a dick. And then Packard gets in his car, getting ready to leave. And then there's a handwritten note on his steering wheel. That's cool. And Sharpie. Is it It's though? weird. No, it's cool Isn't because it? the fucking it's the Wraith, man. He can fucking do whatever, man. He just fucking made that shit appear. I I, I bought that shit 100%, dude. Okay. Okay. Right. I, I, I'll I be on Lookout I Mountain. Didn't. No, waiting. Dustin. No, you're not I feeling like it. that. I, 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 that really bothered me, actually. Oh, okay. It was like it was like like a note written by Santa Claus or something, like kind of bad handwriting, like, yeah. meet me at the thing. And you're like, why? <laughs> Why? Why? Like a notebook yeah. paper? Come on. You're the rage. I can, I can just picture Dustin like sitting in the car. But why? Why would I meet you here? No. I just, could have just rolled up again. There, Yeah. There, there are many different ways that they could have just executed the same amount of information. The, the fact that the Wraith would like get out of the car and like, you know, just sneak in with his little uh, uniform on and whatever. And like, 
<laughs> so you're saying like physically like him with his yeah. helmet pulled up they didn't see him he's like <laughs> put it in there and cut <laughs> ran away. I-, I took it as it just kind of magically appeared there but if it did then why would it why would it look like that why would it look like a handwritten note you know what i mean it's like if if it's ethereal if like if like it came from the ghost world i see i actually you know what i'm a hundred i get where you're coming from on that if it comes from the ghost world it looks so very human you know yeah so what if what if when he got in the car on his dashboard like uh glowing yeah almost like glowing ink yeah like appeared i think you're right that that for me yeah i think that would have been like something more supernatural lightning like it was bolts. in his yeah yes. exactly i understand it's you know it's a budget thing they don't they only have a certain amount that they can animate there's no cgi i understand that but like yeah put it on you know he gets in the car he looks up at the rock it's written on the rock yeah it's in the sky you're like you're like literally anything, anything. except anything. a handwritten note yes. that's yeah. clearly out of like a trapper keeper, you know, notepad. He borrowed type a, of thing. a piece of loose leaf from a girl that he as he's walking by. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yeah. You know what? You yeah. know what, Dustin? I, I you sold me. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with it before. I have a problem Ooh, with it now. I'm with you. He's, he's supernatural, as we discussed. He's super supernatural. Supernatural. Um, he's not writing notes. He's not writing handwritten notes. Nah, uh, no. You know what? I'm fully converted. I'm with you, buddy, on that one. <laughs> he's not me handwriting notes to my son. <clears throat> so I actually thought Shout that out. it was somebody pretending to be the Wraith when I saw it. <laughs> Like, oh, like it's a red herring? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah so everybody, uh, that's when Packard freaks out and he's like, let's go. And everybody gets in the cars and splits. And that's when uh, Loomis dumps his <laughs> burger tray out the window on the ground to take off. And I'm when, like, when dude, Loomis you is, are a litter bug. But the pickles are on the, literally... uh, on, the, on, the, on the floor of the car. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, fuck this tray. I'm out. <laughs> Poor guy eating a burger like 14 times for one take. Uh, Anyways, they all split off and they go to Lookout Mountain, allegedly. I'm assuming that's where it is. And when they get there, that's when uh, Gutter Boy's like, well, there he is, right? They all see him. And Packard's like, I'd say it's time to give this yellow-ass bastard a taste of his own medicine. And he goes to shoot. uh, He pulls a shotgun out to shoot the car but skank pulls the gun away i didn't understand this i I do i do and i don't i do and i don't because because packard freaks out on skank and skank's like look you got a big audience and and then he says uh with rughead and i'm like why rughead because there's cops already there kind of like watching right down the road so to speak so maybe that's what i thought he meant but i'm like why did you say with rughead it doesn't track it doesn't make sense for sure. I, yeah, I guess I guess the only thing I can sort of figure is that Skank was like, you know, I you're going to lose your ground with the gang essentially if if you don't take them on the road as a, you know, if you're just going to shoot them like this, you know. Yeah, but I could see that. But like but like why would that level of thought come from Skank? You know what I mean? I feel like that Again. level of thought would come from maybe Minty, you know what I mean? Or 
or even better because Minty wants to race him on this one. I wish Minty, like, it should have been Minty grabs the shotgun and was like, no, I want to fucking take him. This is for Augie. Augie was my best friend, or even though clearly he acted like he didn't care about Augie, but you know what I mean? Like, I think, like, I just didn't get why Skank did that. I mean, like I said, I've seen it three times in, in two weeks, and this, I didn't understand that at all. Yeah, the guy that's yeah, huffing I, paint thinner and and it, yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, it makes like, no sense that he's the voice of reason yeah. right now. Like you know, and it doesn't make sense too that Augie, that uh, that Minty's like, you know, I want to teach him, I want to teach that bastard a lesson for what he done to Augie in our cars. I'm like, wait, f- five minutes earlier you could give two shits about Augie. Yeah, but suddenly I, now you care I, about. I him? do think that that was uh, an act. You know what I mean? In front of the cops, type of thing. I, I mean, I don't think that fucking Minty's like fucking crying over Augie, but you know, there is this like sense of like you're my friend, you, or he was sort, you know, my friend. You you don't have the right to kill him. I had the right to kill him. You don't have the right to kill him. You know what I mean? Um, okay. But I will say this: fucking love Minty's car. That what is that? Like that Pontiac or something with that huge oh, yeah. fucking blower on the it's front. Pontiac Firebird, yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, and it's yellow with like the, uh, the 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 what the scoop underneath the the front hood or something. You know? Oh yep. man, it's dude. Every car in this is fucking awesome. I mean, this is like this is some Mad Max shit. Like seriously, like if you for any reason to watch this movie, watch it for these fucking races because these, every one of these cars are fucking cool as shit. And I love, and and if you notice Minty's car, he can't open the doors. It's a racing car. So he has to climb in through the, the window, like the general Lee from uh, Dukes of Hazzard. I love that. Me too. Me too. Um, So Rughead, you know, tells that the cars are pulled up next to each other to take off in this race. Uh, The, the, the Wraith and Minty, and Rughead's like, you gotta, you gotta raise your, uh, your hood, I, I, so I can put this, uh, this radio killer on. You know, you try to run, and we zap your electrical system. Okay, so my question to you is: in 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 the the garage scene prior, when when it got destroyed by the wraith, Dustin, did you notice that he that 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 um Packard was like, oh, is that radio killer going to be ready? And he's like, yeah, he's like, I want it installed in the in the vet. And I'm and now that you know that it kills the, the electronics, I'm like, why did you want it installed in the vet? Did you? Yep. Did you notice that? Where was yep. it? So this just wasn't ready for the first race with Loggy. Yeah, yeah, he, he was still was working the, on it. He was still working on it. And he said he was going to be ready in a couple of days. But but then okay. in that conversation at the garage, he's like, how's that coming along? He's bit. like, I want it installed in the vet. Why? Yeah. No, I don't know. It's a great, <laughs> I, yeah. But this <laughs> like, is what I'm talking about. This is like, <laughs> yeah. this is like why every scene doesn't really make sense the more you dig into them. When you break it down. Yeah. Like, we uh, do like, like we're doing right now. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and it, it, it's funny when when you break this movie down scene by scene, you you do recognize more of the flaws versus when you just take it in as a whole, as a whole, and you watch and you're like, meh, because there's so much going on, there's so much action, and so, and the dialogue comes by so quickly. But when you track it out like this, that's when you go, oh yeah, that doesn't really work. Yeah, it doesn't. that doesn't work. You know, so so yeah, this scene this scene is cool though. Yeah, because... I, was, I was gonna say, but you know what does work when you look inside the fucking engine yeah. of the Wraith's car? Yeah, the Wraith uh, car engine opens up, and it's like it's like a it's it's like an engine sitting within like a mystical uh, like purple energy kind of thing. 
it's it's wild and it's in the shock and lightning and all sorts of cool shit going on and, and i feel like this sums up the movie perfectly one second prior you have this weird dialogue that kind of doesn't make sense if anything it's actually contradictory but then yeah. one second later you're like this is fucking cool. Like, like this right here is what you're watching it for. Like yeah. these little yeah. moments where you see inside the the the, and of course the the engines in the back. And of course at that time, like oh oh, that's a that's a big deal. You know, the engine was in the, in the trunk and everything. Um, but yeah, when he opens it up, it's really fucking cool in there. Looking in there, and you're like, that's that's why I'm here. This is what I'm here for. You know? Yeah, totally, totally. And, and, and no, Sherilyn Finn. And, <laughs> and they and, and the soundtrack. They had such a limited budget that they could only show that shot for like one second. Yeah. yeah oh, really? Yeah. Well, but but that works. Like that's all you needed. Yeah. And then and then the shot yeah. of of uh, Clint Howard's face looking all bedazzled. And it's it's a great gif or gif or whatever yeah. the hell you call well, it's, it. It's the uh, it's the Jaws mentality. It's like you don't you, I don't need to see the whole thing. I don't need to like linger on it. What you're looking for is Clint Howard's reaction. That's what's really selling it right there. And his his reaction is good. I I must say, uh, Clint Howard is is a far cry better than um, um, Don uh, Don Swayze or um, um, Emilio. Uh, sorry, um, Martin Sheen's brother. Um, uh, I forget his name now. Bizarro but he's Sheen. In, Joe Estevez, I think he goes by. Uh, and, and definitely better than Frank Stallone. Uh, as far as the brothers of sibling, other sibling <laughs> actors are concerned, he's far better than all those guys. It's like, where are you going with this? I didn't know. <laughs> no, I'm just tying it around. This was uh, uh, so scenes that they had done or something. <laughs> no, no, I don't think that all those guys were in a movie together, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, he, he's like, Packard, you got to check this out. And Packard's like, just get the thing on the car and let's go. Right. And, uh, and so that's when, this is when he goes first one to dragon fire crossing winds. You lose your race. I figure like at this point I wanted him to say, you get the point, right? You know, <laughs> you know what I'm going to, you're supposed to do. Um, but then the cops start rolling up and they're like, and, and Packard's like, just go get them off. And, and then he just yells out, go. And it's a great, again, another gif of him like spazzing out with swinging his um, bandana around to get the cars to go off. And, and, oh, and, well, sorry, what were we going to say? Really quick, Minty, right before this happens, Minty looks over at the Wraith car and he's like, this one's for Augie, huh, sucker? And I'm like, again, I'm going off the off the idea that Minty doesn't give a shit about Augie. And then suddenly, but we, we've already covered that base. Already. And so, as the cars kick off, an awesome song kicks in. Although... I kind of wish it was Motley Crue's uh, uh, Kickstart My Heart because it kind of has a similar sort of intro to it, a smidge, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I was like, oh, that would have been a perfect one there. But the song they use is really fucking cool, though. Yeah, it's it's by Lion. It's called Never Surrender. Never Surrender. Lion, but for those of you that don't know, Lion did the metal version of the Transformers theme song. Yes. Transformers! And, and again, on the $2 late fee uh, discussion of the Wraith, uh, please go listen to that. Uh, we, we talk a lot more in depth uh, about the music. And by we, I mean Dustin and Zach, because I don't know much about music. That's not true. <laughs> yes. You know not lots. True. You know about car crashes, because this is yet another awesome yeah. car chase scene, very similar to the first, but in, it ends in a slightly different way, where um, the Minty's car doesn't go off the side of the cliff. It just explodes into the wraith and boom. 
and another brace piece vanishes pretty quickly soon after that. Yep, and just like the first race, uh, uh, it's it's the same like like layout and everything, but again, never feels repetitive because each race feels fantastic. And then also yep. when when uh, Minty's car hits the race car, it just they have so many pieces. I love that. I love when there's more tiny pieces than there is explosion. I just I think that's really fucking cool. Yeah, and this one's a little bit different. Uh, smartly done because the cops pursue the the wraith car because it reappears and drives off and the cops pursue the wraith um and then they set up a blockade where the wraith has it's like stops and and they're kind of the, the the you know the cops are ascertaining like whether or not they're gonna it's gonna charge them or not you know yeah because so so yeah the the wraith car is like on a bridge with two car cop yeah. cars behind them and then a barricade in the front and i i kind of got vibes of of the car you know from this with with josh brolin yeah, oh, totally uh not josh brolin dad brolin um and uh james, james, brolin. james brolin yeah, yeah. and uh, uh it kind of got vibes of that but i love this scene here because randy quaid's like he's like don't shoot guys you know he's he's boxed in just let him basically figure it out you know what i mean and you got all these cops kind of like just waiting with their shotguns pulled and everything and then just the car starts revving and then dustin like you said earlier there's that electricity starts going around it this is, this is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie like i literally i was like yes yes and it just starts revving and the electricity starts come and then it just shoots and when it goes forward it cuts through those two cop cars like fucking butter it's awesome it's a fantastic stunt it's 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 like i mean we're talking mad max level of stunt it's so good because the two cop cars also don't move it's just their front ends explode as the the wraith goes through them and then he just stops right afterwards and kind of like fucking looks back at at loomis you know but it's such a cool fucking moment when he blows through those fucking cop cars, man. It's, it's at that point. I mean, Loomis is like, uh Oh <laughs> yeah. Because right after that happens, it explodes into the four stars and shoots off. Yeah. So yeah, it goes off. They start chasing it. And then yeah, Loomis. And I like this. i like the fact that Loomis and, and the other cops Soft. actually see it drive yeah. over the hill and then poof, blow up and, and it's like not an explosion but it's like a poof and then it kind of just That'd disappears be, yeah. and it's it's a, it's a great effect it's like a composite shot that i i think is really well done i think some of the special effects in this movie for for being a low budget film or whatever really well done i think this is a great composite shot with the smoke kind of going up over the horizon and everything but i love 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 the fact that loomis saw that because i feel like that's shit you don't see. And then later Packard's going to kind of see something like that's. I feel like you don't see that in movies until the end. You know what I mean? And here the yeah. characters are actually seeing it. I was like, that's awesome. Well, uh, Dustin and I watched this, The Wraith, last year uh, with our respective wives on, on Zoom or something like that. We did like one of those video watches or whatever. And uh, I think that was one of the things we pointed out. We're like, the special effects are really good yeah. for a movie that has such a low budget. Yeah. Um, you know, and 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 at the time it came out as well. Do do you, do either of you guys know who 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 like what was the visual effects house that worked on this? No, um, I did, and I didn't retain any of it. It it was um, you know, it was like all uh, speaking of like close friends that you know were like the guy that was in charge of the effects hired like his childhood friend to do everything. Um, I'm not knowing any of their names offhand. Um, but 
this movie makes it, it it does a great job of making this car be like the wolverine of cars you know it's just yeah fuck shit up it gets injured it repairs it heals it's indestructible you never for a second it's interesting because you never for a second feel like uh-oh the race in trouble it's not one of those movies you're never like oh man what's gonna happen it's like we care about carrie and we care about billy but as soon as you see the wraith you're like oh these guys are fucked yeah no, you're right. It's it's not one of the it's not one of the movies where you ever feel like the protagonist is in any kind of trouble. No, nope. but it works. It, yeah. it works. You're never like sort of it, it doesn't lower the stakes at all. I should say, because I and guess you're I want, you, you're tra- you're going with Carrie. You're going with Billy. So so they're the human characters that you're really rooting for here. You know, and and I want to point out too, uh, by the way. Dustin, based uh, based on what you were talking about, as far as visual effects are concerned, eleven different people are 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 uh, credited oh. for the visual effects for this. Eleven different people. The top one, his name's James Bello Bello Hovec. Uh, he worked on the thing. Hmm. He worked on Total Recall, Jesus, RoboCop two, and RoboCop three. Wow. So I, that's I quite a resume. The, I would admit the last one from my uh, resume. <laughs> well, <laughs> visually though, visually. Um, yeah, so so after this happens, you cut back to Big K's, and it's now nighttime. Uh, they're closing up shop, and legit night, and they're closing up. Uh, and Carrie's walking, walks out, and sees a shooting star. Billy walks out, and she's like, "You see the shooting star?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's War of the Worlds. Invasion of Earth has begun in Arizona, folks." And she's like, "You got some imagination." And he's like, "I told you, working at Big K's." stimulates the brain you need a ride she's like nah oh, he's like good i like to i like to live uh i like to see my next birthday anyway so i, I, I like that i like that yeah. he was gonna he, the reason i'd like him as a hero he was gonna give her a ride knowing that it would put his life in danger but then he's fun because she's like no and he's like good because you know i don't want to die you know what i mean yeah, but yeah. he you know what if she said sure i do believe he would have given her the ride you know totally totally at his own peril and, yeah, right. So she, he leaves. She's waiting for Packard, I guess one would assume. And uh, who arrives? But Jake on his bike, kind of scaring her in a way. She's like, "You scared me," and uh, and he's like, "Here, hop on." And she hops on the bike, and they take off. He's like, "I'm lucky I came when I did." And then she's like, "Yeah, I noticed you got a knack for doing that." And it's really sweet, though. Like their their rapport back and forth is really sweet. I just want to also point out that this is only the second. Uh, this is like the third scene Charlie Sheen has been in in this movie mm-hmm. so far. Really, if you think about it, the beginning when he sees Carrie at her house, the 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 river, and then now. But you think about it too. It feels like he's in it more because, I mean, he's a fucking star. Like, there's a reason it feels like he's in it more because he, he you know, he, he his presence is so big. Totally, totally. So uh, Gutter Boy and Skank are driving around. And, and, and real, see- real quick, I got to point out, fucking Skank starts this scene out picking his nose. And I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, strong choice, a strong acting choice right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't see too <laughs> yeah. many on-screen nose pickings. No, and but it's it's perfect for him. Uh, everything that he does, he's such he's so disgusting. I would have loved to hear some heard some flies in the background when uh, when they were at the uh, airplane <laughs> museum or graveyard. I'm sorry, and then, producer that, producer pulled it out. <laughs> right, Dude, damn it. Producer was uh, like, "Fuck your flies, bro. Fuck your flies." 
<laughs> I produced a 50-minute film called Here to Scatawaja and Scatabadoo. <laughs> and there was no um, flies in it whatsoever. No. And then Gutter Boy goes, there, there goes the dork. <laughs> and that's when uh, they, Gutter Boy and Skank go after Carrie and Jake on their bike. And, and this this is like chase number three, basically. Uh, the motorcycle car chase, which is a really good motorcycle car chase. Dare I say better than some of the other car chases in the movie where they're riding through town. They're going through alleyways. Um, this, I'm assuming that this was filmed like somewhere in LA probably. It just feels like, I don't know. They're, well, yeah, the alleyways was that same kind of thing where they uh, were taking um, random shots from um, other areas of Arizona, from okay, some from LA, uh, because it was it was actually raining. Um, I guess that night of the alleyway chase, and they were trying oh, okay. to, um, you know, avoid any shots of, of water so you only see kind of a, a few puddles here and there and um for the most part they're they're pulling inserts and 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 dri- driving shots from other places it it's it's a it's a cool scene what's funny about it though is um <laughs> the whole time gutter boy is like nagging skank skank you're going a little fast you're not gonna fit through there skank the whole time and then skank's like getting more and more pissed off and he goes, you know, let's take out this son of a bitch. And he, and he says, grab the shotgun, Mama Luca. <laughs> and gutter boy's like shotgun. You didn't say nothing about no shotgun. <laughs> oh, gutter boy. He's such a, God, such a so dweeb. <laughs> and, uh, and then he's like whining the whole time crying. He's like, I want to mess with the shotgun. He's crying like a little bitch. It's just, he's just crying the whole time. And so they're, they're, getting closer to Jake and Carrie on the bike and Skank's like, you know, shoot his tires out. And then what ends up happening is gutter boy pulls the trigger of the shotgun, aiming it at the car, their own car. And he shoots out the, the, the engine, basically the, the, the steering. Yeah. He shoots out the steering. Yeah. And he's like, nice shot. You blew out the goddamn steering. He's like, He's like, thanks, gutter boy. Kiss your ass goodbye. Well, and then they. So wait, no. So my question is, was he saying kiss your ass goodbye to Jake and Carrie because he thought he was going to hit him? Or was no. he saying it to gutter boy because they were about to flip? To them. Okay. To, yeah, to gutter okay. boy, okay. I think. Because they, they not only flip, it's another badass flip. It's good. Like they, they go, they fly in the air, flip on their side, flip over and then flip on their side. And, uh, and Jake and Carrie get away yeah it's a good stunt it's a really good stunt really good it is it's one of those hydraulic you know shoots them up yeah shoot it up yeah shoot it up and then of course i just gutter boy's dialogue is hilarious to me that's why i wrote it all down he's like oh shit i tried to warn you i said skank i said we we have to go so fast to shoot that gun what do you say and Skank's like, shut up, gutter boy. I got to think, man. Because they pull themselves out of the car. And and suddenly it, it, that's this is when, when he huffs fucking the WD-40. WD-40. Oh, he sticks the red straw the red up straw. his yeah. nose. Both nostrils. Both fucking nostrils. Takes a hit. He's like, oh, oh she's strong. He's like, I got to think. And then this is when gutter boy's like, that's what you're good at. <laughs> that's, what you, that's right, Skanko. That's what you do best. That's, that's what you, you do, do best. <laughs> 
<laughs> and that's when Skank utters the one of my another another one of my favorite lines. Oh, this shit's got some kick. <laughs> and then Gutterboy's like, oh, we almost killed his girl. We're dead me now. And that's when Skank grabs Gutterboy and he's like, she'll never think. She'll never think. Bitch was with that dork and she's as scared as Packard as anybody. We done what we was told. <laughs> and, he's, and then that's when Gutterboy's like, too bad about the car, Skank. That was a tits car. <laughs> And I love, and then like Gutter Boys or a Skank's still like, oh, that shit's strong. And so like, there's this got cool, some kick. Th- there's this cool shot where they're like sitting there, and he's like, oh, it's got some kick, and he's like playing with his nose, and the car just like shifts a little, and it it didn't fall, it just kind of shifts. <laughs> it almost feels like that wasn't supposed to happen, but it was great. Yeah, it wasn't it was absolutely. It wasn't. You're correct. Wasn't. It was supposed so to just though. sit there, right? Mm-hmm. And then it kind of shift. It was. But here's the thing that created fucking gold it right did. there. It did. It's a great shot. Well done. <laughs> well done, car. <laughs> well done, car. From there, you cut to Bonnie Tyler's song. It's a matter of the heart. No, not going to lie. I love Bonnie Tyler, and I love that song. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I love it. And it's Jake and Carrie uh, roll up to her house. He drops her off. And meanwhile... Who's across the street? Dork moment number two. <laughs> Not only is this a dork moment for Packard, because Packard's sitting across the street watching them. He's got tears in his eyes. He's fucking crying, man. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is happening? He's crying. This is our antagonist of the film. This is what great, is though. This is great. I love it, because I'm like, I didn't ever notice this, ever, in the 30-plus times I watched I this movie. I noticed it the first time. I was like, what a dork. Because he did. Thank God for Blu-ray and HD. I'm watching. His eyes are welled up. They're red. He's. They're all glazed over. I'm like, he's been sitting in his car crying yeah. for her. Oh, my God. Fucking Packard, man. What a bitch. Oh, fuck me, man. And then uh, and then they, Jake and Carrie kiss. And this is funny because he's like, it's been a while. And Carrie's like, it's nice. I thought so, too. <laughs> Something, and Jake's like, I thought so, too. It's such a weird moment. And then, then that's when Carrie freaks out. She's like, if Packard, this is a funny scene to me. He's like, if Packard knew I was with you, you know, uh, and then, and then Jake's like, you know, people are afraid of Packard. If if Packard knew I was with you, he'd cry. (laughs) He'd cry like a little baby. And I love this because Jake's like giving her a pep talk. He's like, courage isn't easy to come by. It's how, it's how Packard keeps these goons with him. They're just scared. They're just scared. And she's like, so. So what, what, I just go out and she's like, so am I. He's like, Carrie, listen, there's going to come a time when you'll have to take a stand, when you have to do what's right, when you'll have to face your fears. And she's like, I want to believe you. I like you. (laughs) (laughs) And then after that, he's like, there's a place on Willow River. You want to go up there with me tomorrow? She's like, you really like living dangerously, don't you? He's like, you want to go? And she's like, yeah, I do. He's like, all right. I mean, good night. I mean, good for night. that body, I'd live dangerously, baby. Oh, <laughs> but that oh, that God. speech, that speech to Carrie is so so stupid because it's like she it's never stupid. that moment never comes. It does. It does come. No, wh- when she confronts Packard, what's it at the end? She confronts Packard at the end. At at the end, you're gonna take a stand. Where, yeah, where she does kind of like say, you know, uh, she confronts him at the end. When when she's when, like you're pathetic and that was my voice inside to talking to Packard myself as well when she's like you're pathetic Packard yeah I think so when when she says oh when you he know, kidnaps her 
Yeah. When he kidnaps yeah, her. Yeah, okay. His grand plan, Dustin, to, to okay. kidnap her and go west. Go to, go to Santa Barbara to go west. or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Canif- California. Santa Barbara. you know. We'll be fine if we just make it. Right. You're wearing your big K's outfit. All right. <laughs> so Jake takes off, cuts back to Packard, watching big tears in his eyes, and he follows Jake. And as he follows Jake down the road, that's when Jake's motorcycle splits into four stars into the night. And Packard's like, no way. And yeah, and that's cool because like, you know, it's it cool. You, I feel like, again, you, you they, they would have known it at the end. Like he, in the other script, they, nowadays they would have made it so that everyone found out at the end of the movie that he was supernatural. And it's kind of cool that you find out like sort of at the end of the second act that he, you know, everyone sort of finds out that he's supernatural. Yeah, supernatural. So from there, we cut to uh, uh, Packard rolling up on Gutterboy and Skank walking down the street, and and he's like, you know, you guys look like shit. (laughs) He says, I love that. He fucking goes, Skank, you look like shit. (laughs) Yeah, like, okay, shocker. He looked like shit the whole movie. Um, And then out of nowhere, the turbo interceptor rolls up behind Packard and hits him from, he rear ends him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he drives through a cemetery and crashes into a gravestone. Guys and gals out there, the first time I watched this movie, I did not see this scene going in this direction. Because <laughs> all of a sudden you see the lights behind him. I was like, I was like, what what are those headlights behind Packard? And then Packard's like, holy shit, it's the kid. And then, I was like, oh my god. <laughs> why does he why does he assume it's a kid also? Because he's short. Good point. Yes. Because he's like Michael J. Fox size. The whole movie, he's like, the kid. He's a fun kid. Because I guess who else would be doing that? Like, would it be one of us? Would you ever go out and race kids like this? It's not a 40-year-old man. (laughs) That's for sure. You guys guys ever seen the movie uh, Tulane Blacktop with uh, James Taylor and um, uh, one of the, one of the, he's the, he's a beach boy. Um, I have seen Vanishing Point. So Tulane Blacktop is a it's a car movie. It's great, by the way. Uh, it's it, James Taylor and Mike Love, I think, from the Beach mm. Boys. Uh, and it is uh, Warren Oates. You guys mm. know Warren Oates? Yeah. Sergeant Holka, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, sorry, Dennis Wilson. Dennis Wilson, not Mike Love. Mm. Mike Love's the idiot uh dennis wilson and james taylor are these two guys road tripping and racing people for money and warren oates is this kind of older race guy who wants to race and and wants to be friends with everybody but he's in his late 30s early 40s and he's always kind of getting called out for the fact that it's like Mm. he thinks he's hip and cool but he's not like the young kids right who are racing the cars anyway just made me think of that when when you guys are talking about he's he's got to be a kid right he can't be some old Old cooter. Oh, old, old out-of-touch guy, one of yeah, us. Right. Anyways, uh, yeah, Packard gets knocked in there into the graveyard, and he yells at Skank and Gutter to, you know, to basically shoot the Wraith because he's now in front of them. And how how come they couldn't see him? Like, how come, like, Skank didn't know, like, where he was? Like, is that a part of the Wraith ability type of thing? Because Skank's like, I think where, was... where is he? And it's like, well, he's right there. There's like a light behind him. There's a whole <laughs> thing, like a whole setup going on. Like even the Wraith is like, guys, it's, there's a whole thing. I'm doing a whole thing here. It's right here. You why, know what I mean? Why can't he see them? Because he just snorted WD-40 like five minutes ago. <laughs> You're not wrong. Yeah. You, that's, <laughs> that's, that, is, so, that is the answer. He's Skank. He's, he's a I, moron. 
I love this moment um, because he, he goes to shoot him with his double barrel shotgun and whatever the Wraith does, uh, we, there's no explanation about it, but it's it banana splits the, the shotgun where it like splits in half. Yeah, it's really <laughs> and cool. Knocks it's, him a, back. it's a cool effect. It's a really cool effect. I like it. And so um, after that happens... Oh, yes, I love this because Skank's like, eat hot lead, crud sucker. <laughs> Who says that shit, right? Skank. Skank says yeah. that. <laughs> and, uh, and, then, and then that's when, uh, that's when after this happens, Skank's like, you know, he's not, he's not real, man. He's not human. And Packard's like, bullshit, he's a kid, just a kid. And again, like, what, what's, yeah. But even like the distance uh, that, that he shot the shotgun from so far away, yeah. like it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Yeah. It, 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 it would well, because the wraith was like like eighty percent of the wraith's body is also behind this giant uh, yeah. uh, Packard Walsh uh, R.I.P. Uh, cle- clearly paper mache created uh, you know uh, tombstone you know but yeah most of his body's behind it so most of the buckshot if it didn't you know didn't explode would have been just peppered into there. Yeah, yeah, because you're right. Uh, the, the wraith just suddenly vanishes, and that's when Packard looks and sees his name on this gravestone, and that's when Packard's like, let's get the hell out of here, and they all split. I wish and, that and, the wraith had written, uh, rest in peace, Packard, just like on a piece of paper, and then like taped it to the... <laughs> just held it up. Yeah, just, yeah. Would you, would you have liked it, would you have liked it if he had wraith stationary? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, Wraithenary. Yes, Wraithenary? no, no, 100%. That if, if they were going to go with a piece of paper, it should have said with the same, the movie logo and everything, the Wraith. Yep. Yeah. Do you guys remember when stationary was like a thing? Like yeah. people should have stationary. Yeah. And now no one gives a shit. No. Just whatever. Uh, anyways. <laughs> From the desk so of the, the Wraith. So, yes. Yeah, so, so you've just seen your own name on a gravestone and the next day, you're in bed with some random BK burger girl in your garage because that's what happens next. The next scene is Packard's in his garage and there's again a POV shot of someone coming into the garage. You think it's probably the Wraith. It turns out it's Loomis. Uh, but prior to you finding that out, Packard's making out with a girl on his bed. She's topless. Boobs. Again, again PG-13. <laughs> Second nude scene of the movie. And Dude, like, seriously, I asked Zach, like, I think it was before we recorded the $2 Lafey uh, episode. I was like, is this like a mistake? Did they like, is, is this like a Swamp Thing scenario? You know, like, like did they nope. give us yeah. the unrated version? And this is not, you know, but no, this is PG-13. There's so much nudity yep. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she and they're like getting ready to go at it. He's wearing his cowboy boots with his black jeans on, and uh, and startles Loomis startles them. He's like, "You got to be out of your mind!" And that's when Loomis is like, "I want you to come down downtown with me." And then that's when Packard says, "I'm not going anywhere, guy." Guy, fifth guy of the movie. Loomis is like, "This is Warren. I got here, cockroach. Now move." And and then Packard gets up and this is a funny awkward moment when he looks at Loomis he's like see in squad car and he gives this weird kind of goofy look at him and let me grab my girl, shells <laughs> right <laughs> the girl is on the bed still uh Loomis like takes her what I'm assuming is her blouse off of uh the door that of, of Loom, uh Packard's bedroom and throws it at the girl and he's like you okay and she's like yeah, and he throws the shirt at her, and she's like, "Thanks." <laughs> it's such a weird moment. 
From there, cut to one of the best songs in the movie, by the way. Hold on, Blue Eyes. Cutting back to the Willow River and your LaMarca's Hold on, Blue Eyes. Mm, and so good. Jake is in the in the water and care, like in, they're like in a it's supposed to be a hot spring, but clearly it's cold because Jake's like, you know, the water's nice once you get used to it. And I'm thinking they're about the bone. And every dude knows that when if you're in like ice cold water shrinkage shrink. Yes. Seinfeld shrinkage. Yes. Call back to Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> yes. which Corey hosts. So you guys should check that out. We, we discussed that episode. It's shrinkage. Uh, yeah and carrie's like it's nice just being here with you that they please Dustin. they heated this water for three days oh wow and still couldn't get it warm enough like he's like yeah. the, the warmest they could get it was 72 degrees they coated the rocks Ooh, with like cold. special plastic Ooh. um to take Ooh, up to just, just to keep them it. warmer so that they could sit on them so they could touch them and not wow. have them be freezing and um yeah, they so they they couldn't get all the shots that they needed, so I guess all the reverse shots are an extra. Like of uh, Charlie Sheen's back, it's not Charlie Sheen in any of these oh. shots, um, because yeah, because it was so cold that they really couldn't even get everything that they wanted to get without wow. torturing the actors. And plus, they were so limited in their shoot days because production kept cutting days. It, wow. It almost makes it seem wow. like it just would have been easier to film it in the summertime. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. How many movies, though, how many movies have we seen, though, that they're like, oh, they shot this in how many, uh, like, Ski School, right, with Dean Cameron and Stuart Fracken, who uh, Dustin and I interviewed in well, an upcoming episode of $2 Late Fee. Uh, they filmed Ski School in, like, the summertime at Whistler a ski movie and then you think you hear of this they film this in the winter time but it's like clearly supposed to be a summer movie well and, right? and then you watch like gremlins and i remember the first time ever yes. like someone told this to me they were like look look for their breaths there's no breath and then i can't not like see that when i watch the movie you know and then yeah, i start thinking i start feeling bad for the actors and i'm like oh my god they must be so hot you know and then and those things but yeah it's 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 weird it is weird. It is weird. You know, it's weird. Carrie's uh, dialogue for the next for this scene. It, it's really funny. You know, it's not weird. Carrie's bathing suit and her awesome bathing suit. <laughs> well, we'll get that in a minute, or you'll get to that. Uh, and because Carrie's like, "You want to know something?" And Jake's like, "What?" And she's like, "I couldn't sleep at all last night. I had strange dreams." And and Jake's like, "Well, what was your dream?" And she goes, "I was riding east on the back of a motorcycle, and the driver was Jamie Hankins." And uh, what's strange is that Jamie's been, Jamie's dead. And he goes, I know, Billy told me. She's like, Jamie's a lot like you. I mean, it's strange, it's strange how alike you are. And that could account for the dream. And then, and then finally she kind of gets in the water with him. She's like, I like you. And then it cuts back to Jamie, Jake flashing back as Jamie in bed with Carrie and getting stabbed. (laughs) And then he just like says to her, he goes, I love you. <laughs> well, one thing I liked that I picked up uh, this time when I was watching um, later on when Packer kidnaps her, he takes her west. And I like the fact that they say here that she had a dream that she's east. going east. So Packard is not the correct, you know, the correct way. Sort of. I, I don't know. I, th- I think that was very much by design. And I picked up on that. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I got the, I got my 
I, I'm thinking of another scene later on in the movie where she talks about the man in the moon. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that yeah. That's that's well, it's close. It's after this scene essentially. Yeah. So uh, I love when he says "I love you." Like I get it on one hand, he clearly does love her because it is Jamie. You know, I get that. Yeah. But if some dude you just met for a day says "I love you," and then you know, instead of her getting weirded out by it, they do it. Of course. Well, I mean, because he's not Packard. You know, yeah. like I. I at this point, she's so traumatized that God, like, just love, man. Give me, give me some love. Don't give me fear, you know. And then and, uh, mm-hmm. Cheryl yeah. and Finn boob. So you know, it's all good. Yeah. So, so as a kid, I saw this scene. I was like, whoa, blown away. For some reason, this scene always stands out to me more than the other scenes in the yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, and and I remember seeing an edited version. Oh no. Nope. On, on, What's on HBO, no, and I was like, whoa, 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 not okay. Do, do they okay. like just cut it so that she doesn't take the top off or something? Yeah, they, yeah, they cut to yeah, they or they they pan and scanned it so she you can't see her. Okay, that part of her. Um, anyways, from there, it's a it's a long extended love scene. Yeah, with a great song. With a great song, great song. Oh my god, such a great song. Cut to a very hot scene in the police station where everyone's sweating their asses off now, clearly. So they must have filmed this after, uh, you know, in L.A. perhaps. <laughs> and it's Packard and his gang at the police station, and Loomis is cutting paper dolls. Dustin, you were referring to this earlier, that, that he's giving a speech about Minty being dead. His gutter boy's like, was his eyeballs all sucked out of his sockets? And... and, and Basically, Loomis is giving the whole speech like, yep, just like Augie, not a mark on him. And he's meanwhile, while he's kind of interrogating the dudes, um, he's cutting a paper doll out, which is all improvised. Dustin? Apparently, Ray Andy Quaid would do paper dolls when he was nervous. Okay, okay. So they just let him do it. And it's the kind of paper dolls where, like, they're all folded together, and when you fold them out... It's, you know, there's a bunch of them, like, kind of together mm-hmm. type of thing or something. But, I mean, that makes sense, Dustin, because when you're watching it, like, he's doing it very naturally, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't even yeah. know how to do something like that. It's like how people make snowflakes by right. folding the paper up. Right. Yeah, I have no fucking clue how to do that. And as he's doing that whole speech, uh, Rughead interrupts and he's like, well, we'll do anything to help, basically. And that's when Skank's like, shut up, man. And then suddenly, right after that. Loomis kind of gives the plot of the movie. He's like, there's a kid out there using his car to kill people. Not that it's such a big deal since it's your gang. He seems to want to rub out. But if you guys want to take the law into your hands and that killer turns up dead, I'll see you all sniffing cyanide in the hot seat of an Arizona gas chamber. And after that, he opens up the paper dolls and it's the four paper dolls of the people who are left. And you can tell like Rughead gets it. You know what I mean? Like he gets that they're all going down. If one person goes down, they're all going down for it. Yeah. Yeah. And this tracks a little bit like, well, and I want to go back to, you know, when they're in the garage and Rughead has the flashback of putting Jamie in the trunk of the car and blowing it up. Just remember that again. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. 
And with me today in studio is co-host Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. And now, back to the show. From there, you cut to Carrie's house, and Jake's dropping off Carrie. And I love this. She's like, this is the nicest day I've had in a long time. And and that's genuine. It feels sweet, you know? And this is when she's uh, wearing those awesome white cowboy boots and booty shorts. Yep. And and, and he's like, I'll see ya. Or no, she goes, I'll see ya. And he's like, bye. And just <laughs> rolls off. Because the plan is they're going to meet up later at Big K's. From there, you cut to back to Packard's garage and playing Billy Idol's white wedding. Yeah. And uh, Packard is like, he smacks rug, the back of Rughead's head, Rughead's head. And he's like, Hey genius, take care. Such this is a really weird scene. And then he's like walking. He's very like, he's very like boppy, you know, like he's very happy. And I took it as they got out of jail or, you know, they're out of jail. He's kind of happy, you know, about it. And I like, yeah. and I like the 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 handshake he does with Skank, you know, and it's and he calls him Maurice too. It's like it's really you really get the sense that him and Skank have known each other probably their whole lives. It is a sweet moment, but it, I took it initially as him saying goodbye to everyone, like he knew he was gonna die, like my final send off kind of thing, like bye guys. But that's not what was that's not the case. It is for a couple people though. Uh, and so Skank's like, well, where are you going? He's like, I got to go take care of some business. And, uh, and he leaves. And then Packard drives off. And then Rughead is like basically packing up his shit. And he says to Gutterboy and Skank, he's like, well, where are you guys going? And they're like, we're, we're going to go screw around. And Gutterboy's like, uh, uh, you got it, Skanko, because I'm a four-year, I'm a four-day virgin. I'm like, what the does, fuck? Does that mean he had sex four days ago? I guess, right? Is that <laughs> yeah, what that means? I don't know. It's so weird. I, I, and Rughead's, Rughead's like, I'm taking my blueprints and I'm leaving, man. This gang thing was cool, but it's not anymore. Not that, that there's a, there's this wraith out there, and uh, and Skank's like, what, man? And that's when. Rughead goes, a wraith, man, a ghost, an evil spirit, and it ain't cool. <laughs> I'm quitting, and if I was you guys, I'd quit too. And he leaves, and they just blow him off, right? Like, fuck that guy. Exactly. So after that, it's just Skank and Rughead, Skank and Gutterboy at the garage, and they, they hear a sound of a car coming. And, and, Rughead, and Skank's like, oh, Rughead must have forgot something. And suddenly the... Car comes through, blows, and it closes in on Skank and Rug, uh, Gutter Boy, and the entire garage explodes into splinters of wood. It's it's an amazing Pepper. explosion. It's it's great. 
awesome. They rigged it up for four days. Wow. And that wasn't a miniature? That was the the actual? That was the actual building. Wow. I mean, it's worth it because it's a a fantastic movie explosion. They covered it from four different angles and, you know. Rughead had driven off at this point, but was right outside of the... the, Yeah, he saw the whole thing go down. He saw the whole thing go down. He's at the base of the street, and he sees uh, the the Wraith drive off, and he's, like, freaking out. Cops swarm in uh, into the... Like, the the cops swarm into the fire, basically, the aftermath, and uh, Loomis is... Pulls up into... Like, they drive up to the garage... But the fire's still burning. There's black smoke everywhere. Rughead is like... Covered in soot, even though he wasn't there. Yeah, like, you know, because the fire's still kind of burning. Yeah. And and he's, like, covered in smoke and soot. And then, you know, that's when he's losing his shit. And and he's like, Loomis, he's the gutterborn skank right there. They were were adios by that kid in Turbo. I warned him. I warned him. And he's like, I know it seems impossible. I didn't know they had... I, and this is when he kind of reveals his part of this whole piece. He's like, I didn't know they had a kid in the car. I didn't know it was Jamie Hankins till he came up on, came up missing. And then I'm like, wait a minute, but you had a flashback of them putting him in the car, allegedly. Yeah. So but, that doesn't track. Right, but, but, but at, the, at the same time, like the Wraith drove past him to go kill, you know, Skank and, and Gutter Boy. So I, I, I don't know, I... I almost I feel like I feel like the flashback. The, I almost feel like the flashback was just a wrong information for us viewers. I kind of yeah. I do kind of feel like maybe Rughead wasn't there just based because the Wraith drove past Rughead to go kill like he could have just driven right through and killed Rughead too and then go and kill you know what I mean like he could have. So I'm almost yeah. taking it like yeah maybe Rughead really wasn't there and that was just a little wonky editing. I, I, yeah, totally, totally. And, and, and then Loomis is like, so you're telling me Pac and the others killed Jamie Hankins? And, and Rughead's like, Jamie Hankins was here the other night with a shotgun. I seen his eyes, Loomis. And then Loomis is like, if, if it was Jamie, then why'd they kill him off in the first place? The dialogue's a little wonky here. He's like, I don't know. Packard hated Jamie. Packard hates everybody. He hates me. I don't want to get killed over something I had nothing to do with. <laughs> he starts crying, and I'm like, well, you are probably going to go to jail for accessory to murder. Yeah. Uh, so you're screwed. I feel like when you sign up to a gang, you're you know what you're signing up for, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then Loomis is like, "You go home now and stay there till you hear from me." <laughs> like you're going to go to jail, son, someday. Uh, and then after that, Loomis is like searching the area, and they cut to another piece of the brace uh, within the wreckage, and it fades away. Yeah. You cut back to Big K's. I love this scene, by the way. Oh, yeah. This, this next scene. Uh, it's really intense. I love Billy's acting in it. Cut to Big K's in the song Young Love, Hot Love by Jill Michaels. Young Love, Hot Love. It's so bad but good. Um, Billy's sweating over making burgers. <laughs> Billy's and... sweating because he's the only, again, the only fucking cook there at all. Where is yep. Big K? Where are you, where where are you Big K? Are you, Big K? Really? <laughs> where are, when we need you the most. <laughs> where were you? Lo, uh, Loomis walks in, introduces himself. He's like, hey, can I have a word with you? And Billy's like, what do you need? I'm swamped. And he's like, I, I need some info about your brother. And, and Billy's like, that's easy. He's dead. Order up. <laughs> 
And he's like, yeah, I know, but his body never turned up. And at this point in the movie, um, Loomis is like, pour, pours himself a cup of coffee from the kitchen and he takes the sugar and he starts pouring the sugar into the coffee and doesn't, yeah. it's one of those like big, you know, uh, diner sugars with the, with the, and with the open mouth. And he's pouring the sugar into the coffee, like he's pouring water into a jug and it doesn't stop. <laughs> it doesn't stop. It's for like it, five seconds. It's some true romance shit, man. Like there's like a similar sort of scene in true romance. I, I will say this. I like that Randy Quaid was much like his character. Loomis was much nicer to Billy. Like, cause at this point we've only seen him, you know, engage with the gang and everything like that. And we see like this sort of tough as nails exterior thing. I like that, you know, he was nicer when he was talking to Billy. Cause there's, there's no point to get aggressive with Billy. He's not, you know, there for that. You know, I, no. I, I don't know. I thought that was cool. It is. It is cool. And he's like, cause, cause Loomis is like, yeah. After he's like, he's dead. Loomis is like, yeah, I know his, his body never turned up though. And, uh, and then Loomis is like, I got four kids murdered in one week. And Billy's like four thought it was two. And Loomis says, yeah, skank and gutter boy got lunched out at the warehouse about an hour ago. I figure Packer Walsh is next. And Billy's like, well, if he is, I'll shake the hand of the guy who does it. Flip and he's flipping burgers. Order up. <laughs> and uh, he's like, well, that might be impossible. Did your brother have a girl? And and he's like, I I, uh, I told you my brother's. And he's like, and Loomis is like, did he have a girl? And he goes, yeah, Carrie Johnson. Somebody busted in and smashed her head. She woke up the next day on a deserted highway somewhere wrapped in a Navajo blanket. So, like, she has no clue who did it to her, allegedly. And then that's when Loomis is like, any idea who did it? And he goes, drifters, maybe? Maybe smugglers? <laughs> well, I, I, I need to interject for a second because this, to me, is the stupidest scene in the movie. <laughs> It's the stupidest scene in the movie, hands down. And I'll, and, yeah. and one thing you're forgetting is, okay, so you've got Loomis now asking Billy about the investigation for some reason. I have no fucking idea why. He's the yeah. fucking yeah. sheriff. And he's first asking Billy, who did he have a girlfriend? Okay. He would have been asking this whenever Jamie was murdered. This, this would have been covered. Yeah. We would have known who she was with, who was there, whatever. But then Billy's like, he was with Carrie. Everybody knows that. <laughs> he literally says everybody knows that except the fucking sheriff. <laughs> this scene has no point. He, You could cut it out. It would be fine. Yeah. It doesn't take us anywhere. It doesn't move the story. It makes Loomis no, look right. like a fucking jackass to me. And, you know, I'm sorry for getting heated. It's just like, this no, is what I was great. talking about in $2 late fee when I was like, this is a botched investigation because you don't, first of all, it's, it's not a, it's not, he's not dead. If there's no body, it's, it's, you know, it's not a closed case. Yeah. Yeah. But you've, no, you're right. in the previous scene, he's already learned. Like basically Jughead has just Jughead, Eraserhead, whatever the fuck his name is, has just confessed to a murder. Yeah. Even though there's no body and the fact that Loomis leaves there and then goes to talk to Billy for absolutely no reason to ask him things that he would have known when he investigated the murder or if he hadn't investigated, then the cops would have had the information. So everything about this scene, thumbs down. Well, the, the, I, I have to interject and say the only thing about this scene and, and it's the scene with Billy and Packard that it is my one of my favorite scenes coming up. Not not this scene. This scene, though, 
is a is a partial thumb sideways because of the amount of sugar that Loomis puts into his coffee. That's the only reason why I love this scene because I'm like, look at all the amount of sugar. Yeah, you're right. It's all inconsequential. It doesn't it's not needed. Yeah, no, D- Dustin, you're right. Like I'm thinking about it now. There's we don't learn anything knew about and because we already knew i think we all already knew that carrie was was with him at the time of his murder and yes. clearly the entire town knows it seems that. ludicrous that the sheriff wouldn't know that yeah 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 no you're right yeah you're right now nah, you're i think you're 100 percent right on that and again I, the only thing i liked was that i liked the sugar thing and i liked the fact that we got to see like him doing something different but ultimately you could take the scene out and and i think it would make a tighter thing yeah you're you're correct on that one your righteous yeah. indignation is correct. <laughs> get heated, get heated. Um, from and then from there, th- at this point now, Jake's bringing uh, Carrie to work, and she kisses him, and he's like, "Look, you know, you you got to tell Packard." And she's like, "Now's not the time to talk to Packard." And this was like, "Ugh." I don't know why this pushes like personal buttons with me. Where in the past I had dated girls who had like a somewhat of a boyfriend but they're like oh we're no we're broken up but you're still kind of dating the guy i'm like well when are you gonna break things off with him i will it's coming and it never comes I'm like don't, don't, don't you know she's like, when she's like now is not the time to talk to packard and like what the what, what i mean in, in her defense there's no good time to talk <laughs> really? to packard. exactly you, just, you exactly. just at this point you just hope that he dies in a car race yeah. and you're not in the yeah. car yeah, and then, you know, he's like, you're going to be a prisoner for a long time if you don't do this. And, 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 like, and Jake is just, like, dropping, like, just, like, sage knowledge, you know? Like, everything yeah, he I love says. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's yeah, not everything wrong. Everything is deep. He's not wrong, but it's it's very, like, sage deep, you know? Well, and this and this is when he drops the, she's like, who are you? And he's like, ask Packard. He knows why I'm here. Yeah. See, I've come a long way for you. My time is almost over. And he gets on his bike and he leaves and then cue back up, young love hot love and then Packard's watching and then he's watching across the street by the way yeah he's yeah. literally across the street just, from the burger place. just like he was across the street from Carrie's house uh and I wanted to say it earlier when 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 Jake leaves Carrie's house he kind of drives past like what you what is clearly like sort of Packard's POV and I yeah. just wish he just like fucking put his middle finger up as he was driving by <laughs> because like you clearly see Packard is right fucking there, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he's and this is daytime too. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, now this is daytime uh, so he, shit right here. Yeah, yeah, Jake rolls off. Uh Packard cruises over to the other side. There's, a, there's another song, cool song called Bad Mistake that they queue up. Um and Packard it like Carrie's getting ready to work and Packard rolls up all crazy and he's like, Look, you know, I need to talk to you and she's like I'm busy. And he's like, you've been busy for the last couple of days, huh? And she's like, get out of here. I have to work. And he just picks her up with her, with her skates on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it did. totally. Yeah. Just picks her up with everything. She, she's like almost, if she had food, if she had a tray, he would have just picked her up and the tray would have just fallen. Yeah. Keep that, keep that in mind, by the way, that she's probably wearing roller skates because. Uh, good point. Good yeah, point. For later. Well, she can always uh, roll home later, you know? <laughs> She would have rolled home faster. Yeah, true. Uh, pick, picks her up and she's freaking out. Billy sees what's going on. Billy, the he fucking com- hero of the movie. The only hero. The only, the only person. Dude, the, the only, only dude hero. who like 
<laughs> only protagonist who shows emotion too by the way yeah and especially with like a fucking like some guy in the background who's got like a blue tank top on who's pretty fucking yoked and he just watches this thing fucking happen that guy's not yeah. a hero billy's yeah. a hero yeah, Billy comes out and he's like, Packer, what the hell are you doing? He's and he's like, butt out and of he, my he face. He comes out like in a in a very like like it's like a more of a normal thing. Like, what is going on here? Like, <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, this is ridiculous the way you're acting. Like, why why is this happening? Who? Why do you exist? You know what I mean? Like, why aren't you like the yep. rest of us? Just be fucking normal, Packer. And, Guess what? And, if you're not a good look, you're not a bad looking guy. If you're a fucking nice dude and you're actually like fucking normal, she might actually fucking like you. <laughs> agreed if you just clean up your act yeah don't be and a this is when big and, and, big k stepping in would have been really cool <laughs> with a baseball yes. bat right with yeah baseball, yes Gotta i love i love this mythical hero that, that dustin's built up <laughs> this great. big k i now i wish big k was in it <laughs> i i feel for billy so deeply because i just i feel like man not only is he feeding this fuck burgers, but this is when Packard's like, butt out of my face, burger boy, or you'll end up dead like your brother. And it's like, oh. I like the fact that, that Billy never quite, like, you can tell, like, he doesn't want to get with Carrie. You know what I mean? Like, it's not no, about it's his bro- that. No, it's his bro's girl. It's, or, no, it's, I don't even think it's about that either. It's, she's his friend, or it's it's more, it's honor, man. It's he's, like his he's, sister. Billy's honorable, and Packard's not. But I like the fact that there's no love interest on on Billy's side of things, you know what I mean? No. Towards Carrie, I think that's cool. Not at all. Yeah, and 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 but this is this is a brutal scene because oh, this is rough. because Billy goes to hit Packard, but then Packard unloads beats the on, shit out of him. on Billy, beats the shit out of him, and he hits him in the face a couple times, and the blood comes out, and it's like. Again, for a PG-13 movie, this is pretty gory, so to speak. And then he kicks him on the ground, like, fucking three times. Like, right in his fucking stomach. And the moaning the moaning that comes out of Billy is so, like, visceral. Like, you can feel it. You just feel like he's in pain. Much gorier than Doc Hollywood. (laughs) Much gorier. More nudity, too. More nudity. Yep. I am the one and only. (laughs) Um, So, after that, they... uh, Packard splits oh, with Carrie. Oh, after that, dork move number three. This is solidified for me. After he beats up Billy, he does this little skip jog thing to the side of his car. And I just was like, I looked at my wife and I was like, you fucking walk. You walk if you do that. You know, like if you're a badass, you fucking walk walk you don't like skip run to your to your other side it's like oh fucking packard man yeah yeah no packard packard is cheesy for sure um but but i what i love about this is the girl one of the bk girls the the short hair blonde one yep she is packed the one packard was had in bed with oh earlier uh, the, the the day before i'm a ta- i take it oh uh, I didn't know that. i'm assuming okay that was the same one and so they drive off billy's on the ground she goes to check on billy and and that's when billy like looks at everybody and he's like you bastard chicken shits you let him take her it's such an emotional scene it's really well done really well acted yeah and then there's this like yeah guy with a blue tank top flexing in the background <laughs> you guys ever notice that Dustin, this fucking flexor. I didn't focus I did. on a guy in a blue tank. <laughs> fucking flexor in the background. Flexor. 
Is it is it is it ice from uh, American Gladiators? Oh my <laughs> god, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that was. A... <laughs> was that on? Was that on the actual episode or was that on the Patreon reference? <laughs> Which one? What was that? Oh, I probably I don't know. But if it's on, if I'm gonna say Patreon, and for those of you that don't know and want to hear a really funny reference, check out our Patreon page, Podcasting After Dark. Patreon backslash podcasting after dark it's really good uh, and, and check out two, and check out two dollar lafey's patreon because i was on an episode of what does dustin know so it's a special episode of what does Corey and dustin know spoiler alert not much <laughs> and that'll be featured uh next month nope. uh that'll be on the yep. next month check out our check out both check out both patreons yes um so from here we cut back to pack we cut back to pack and carry and they're in the car driving down in this shitty-ass vet. He's got no money, by the way, probably at this point. Right? I mean, he's just kidnapping her. This is he yeah. just kidnapped right here. Kidnapped her. I'm, I'm assuming her roller skates are still on, but she later is walking down the street, so she doesn't have the money. I, I can't not think about that now. You're 100% yeah, correct. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so And she's like, so where are we going? He's like, where no one will ever find us. And she's like, where's that? West. Like, West. <laughs> California. Santa Barbara or, or someplace. <laughs> I'm not going. She says. <laughs> he goes, yes, you are, Carrie. And then she. this is where she drops it on him. Remember that night three years ago? Oh, yeah. She said it three years ago. Yeah. Oh. 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 She God. says three years ago? Yep. Because wow. I tracked it. I wrote it down. That's, three that doesn't ago. seem right at all. Three years well, ago. Well, well, it is. We were we were all way under Wrong. that. <laughs> I was closest, though. I'm going to give myself partial credit. <clears throat> um, for those of you that don't know, when you listen to What Does Dustin Know on our Patreon, I don't give Dustin partial credit if he doesn't know something. Um, and she's like, remember that night three years ago, that night when you guys found me with Jamie Hankins? Wait. Now wait a minute. So now she's like, when you guys found me, found Jamie me. Hankins. He's, and Packard's like, no. She's like, well, well, think. When you broke in, we had just finished doing it, and then he slaps her. And she and he goes, she goes, so it was you, and Packard goes, yeah. So she was maybe just That's like plank testing, sure. right? Yeah, yeah. I think she suspected, but never quite wanted to sort of bring herself to 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 say these words, you know. Yep. And then Packard's like, "You're mine. That's it." And she's like, "She's like, you think I go to California with you? I'd rather go to Nagale and have children, have the gutter boys cretin children and die than be with you." She's and she's like, "You can't. You can kill me too, Packard, but you can't make me love you." Mm-hmm. And that's when they pulls over slams on the brakes pulls over they get out of the car and she's like packard you're pathetic this and, and is like this, her it, moment right it, well this was my moment i was with her and i was like uh, honestly i was like they should have cut the actual dialogue of her saying packard you're pathetic because that was exactly in my head what i was thinking and i you know what i mean and i was like yeah. uh, you shouldn't have just even said it as the movie you know what i mean because it definitely it deflates the villain you know but he's fucking pathetic he really well, is I mean, look, I got, I got, and, I, and I'm going to back that up right now because he, he pops out his switchblade again for the fourth and final time of the movie. Uh, a threat. He's only used it on himself the entire movie. And in the flashback, he did it from the guy's back from behind. So how weasel of a shit is that? Like, I don't, you know, we're going back old school. You got to fight some guy. You always do it face to face. This guy has never done that. He is a piece of crap. 
and he is a weasel. So yeah, I'm backing you guys up with everything you said about him too. Um, hmm. Not Nick Cassavetes because I love that guy as an actor. Anyways, he looks like he's going to use the blade on Carrie. And the Wraith rolls up just in time. And, and right when he rolls up, Packard puts the blade away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you Hostage. fucking piece of shit. Just keep it out, man. Just be a fucking badass for once in your life before you die. And what does he say? You want a race? Because I'll show you a race. Suddenly he wants to race him, right? At this point now, because like he's confessed to killing uh, Jamie. You know, now he wants to race, right? He's like, well, and then he looks at Carrie. He's like, we'll finish this later. He gets in his vet and splits and they're off. And I'm like, well, you just left Carrie on the side of the road and we're going to finish this later. Mm -hmm. And then you cue, I wrote down, cue the sweet synth track because it's Mm -hmm. a great synth track. And and another Um, great uh, uh, race scene too. It is a great race scene. Um, the, 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 The race scene is actually kind of interesting to me because they're racing each other. And suddenly the Wraith just takes off down the road and like the vet is like puttering behind <laughs> and there's, and the cops are, are pursuing as well. And then there is a, what do you call those, those trucks that can hold Yeah. Cars? Like, like a semi with a bunch of, of cars on it, you know? Yeah. And you got cops chasing, um, uh, Cassavetes, uh, Packard, they're chasing him, but then there's also kind of cops coming straight at them, you know, at the same time. And yep. and Packer tr- kind of he does it on purpose. He goes to to go around the the car the truck carrying all the cars, and causes one of the cops that are coming at him to kind of swerve and go into the the truck the eighteen wheeler carrying all yep. those cars. And it is a phenomenal stunt. It is great um, stunt. It's fantastic. I mean this the 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 car work in this movie is Mad Max level quality. It it's it's. It's it's the re- it is. I'm not saying anything negative about the rest of the movie, but the car racing shit is a fucking ten in this film, yes. you know. And then this scene right here, when all the cars, all the cars on the back of that 18 wheeler kind of spill over because of the crash, because of the cop car going into them. I mean, there's pieces everywhere. Again, I've said this multiple times. I love that every car almost shatters like glass, and you see like just metal pieces are going everywhere. It's it's visceral. It's it's exciting. It's it's wild. It's awesome. It's it's awesome is the best word I can fucking describe for this scene. It's really good. Did you spot the rainbow on the? Uh, yeah, right and then the, the the rainbow shot that I know was one hundred percent by accident. Uh, there was this great fucking shot of the cops driving up, and there was a fucking rainbow there. And I know yep. I read that online or whatever that that was like just pure pure happenstance, but it was it's a gorgeous shot. I mean, that's gorgeous just shot. one in a million right there. Yep. And this movie, by the way, is just cheesy good fun. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. everything aside. But like, um, like I said at the very beginning, and like I said on, on $2 Lafey, this movie is not perfect, but it is perfectly fun. You totally, totally. So, so yeah, he gets around that, that crash, Packard does, and uh, the, the Wraith is suddenly go, uh, pointed in the same direction, uh, facing Packard as Packard's coming down the road. Packard doesn't see the car. He sees the Wraith, uh, Charlie Sheen's character, standing there in the middle of the road, goes to mow him down, but it's the car itself. Explodes. Ba-boom. Packard is now dead. And it's like what Dustin mentioned earlier. It's like, you know, cut to the Wraith, cut to the Packard's face, cut to that other car, then cut to the Wraith. Packard. It's, it's a lot of quick cutting, and then all of a sudden culminates in this just huge explosion. It's, it's yes. awesome. 
cut and then from there you cut to Carrie walking down the road walking down the road not rolling down the road <laughs> and uh, and she hears the explosion and you cut back to the crash but I like that she looks back she hears it and kind of like looks back you know yeah and she looks like looks disheveled and yeah. um, uh, you cut back to the crash and Packard's lying dead in the wreckage he's lying dead on his back uh, with his eyes closed yeah so why? maybe they just I don't know why they didn't do his eyes. Why? Dustin, any information on, on this nothing. one? No. They should have, though. Should've. Like, you know, for, for the main villain, the final that, that, I'll go back to The Crow. When they, when they kill Michael Wincott's character at the end, it's so, um, it's such a, like an effective moment where they finally like, yeah, the guy got his comeuppance, the revenge movie, you know, because The Wraith and The Crow uh, share a lot of similarities, and, by the and way. And that's something we actually uh, discuss uh, more extensively on the $2 late fee episode. So uh, I, I hope, again, everyone listens to both of these uh, because yeah. I think you'll get the the full picture. But we do discuss, like, I, I think that, that The Crow owes a lot to, to this movie. And I even think that the the name of the character Skank in The Crow is a reference to, to Skank in this movie. So, totally again, agree. please go check out the uh, $2 Lafey episode as well. Yeah, please, please do. Um, and then you cut the final brace... Uh, from the wraith is in the wreckage and it vanishes, right? And I love how fucking Loomis is like, "We're done here. It's over." And the other cops yeah. like, "What? What do you mean?" We've got mountains of paperwork to do, guy. The other cops are like, "You want us to set up roadblocks? You want us to, you know, try to get this guy?" And Loomis is like, "No, nah, it won't stop. You yeah. can't. It won't stop something that can't be stopped. It's over." And the other cop, the cop is like. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Their cops like what? The what? <laughs> sure. But 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 in the movie's defense, Loomis did see the wraith fade away, and he knows something supernatural. So, or he's just a lazy cop. Yeah, too. Or both. that too. <laughs> so from there, you cut back. Oh, to real quick, Carrie. did you guys did you guys notice uh, when the cars exploded and everything? There's that awesome flame tornado that they clearly didn't. Yeah. Do you see that, Dustin? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. It was cool. Again, the Blu-ray. Totally worth it for all the details that oh. I never picked up on as a kid. Again, the Blu-ray is gorgeous. If, if you have any interest in the Wraith, please buy the Vestron Blu-ray. Dustin will get a kickback for that. I will get a kickback. I mean, uh, but a lot of what you're talking about, Corey, it's like the the tornado and all of these things were just like happenstance, just aftermath of these actual explosions. And mm-hmm. they were covering it with like four cameras at a time for all the, for all the big stuff. So... They were just like, oh, wow, this is great. This is actually um, quite hazardous, actually, but, <laughs> but visually amazing. But right? but pulled off, like, looks amazing. And now you watch it, you're like, wow, that's just, it's really cool. And, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a really cool movie. Again, there's just so many awesome factors of this film. Totally. Uh, you cut back to Carrie walking home, not rolling home. She's walking <laughs> up to her house. It's, it's at night. And she is kind of shocked because the interceptor, turbo interceptor, is rolling up on her by her house. She kind of scurries across the street to get over to her house, and the car pulls up right next to her. Uh, The wraith steps out, and in a very odd yet cool transformation sequence, transforms into Jake in his gear that he was wearing the day before. And he, like, kind of gives off this shrugging feeling like, oh, I just got vaporized. And he goes, ah. I can't do that again. Kind of like a, like a, it's a odd moment because the way he delivers the line is like, you know, a comedic it's way. It's pretty goofy. 
It's it pretty goofy. I was also wondering why couldn't he give her a ride home? He gave her <laughs> a ride a home in move. every other scene. He's like, kills Packard and lets her fucking walk home. It's like, you're you're right. That's a dick move. What are you doing? <laughs> the race's a dick. Just roll up on your motorcycle for the you know fifth time. Yeah, yeah. You're right. No, you're totally right. You're totally right. And Carrie's like Jake, and then I love this. He goes, you know who I am. And she goes, Jamie. Jamie. And she hugs him. Oh. And I get that. Like she's like her man was murdered, you know? And and yeah. uh and then this is when if you listen carefully, it's a synth version of Hold On Blue Eyes. That's cool. It's I, very yeah. cool. This this whole episode discussion makes me want to rewatch it again. That's honestly a testimony to how fun this movie is. Hell yeah. And then Jake's like, This is close as I could come to what I once was. And that's I like and, that. I like that know, explanation. I have no fucking problem at all with that explanation but i love carrie's like it's close enough and i'm like oh you're probably digging this guy <laughs> yeah, more than your ex. it's charlie sheen's close <laughs> enough you know and his prime you know and then she goes just and he goes just think of this as a second chance we we're meant to be together carrie look i got one more thing to do and she's like don't leave me again and he goes don't worry i'll be back it's a short trip pack light which doesn't track at all because that's you know that's not anything. a short trip and he's ass- he's assuming a lot Yep, exactly. I, I, I think I missed the scene, though, but she was talking about how, uh, when she was talking about the dream of being on the motorcycle. I think that was when they were right before they uh, made out in the uh, in the in the hot spring, in the cold spring. She's talking about the man in the moon and the man in the moon was laughing at her. And he's like, yeah, yeah, he has a t- he has a tendency to do that sometimes. And I'm like, yeah, what? 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 Yeah, it was, it's no a sense. weird piece of dialogue. Stupid. Uh, anyways, cut back to big K's. Poor, poor Billy. <laughs> He's like sweeping up. He's got the so not only did he get the shit kicked out of him, but he's still got to work. <laughs> he's got to go back to work. Got to work because Kay's not there. And uh, capitalism, and baby. He hears the door open. He puts the puts the broom down. He picks up a baseball bat and he pulls it out and he yells out, "Come on, Packard!" And then uh, and it's Jake, and he's like, and Jake's like, "Hey, man, it's Jake." And relax. And Billy's like, "You scare me, man. It's been a really heavy night." And uh, and Jake's like. Oh, I can see that. Look, eh, it's time for me to hit the road. <laughs> it's like kind of like nonchalant about this whole thing. He's like, my business is finished now. But I want to, I want to, I want you to have something. And he gives Billy the keys to the car, aka the murder weapon. <laughs> Thank <laughs> gives you. him the murder weapon, and uh, he goes, "She's yours now." And he goes, "Who's mine?" And Jake goes, "It's outside. It's a turbo interceptor, the only one in existence. It does special things like kill people." He doesn't say that, but I'm like, like kill people, basically. He goes, uh, take care of it, will you? And then Billy goes, who are you, bro? You said and it. Jake looks at him and says, you said it. I got to go. And then he leaves, right? And Billy walks outside and Jake's up there and he's like, hey, Billy, the instructions are in the glove box. And he right gets in. How to minor... swallow souls. It's right there. <laughs> the, by the way, the car yeah, right. runs on souls. So enjoy that. Right. And then, and then. Uh, Billy or Jake rides off on his motorcycle and Billy's like hey wait a minute come back bro wait a minute and then he like sees the car and he's freaking out he's like oh man this is amazing you know and I gotta say this shot of the car I think uh, Dustin you probably know where I'm gonna go with this but the fact that you can see the Dodge name on the on the spoiler yeah that right when I saw I was like oh god no just you should have just taken that out like that it totally takes me out of that that this, the whole thing right there. But you know? that was a fight that he lost. Oh, with Dodge. okay. They made him put that in there. 
Like Marvin did not want that in. Wow. It'd be one thing if this car was that car for 86, but this car never got produced, mass produced, right? Oh, right. No, because it was, yeah, it's just a it pace just car. It was just a pace car. Just an Indy yeah. 500 pace so, car. Like, it'd be one thing, you know, in a movie, uh, I don't know, showing the new Tesla or something, product placement. But this is a product that never existed after this. It, <laughs> so yeah, it's like, it never why? was like for consumer, no. you know, purchase anyway. So, so I world build in this in my mind of um, the car. Wait, hold on. The car is transforming into something more earthly, so yes. that it could pass as an earthly car. That's, you know what? That's how I build. You it. know what? I will take that. <laughs> I will take that a hundred percent, and I will be fine with that. It's it's in the process of kind of like forming itself into an earthly car. Okay, I'll yes. take that. Like Bumblebee? Okay. <laughs> like, well, yes. yes, like Bumblebee. Like Bumble- Not unlike Bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> no, like 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 Psykill from GoBots. Ah. Um, so Corinna, so like, after that, he looks at the car, <laughs> and Bill, Billy yells out, <laughs> Billy yells out Wait, he's like, Can I do it? Oh, well. <laughs> just, just, can I do it? You know what I want to do. Yeah, so Billy yells out. Hey, Jake, who are you? And he goes, it couldn't have been. It couldn't have been. And then he says, Jake. Jake. Jamie. <laughs> it's, it's so ugly. It's ugly crying. But it's real. I know. Like, I know. It's I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I love but it. It's, it's, I love it. It's wild. It's I wild, it. and, guys. And it, if you guys, if you listen to the opening to our uh to the two dollar if you listen to the opening to our two dollar late fee episode you'll hear matthew barry recreate pieces of that scene in our fun little answering machine segment so <laughs> it's great um I, I feel it i feel the emotion there yeah he had yeah. A, he realizes his brother and oh it's so sweet uh now you cut to loomis sitting outside of carrie's house in his squad car watching her house you see jake roll up to pick up carrie uh, they kiss. Loomis is like leering at them. Carrie gets on Jake's motorcycle and they ride off. Loomis looks down the road as they're driving off and kind of like he gives this like, oh, well, look. And he ri- rolls up the window. <laughs> he rolls up yeah, the well. window. He's like, My- case closed, guys. Case <laughs> motherfucking closed. The and they're riding down Pick- the road. I'm driving on my pile of pickles here. <laughs> I love this shot. I love this shot of this of this of this desert moon, full moon. I don't care if they added it in post or whatever. It, it, it looks good. It's a good looking composite shot. It's a good looking good looking shot as they're riding down the road, and you cut to the "Where's the Fire" playing, kind of to close out the Where's movie. The Great fire? bookend song. Great bookend song, and the end credits, which I want to point out. I want to point out, as they as that happens, it says dedicated to Bruce Ingram, who I'm assuming was the stunt man that was killed. Or, I think it was a camera, a camera guy, guy on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it okay. was on one of the cars, right? That that I they think kind of. Yeah, they said it was like overweighted or something, but yeah. This is interesting because as they head off into the sun, into the sun, the moon set or moonrise or whatever, um, yeah, they showed the dedicated. And you think that they're going to go to the credits after this, but they don't. They go to soundtrack from Scotty Brothers. Yeah, you know, with, even with the tapes. logo, like the Scotty with Brothers the, with logo, the Scotty, mm. which is a cool logo, by the way. 
Uh, and I love Scotty Brothers records, and I talked more about that in our $2 late fee episode. But then they go to the, the casting, the person who's in charge of casting. Then they go to the music supervisor. Then they go to the associate producer. And then they fade out yeah. to the full credits. It's just an inter- odd choice to have those four credits at the end. But but as right. strong as as strong as the soundtrack is, I get why you know they kind of led with that you know because yeah this... I am too. It's just it's just interesting that it's like they threw that and casting and associate producer in there. Yeah, yeah. But then the credits roll, the movie's over. That's the wraith, a tight little film that you yes you could shave things off it, but at the end of the day, fun, fun, and fun. Yeah. Uh, Dustin, I want to hear your uh, your final thoughts on on the wraith. Now that you and I know you today, you kind of went down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole today that I don't think you liked where you were going. But uh, overall, like what what uh what were your thoughts on on this? I know it, it's a dear movie to you, but how does it hold up now at at, at the age that you're at? Yeah, it's uh, thanks for asking. I think it's um, I think it's still a great film. I think today I was just kind of in a mode where I was digging a little too deep. I, I, I looked, I got, I flew too close to the sun and it started <laughs> ruining the, uh, the illusion of, um, you know, it's, I, I really, I really do enjoy it. And it's, it's nothing, a little break from it w- wouldn't cure, you know, as far as, uh, just taking a little break and then going back and watching it because yeah, I love the soundtrack. Um, you know, it's, it's just funny. It's like, you realize that as we've said, Billy, Billy seems to be one of the, Billy and Randy Quaid are like the only two kind of really doing acting like in a very grounded way. Gutter boys, fool way over the top. Um, skank, same kind of thing. Augie and, uh, minty, whatever. Um, you know, Packard is, is, I don't know. I, I'd be so curious what Nick Cassavetes thinks about his performance now in this movie. That, well, that's a you, that's a really yeah. I, I'm curious about that as well. I'm curious what he thinks if he watches it now. Is that a good performance or not? You you that's interesting though because like we said in the beginning of this episode, it seems like a lot of these guys have stayed in contact with each other. They formed great bonds of friendship, which have continued thirty plus years later, which is really cool. Um, you know, Dustin and I have interviewed a few people where it seems like their relationships have maintained over the years. And that's Mm -hmm. nice. It's cool that whether the, 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 you know, Charlie Sheen, uh, in that little Jay Leno segment that he did, you know, I'm obviously they're, they're playing up the fact that this movie is a cheese ball film, but he didn't seem to like outright trash the thing. He was just like, I made this movie back in the day. It was this little silly film, whatever. I kind of appreciate that. I don't know how much truth there is in, in whatever, um, this film is, it, it, there's such a, like a, 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 you know, we, we often say nostalgia is a hell of a drug and we give things a pass. I think overall this movie gets a pass in the sense that it's, it's a unique film and it has so many positives going for it. At the end of the day, you go, you know, the positives far outweigh the negatives. I agree. It is silly. And it's fun to just kind of lose yourself. And, and and when you watch it with a fine tooth comb like we do on podcasting after dark where you really analyze the shit out of every line and you know that's one thing but when you just watch it for what it is it is just a fun flick it's so yeah. true I mean 
I mean, I, I come into this with no nostalgic love for this film, and I think it's an absolute blast. And it wouldn't be a blast if it wasn't for the, the you know, its low points and, and its high points. It's it's everything. It's the it's the whole package, you know, and there's always something fun to sort of notice and to sort of like whether it's somebody's crazy acting choices or, you know, crazy dialogue or or an awesome stunt set piece, you know. There there's just always something fun happening in this movie which is a very dark story you know it's 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 more fun than i think the story probably should lend itself to be but the soundtrack is unfucking believable this movie's just sounds amazing from beginning to end and again if you would like to hear a more in-depth discussion about the soundtrack please 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 check out Tudor Lafey's uh, uh our discussion on this but in general check out Tudor Lafey as well because you guys talk a lot about soundtracks over there that that's that's a bit of the hook and I want to say too if uh if if this is your thing on $2 late fees patreon our highest tiered um, follower will get a curated mix CD from us with songs that we feature on the show. The Wraith songs will most likely show up on that mix CD if you become a Patreon. Like if you go to our Patreon page, there's more information on there yeah. uh, as to how that works. But you will get a, a mix CD every few months from us. Um and and the songs from the Wraith will most likely pop up because you can't get them anywhere else. I mean, you can get them on, you can listen to them on YouTube, but no, no, you can't. You cannot get them. Any, they're not on YouTube. You can only get them from no, they're not. our tier. That's true. <laughs> the, the best quality. Yep. No, yeah, you you won't be able to find them. So you you, you need to subscribe. It's the only way. Um, yes. that, that's Patreon.com/slash two dollar lay fee. That's T W O. Hey, I think it's. Uh, I think it, I want to note the, the fact that um, Dustin sat through. Well, uh, all told, recording before we edit, before Corey edits this thing. Yeah. Uh, it's a four-hour episode. It's probably our longest episode we've ever done. And the fact that Dustin sat through this, did not tap out once, did not have to get up for a pee break once. This, I, I got up I got up to pee twice. Wait, this is the <laughs> longest episode you guys have ever done? It's, yes. It might be. Yeah, it might be pushing oh it. Oh, my yeah. God. I mean, I'd the, the last check. thing I was going to say about The Wraith was that it's the perfect running time of 90 minutes. Yeah. It's my it's favorite running time from the 80s. It's yeah. like... Yep. 90 minutes I'm totally in I think if it were any longer I would not like it as much um, but it's crazy that we've almost like tripled <laughs> the amount of time in the movie <laughs> talking about it well I, I was gonna say Dustin <laughs> welcome you... to the party pal <laughs> uh, <laughs> right would you have been a bigger fan of this movie if it was 89 minutes long well I think it's actually 93 minutes so if it was 90 minutes I would have been a bigger fan and okay. yeah, because we actually, I think we do have three minutes that we could cut from it. We yeah. we talked about that, so yeah, actually, <laughs> there you go. You take that Billy Billy Loomis scene out. Yeah, the perfect yep. movie. Three minutes yep. right there, fucking ninety minute movie right there, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm with you, Dustin. I I like it's a it's well paced. Like it's a very fast moving film. I, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you. I think any longer. Like, there's no more information that I, I need to know, you know what I mean, it, it, to justify a, a, a runtime extension. So I think it's I think it's a well-paced film. It's constantly fun. 
And I and I also second uh, uh, Zach's sentiment about be, uh, being so happy that you were on this episode uh, with us. In, in the back of my head, I've I've always been open about the fact that I wanted you on uh, the uh, the Legend of Billy Jean uh, episode because I'll, I'll always plug it, and I know it's it's early on in your all's uh, podcasting career, two dollar late fees uh, career. It's like number episode number two or three, but I loved the Legend of Billy Jean episode, and you guys have amazing episodes after that but I always call back to that because that episode made me watch that movie and I adore that movie now and I adore Invincible by Pat Benatar because of the discussion you guys have and everything so I always say please guys go check out that episode of Two Dollar Fee but they have a million other episodes uh, pushing three years worth of fantastic episodes and interviews as well well, I love that, and uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on today. This has been been a, a pleasure and an experience like no other. I mean, honestly, I've never I've never microscoped a movie like this. It it is interesting. It it does lend itself to yeah, like microscopic uh, uh, yeah <laughs> impressions. <laughs> yeah, Dustin so. knows the next movie that will be microscoping microscoping on my end. Oh, he yeah. knows it because he and I watched it uh, not that long ago. Um, yep, it's my it's your my PG, PG pick. pick. Oh, your PG <laughs> pick. Yep, I didn't know it was the pick until after the fact, but and, mm-hmm. and I have no clue what it is either. So I'm I'm excited to find out. Ghostbusters. Maybe the first time you watch something and you don't you don't like it. So. Fuck that movie. I hate Ghostbusters too. <laughs> I don't know if that's PG or not. It just feels like it should be. I was gonna say really quickly about the Wraith. Matthew Barry, uh, in, in a week after this airs on Podcasting After Dark, the Matthew Barry interview will drop. Um, he tells some fun behind the scenes stories about making the Wraith. Um, a couple of funny anecdotes of, of things that happened. Uh, offset with the cast and crew so um definitely tune into that and you get a better sense of who this guy is because i think most often people are like that guy's really cool in that movie and then we specifically picked him uh cho- asked him to be on our show because he's such a standout performance and he was like an unsung hero and you don't he needs more attention because the guy's a you know good great performer yeah. timber I, I can't wait to listen to that interview. And uh, guys and gals, you know you know that over here, Podcasting After Dark, we're always putting on uh, some great shit over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. But I also hope that you're checking out patreon.com slash fee as well. Uh, both of these shows are, are dramatically different, yet we kind of like it's we hover in the same sort of hemisphere and everything. And, uh, you know, if, if you got a couple bucks to throw at Podcasting After Dark's Patreon, I hope you also have a couple bucks to throw at $2 Lafey's Patreon as well. I know that there are a few overlapping fans like our, our pal Robert Ortiz and whatnot. So, you know, thank you guys for, for supporting both shows. Uh, it, it, it doesn't go unnoticed, you know, and, and we, I, both of all of us, all three of us, really work hard uh, to produce some some great content. We we're trying to put put out some great content to keep everybody entertained during some you know rough times and everything. So if you like what we do, check us out on Patreon. If you like what Two Dollar Lafey does, check them out on Patreon too. Uh, we're all creatives, we're all artists here, and and you know we all have the same bills everybody else does. So it's uh, it's nice you know when when we get a little help in that in that regard. Keeps the lights on in the studios. As, as I should say. Mm-hmm. 
Thanks. So, and then, of course, check out all the shows on the BFOP network. We appreciate all the love and support you guys give. Check out uh, Blast from Our Past. Check out uh, Throwback Trivia Takedown, Talking Back, Action Action, People Don't Forget. And, of course, check out $2 Lay Fee. And Dustin, again, dude, this was awesome. The, uh, fucking the Wraith Thank episode you. for $2 Lay Fee was awesome. I love podcasting with you, bro. This I can see why Zach, you know, do, does two podcasts, man. You're you're a lot of fun, bro. Feelings uh, wh- mutual. Wh- Thanks, man. I appreciate Feeling. it. Uh, pl- plug plug your stuff, man. Where where can everybody find you out there? Uh, you know, in in the Twitter spheres and whatnot. Oh, me? Yeah, you can find me at Dustin Rubin VO. Uh, it's Dustin Rubin voiceover on Instagram, Twitter. Um, what else? That's it, really. Yeah, DustinRubin.com <laughs> if you want to hear any voice stuff, if that's your thing. <laughs> I'm 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 literally surrounded by two voiceover artists like right here, so I I appreciate it. You guys, both you guys, rock. Thank you so much, Zach. Any any final words on uh, on on the movie or anything? I just think this was a great experience. I'm so glad Dustin could come on and do this, and uh, it was nice. I haven't broken down a film in a few uh, sessions. Oh yeah, so I, I did two back to back, didn't I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is my this is my first breakdown post uh, summer experience. So it's it oh, was wow. nice to get back in the saddle with a movie that is very near and dear to my heart. Sincerely, um, and, and you know, I, I loved being able to do it with you guys. It was it was a blast. So. Uh, you know, thanks for for letting me fine tooth comb this movie. I don't do that with every movie, but the ones that I feel really personal to, I feel like I need to get all the dialogue down so people hear it and go, "Oh yeah, you know, that that was a great whatever." So you get the point. And uh, but this was a blast. I love doing it. I hope we can do it again sooner rather than later. And of course, you know, uh, support the 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 fact that you guys, all you listeners, support us on a regular basis. You know, through your positive comments and and just listening to the shows. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and yeah. thank you. Yeah, you you guys all rock. Uh, it's it's a lot of the same fans of of Two Dollar Lafey and Podcast After Dark. So thank you all so so much. Love every single each and every one of you. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>